I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Yo, holy F, man. Braden sounds sexy. Yeah, he does. I miss that guy. Uh, I, dude, I do too. Um, so, first of all, guys, welcome to... Man, this is weird. I'm hearing myself, Nick. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> you don't like it? It's, it's a little eerie. It's, it's a little... I, I, I like get used it. to it. It makes me feel important. <laughs> so if you're watching this on Facebook, you realize we're wearing headphones, and Nick has pushed us to get headphones. I don't think anybody's watching this on Facebook. I don't think anybody is either. Um, if you're listening to it, yeah, that's what's going on. Um, and it's a little bit different to hear yourself. You're right. Uh, it's nice. I think, uh, how, how am I volume-wise? Am I just as loud as... Do I need to be you louder? You sound perfect, Nick. You sound sexy, Nick. Do I need to be louder? That was loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You have meters in front of me. So, guys, we're going to uh, try not to listen to ourselves. Be patient as, as Matthew and I figure out what the hell I can hear my own voice. It's weird, dude. <laughs> Do you want me to turn you down? No, no. Uh, I, turn down my headset itself. Uh, uh, number, you're, one. You're number one. Yes, sir. Of course you are, you egotistical maniac. They're in the same order everything else is in. And uh, bring it back up halfway. Right there. See if I can deal with that. All right. Word. Okay, yeah. Because I was yelling at myself a second ago. <laughs> Yeah, I sound like in my headphones, I sound just a little softer than you, but uh, I think that that's normal because I hear my own stupid voice in my own stupid head. There you go. Yeah. But I don't think you're stupid. Oh, that's really sweet of you. I'm pretty sweet. <laughs> you're pretty sweet. That <laughs> voice, for people who are listening to this, is Matthew Peterson. Matthew Peterson, this is episode 13. This is the 13th time we've been dumb enough to sit together with our friends. Lucky um, 13. Lucky 13. Speaking of which, dumb enough, would you like a drink, sir? Yeah, man. I'm always I'm always down for the always brown. Game. So, guys, gals, uh, if you don't know Matthew Peterson, first of all, he is a friend. Uh, we met in what year? 09. 09. And met Matthew as a packer. He was a parachute packer known as... Malfunction what? Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Mal- Malfunction Matt. I'll, I'll ask you about that in a second. But the rest of the story, you're an AFF or STP instructor. Correct. Tandem instructor, videographer, rigger, humanitarian. Nylon American to you. N- Nylon American. What's <laughs> you don't know what my American? people have been through. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, uh, I'm, I'm an apologist. I'm sorry. I, that's, that's, we've, been, we've enslaved you. Uh so you do you do a little bit of everything in the sport. I try to. I, I try to grow constantly in the sport. Half of what we do on this show is talk about skydiving, and that's always kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that is some of our fans' favorite parts. Um, we have people who are Wuffos. I, I have about six friends who listen to this regularly. My sister, I think, is our biggest fan. Hey, why don't you explain the term Wuffo to the Wuffos? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Debbie. My sister explained to me that when we explain Wuffo terms, it's very helpful. And uh, Wuffo is people who don't skydive. Matt, tell them about Wuffo. So Wuffos are students that show up and don't understand why we jump out of airplanes. They go, what for you jump out? <laughs> and hence the Wofo. I thought that was pretty good, right? No, that's perfect. Okay. That's that's exactly my understanding of the word. What for? What you jump out of planes? What for? What for? What for? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it's good. I'm just keep talking. But um, yeah, showed up in '09. Uh, met you, met Val, met a lot of good people. Uh, kind of got my foot stuck in Texas mud. Met my fiance, uh, Chelsea Turnham here uh, that same summer, and she was silly enough to stick with me even as a dirty 
greasy packer all the way to becoming an instructor. Yeah, how did you score that? How did you lock that down? That's a good story. Let's get a couple more drinks in here. All right. <laughs> we, I will hold you to that. We'll bring it back. Uh, so I met you. We called you Malfunction Matt. Correct. Why? Well, my very first day on the job, I packed a malfunctioning main, and Michael Poole, of all people, of course, gave me the nickname Malfunction Matt. Uh, did you know Michael Poole, Mr. No, I, I did Mr. not. That was before my time. Super, super uh, passionate guy. Very passionate. Um, I don't know anybody who actually cared and loved for working with students more than Michael. I really believe that. That's probably the best word. Um, very passionate when you work with him. The guy who is very energetic, makes me look calm, makes me look tame. <laughs> makes me look calm and tame. <laughs> yeah. So you were called Malfunction Matt, number one, because you packed malfunctions. But also, we joked around about Malfunction Matt because you would like mentally malfunction and just oh, explode all over yeah, the place. Yeah, my, my anger and stress level was at an all-time short fuse. <laughs> Dude, yeah. So that's, for me, half of this is Sky. And I mean, half of this is the people story. I'm more interested... And our friends seeing, you know, I've had a lot of comments like, oh, my God, it's cool to see what Tommy's really like. It's cool to know the history of Ben Nelson, which why the fuck would you want to know anything about Ben Nelson? <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you feel bad ever like that we make fun of Ben so much and so aggressively? If like, we didn't, I don't know if he would know what to do. And I did ask him today to come here next week to talk about his base trip. Oh, oh okay. sweet. Like as a, as a guest again? We're yeah, yeah. Round, round two, Ben Nelson? Let's bring him back, dude. Oh, man. The Three Stooges. Oh. The Three Stooges. <laughs> you know, I have uh, a, close, I a close friend who will remain unnamed who uh, said... Yeah, if I'm ever on your podcast, I'm actually kind of worried about it because you guys are really mean to your guests. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was after uh, Ben Nelson and someone else. We, Jay, probably. Jay, yeah, oh, so, we're brutal. So that wasn't a good... I mean, it was hard to argue after those podcasts. No, absolutely. Uh, did, did you see any of that? <laughs> I got to... I usually watch them when they're live. I haven't gone back and watched them all the way through. But yeah, I, I usually kind of chime in and do a little yeah. questionnaire with everybody. Those guys, uh, we beat them just a, just a little bit. Um, that's okay though. You guys are really close friends. Yeah. Everybody should know that. Hope, hopefully Ben will come back next week. It'd be a lot of fun. So the other half of this is skydiving is, is the human interest story. I like people to know where we come from mm -hmm. and you and I have a similar background. <laughs> Hang on. I got to address this. 50% of the podcasts we've done, there's a cat meowing outside. I was just going to say. I don't know if anyone can hear it because I only hear it the tiniest bit through my headphones. Oh, no, I can hear it. You can hear it. <laughs> yeah. well, it's I, was, I keep looking over my shoulder. I'm like, is that cat okay? <laughs> it's better today than it was in the past because the headphones are actually muffling the noise. Uh -huh. In the past, like, take, take one ear off and listen to Ralph just cry at you. Yeah, wow. man, he's that's going way to town louder. out there. Yeah, yeah, he's he's letting you know he's got some business to tell you. Yeah, no, Ralph has to be on this. That, that's Dick Kitty. Um, <laughs> one, one of, so the cat I tried to tell you is really friendly. Yeah, you you trickster, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Heath has a scarred up arm from that cat. That cat got a hold of Heath's arm and left him bloody. Oh man! Now Heath was like, I left it in there too long to see if we could make friends. He's like, No, it he's not work. over it. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> he's not friendly. No, he's he's a prick, dude. Excuse me. So I want people to, to learn more about that. That thing you and I have in common is sometimes our temper, sometimes our anger. Oh, yeah. I mean, that just comes from uh, a Scottish and Irish bloodline. You know, it just kind of just comes out. And over the years, I've got a, a good fiance that's helped me to control it and friends that I could counsel to whenever my temper would get too loud or too, too aggressive. When I was a packer, we used to have a saying on the packing floor for me when I got too loud or too aggressive is sideburns. 
So if somebody heard me, yeah, if somebody heard me just getting a little too chimey, they'd be like, "Sideburns, Matt, sideburns," and plus to keep me getting in trouble with senior, or junior, or somebody. Dude, he there was a point where he'd call me once or twice a week. DJ, <laughs> I don't know how I do this. How are you not going to kill this person? <laughs> and and it, it blew my mind that anybody was asking me for advice on that how to kill somebody because <laughs> I regularly feel like I'm trying to kill somebody. Uh, yeah, it's just tough, man. It's something you, I've been living with yeah. and dealing with, and. Over the years, I think with age comes a little bit more wisdom, obviously, and you learn just to walk away. And I call it low testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> low T, buddy. <laughs> but it, it is still a struggle, and, you know, I'm openly honest and with it, and I'm not trying to, you know, go back to those old ways. So if people ever get the, the bad side of me, it's usually nothing with you. It's more or less my demons. <laughs> yeah, I I think we're in the same boat. I think I could agree to that. Um, and. I will, dude. I give you so much credit. Uh, it, it's the time I've known you. All of us as friends talk about it. You were a malfunction. Oh man, I was a ticking you were time train bomb. Wreck, bro. I was. I was not. I mean, I remember. I think it was either 2009, 2010. I made the. Uh, I took a plunge uh, on Facebook and said, "Describe me in one word." <laughs> and I think within two hours, I had a hundred people either saying angry, mean, aggressive. Like it was nothing. There was no positive words. And I think that was the moment. I was like, I think I need to change. Maybe I actually I, maybe thought I'm it was the, the moment you got your ass cooked at wild, cook, oh, cook a wild goose. At the wild geese. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a good one. That was. That's the last time I've been in a fist fight, man. Cowboys. Uh, they don't mess around. They. Uh, that's the last time you got your ass whooped. Yeah, man, I, I don't know the story. You're gonna have to share. That, that was one. that was a really good one. Well, we all went out, and of course, I took it to another level of drinking, and I passed out at the bar, and I I don't remember being asked to get escorted out of the bar, and when I was waking up from my my drunkenness, I had a, a bouncer pushing me. So what did I do? I turned around, I hid him. He went on the ground, and about four or five more bouncers came rushing me, and. They used my head for a soccer ball, so that was real. That was real educational to to not do that again. <laughs> you look beat for. Oh man, it was weeks. <laughs> I, it, mean, I mean, it, I didn't feel right for months, but yeah, it took good solid two weeks for my face to look normal again. It never did. No, no, no. <laughs> no That's why I don't understand why Chelsea's still with me. <laughs> uh, women date men like us. Because we make them feel better about themselves. Yeah, they they want to they want a pity party. They want to like help me out. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm a handicap. Valerie is like, man, you we were talking about Andy Narito the other earlier, mm-hmm. and you said Andy's helps. He volunteers at a what did you a say? A children's hospital, man. That guy, that is a good dude. But why did he say he does it? To keep himself grounded. That's it. To keep himself grounded. That's what it was. And that's why Chelsea and Valerie are with us. Right. <laughs> Straight up, dude. I I would not argue that for one moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's with Nick because of the height. Thing. She's like somebody I don't oh, get my toes to kiss. It fits for sure. It works. But uh, <laughs> I mean, there's just something about I don't know. I don't think she would love me as much if, if I wasn't an asshole. Right. Like especially when I'm making fun of her. Like when it's just I'm a little bit of an asshole and it's still just a little bit playful. I really think that's when she is her happiest. Dude, we we when we were out to dinner the other night, the way she reacted to your dick comments she loves that shit man she would grin ear to ear people ask me all the time when valerie and i are together i you know me i am foul mouth dirty perverted i you know my sister watches this and she's like oh you're not that bad i'm like i'm totally censored on this podcast and this is censored you you see me in the raw oh yeah oh yeah and that people look at valerie like how do you deal with it and she loves it the best um we were watching a movie a couple months ago. I forget what the movie was, but it was raunchy, dirty, and nasty. 
and Valerie couldn't stop laughing so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to catch her breath. (laughs) She was trying to get me to stop the video because she couldn't like not breathe until I did that. I need to know this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I'll have to ask her. The dirtier and the raunchier it is, the more enamored she is. So I I think we have a similar, you know, you're the a-hole. I'm just a dirty, dirty perv. See, I don't understand why you've already dropped the F-bomb a couple of times. Why are we, why are we regressing back to a-hole? <laughs> why are we regressing <laughs> back to a-hole? It's all right. Just call me an asshole. I, we all know it's the truth. It's okay. <sighs> I'll say it. You're an asshole. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my feelings to call my friends assholes. Well, the truth hurts sometimes, okay? You are what you eat. Come on. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, Debbie, if you're going to hey, watch and listen to this one, hey, mom. completely ignore ignore Matthew. And we're not even drinking yet, buddy. Uh, we're just starting. I'm only half a beer in. Hey, this is uh, my very first time ever uh, drinking on the podcast. Hey, cheers, Oh, boys. wait a minute. Let's do this. Raise a glass. Raise a glass. Stare him in the eye. Ting. Stare him in the eye. Ting. Did you call me a chink? <laughs> not to your face. Cool. I wasn't looking at dead counts. So uh, a lot of people know this is my favorite scotch. It's Balvenia, 14-year Caribbean cask. Not a bad bottle. It's good. Yeah, so smooth. Super smooth. Very smooth. Um, my other favorite, or one favorite, is a very smooth one. I'll have to, I'll get you hooked it up sometime. It's I've really been drink. drinking that Maker's Mark 46. Yes. It's super good. Yeah. Um, dude, it's... Uh, That's when you know I'm starting to get a little tipsy. I start saying super. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing we haven't had yet is kind of the podcast that gets a little bit drunker guests than some of oh, is this because what's about to happen it could possibly happen <laughs> could i don't possibly. i don't think i've stopped in 18 years so we're gonna keep it going we're, we're gonna keep, <laughs> keep the streak alive keep the machine rolling um <laughs> there is, I, at this point I have no direction so just start talking uh back to the malfunction matt i uh, a good uh a good <laughs> you roll of that really well if you would have put me on the spot like that i would have just totally frozen up no fucking idea well um, played uh steve senior actually we had our very first big meeting and you used to do the round tables everybody would have to attend it didn't matter what department and everybody's you know saying their piece saying hold their on piece. i gotta i gotta ask real quick this is when we had easy and steven in the, in the big uh, or in the manifest meetings and we all fit around just a couple of tables nobody was standing yet no it was a small enough staff where everybody could sit and you know we could all so picture that nick the entire staff i, I think i caught like the very well the not tail the last end. one of those but there are only one or two of those in my memory, and one of them was, okay. was pretty soon after I started. And now we couldn't have a department meeting in there that would fit. No, no. Yeah. It's, it, it's grown yeah. tremendously, which is good for the company. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. Spaceland is doing really, really well. We've met a lot of cool friends. Yeah. And it came back around to me yes. or myself, and Steve Sr. goes, Matt, you got anything to say? And I said, nah, Steve, I'm good. And he goes, can't be good. You got two black eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was like, yep, you're right, Steve. You're right. Uh, I got a little crazy, and I I don't think I'll be going back to the bars for a while. Dude, you a crow when he said that. You you were very humble. Very humble. Said, yeah. He did the he did the right thing to call me out and said uh, you need to quit doing what you're doing. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna carry on with you well if you you know keep acting like this. And that's always stuck with me. I think those are some of the wisest words I've heard. You know, after a fist fight. One of the things that impresses me the most, though, is like so many of us as friends will make a comment to another friend. We, we, we had a conversation a little bit earlier about one of my, our buddies that I made a comment to. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, hey, you can't do that if you come to the house. You're being rude. We're, you're a guest. Come on, man. Be a yeah. friend. And most people take things like that poorly. The thing that always impressed me the most about you is if you ever got advice from a friend, you might not like it, but you listen. Yeah, be receptive. You know, you might not agree with it you might not like it you you might like it uh 
listen to the words, digest it, and whether you stay with it or you poop it out, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, uh, people that aren't willing to open their minds, you know, I think that's one thing Chelsea's helped me to do is just always continue to open my mind, listen, you know, not just jump to conclusions constantly, but... She is great for you. She's been awesome. I'm going to keep name dropping for brownie points, by the way, so... Dude, I don't know if you noticed, it's like four already. She actually at <laughs> some point said, don't tell that story, so we need to figure out what that story is and then get you to tell it. That's the goal tonight, Nick. Well, I did also in the uh, title of your podcast mention uh, you being Papa to one of the cutest dogs anyone will ever know. Oh, I wanted to bring so my sh little... Shout out to Tuesday. My little Frenchie. She is uh, one of my flames. Uh, Tuesday, she's 10-year-old Frenchie. And uh, well, four years ago, Chelsea went down to visit a girlfriend uh, down in the valley. And she called me up and she said, I think I found a dog I want to bring home. I go, okay, what is it? She goes, it's a Frenchie. I was like, don't bring that small dog home. It's going to yap. It's going to yell. It's going to be <laughs> needy. And then after a couple of days, she tells me, she's like, this is it. This is the one. I was like, all right, if this is, if this is the dog you want, you know, bring her home. And for a couple of weeks, you know, I was loving on her. I was like, no, you're not going to sleep in the bed. No, you're not going to be on the couch. And I think two months later, she walked in and Tuesday and I are watching a movie and I'm taking a bite out of the banana and I just kind of lean the banana over to the dog and the dog takes a bite. And that's when Chelsea walks in and goes, Matthew. And Tuesday and I sat up like <laughs> I just gradually put the dog down. <laughs> and yeah, that is uh, that's the was the beginning of Tuesday and I becoming best friends. Dude, that dog is a riot. Oh, uh, she is. <laughs> unless you knock on the door, doesn't bark. She she's a lap dog all the way, and yeah, she's she's my lullaby. Anytime I lay on the couch, she puts me down for a nap. She just jumps up, lays with me, and I I just go down. Dogs, man, are one of my favorite ways to take a nap. Right. I actually want to talk to uh, dogs. I want to talk to Critter or HP sometime. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. It's oh yeah, no, those two would be great guests. Great yeah. guests. Uh, we might might watch them make out, but <laughs> right. I think they're in love with each other. It's the beards. <laughs> they like to rub their beards. It's not funny. <laughs> I used to have a good one. I got rid you of you it. You guys both have pretty decent beards right now. Don't take offense. It's yeah. It's coming back. It's 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 getting longer again. I've been wanting to cut it all the way off, but Chelsea keeps threatening me, so I've been keeping it around a little longer. You know what? One of my uh, all time favorite sayings is: "There are two types of people in the world: people with beards." And women. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep the camera doing uh, that. Andy, if you're hearing, remember that. <laughs> yeah, I always said uh, there's two types of men in this world, those with beards and women. So it's, uh, it's okay. Uh, I don't think you're any less manly for having a beard. I just don't think you're a man. Right. That's, that's all there is to it. I mean, that's the defining line right there. Yeah. Look at my pictures of me without a beard. I look like a child. Oh, yeah. I still look like I'm 20 years old if I cut my beard all the way off. Dude. Somebody had to convince me today not to use your 18-year-old or your six, your 12-year-old picture. Oh, your my glamour shot? Oh, baby Matt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was some good times that with was the a earrings. Beautiful picture. Oh, Mark Keller, shout out to you for uh putting me out there like that, man. Everybody loves you for that. I almost shared that today <laughs> as part of your like, hey, you come see me. You probably should have. You probably would have got more people to tune in with that. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at what a growing pain star or something like that. Oh man, it was uh yeah, that was the spiky hair, lots of gel and earrings. <laughs> Jersey Shore style, I would call it. <laughs> Malfunction Matt. Jersey store Jersey Shore. Um, what's a Jersey Shore guy? I don't even know any of their names. Uh I think one of uh, them was Jersey. The situation. I remember that guy. That, you do you know what? The situation. You'll work. Yeah. You're the situation. I'll do that. All right, situation. <laughs> um, Malfunction Matt, back to that that whole idea. 
you would never get too offended at what people would say to you. And I think one of the conversations you and I had, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends. I learned from a guy who who probably treated me as his enemy. He didn't like me. He was the president of a college that he kicked me out of for no founded reason. Everybody who knew I got kicked out would argue. And it's only, come ask me that in person one day. I'll tell yeah. you the story. It's interesting. Excuse me. But I never had a problem. I didn't care. He's the president of the college. I, I, I don't care who you are. Yeah. And one of the things he taught me in a leadership class I had to take with him is if anybody says anything about you that makes you mad, it probably makes you mad because it's true. Correct. Take a deep breath, step back and evaluate it. And then in 24 hours, respond. Because you'll either respond with a level head and smart words and you have a good conversation or you realize they were right and you'll say thank you and you might be able to fix yourself. I would totally agree with that. I, uh, <clears throat> I I think I heard that piece of advice from either my uncle or my grandfather. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it, it's those those kinds of words will stick with you. The other the other thing that has really God dang that's driving me nuts. That power surge strip fell down, and now I can't help but stare at it. Oh, OCD kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if you see something that somebody else is doing and it makes you mad or it frustrates you, you don't like it. Don't say anything for 24 hours because you probably don't like it because it's true in you. Take that time to go like, why is that driving me nuts? Because that's a personality quirk I have, a personality flaw I have, and that drives me nuts. Yeah, it's really the uh, takes one to know one sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you really see your flaws in other people and they bother you. Yeah. And if, if you do think about it and it's not a problem in you, then you know how to at least educate or, or intelligently say, hey, Nick, man, the way you keep rubbing your nose against the pop filter is so <laughs> is it cute. cute? <laughs> it kind of, I'd like you're giving yeah. Eskimo kisses. Eskimo kisses. Mm. You're, you're Eskimo, yeah. So, uh, I was really looking, really looking good on Facebook Live right now. There you go. I actually thought about getting I'm you. I'm not even going to show you guys anymore. I'm just going to keep doing this. It's weird. I don't know why I really do have this. Like, as soon as I get close to it, I feel my nose touch it and it's like I just explore it a little bit, you know? It's nice. We give Nick a glass of wine. <laughs> hey, come on. And he starts making out the microphone. I had, I had the whole glass. Look how small I am. Jesus. <laughs> so there's a bottle out there waiting for you to get a second all glass. All right, here we go. There we <laughs> yeah. go. I like it. So malfunction, Matt, Matt, all these things, I've, I've watched you grow. And kind of, I want to weave some of those stories as we go along, as we talk about this. Um, he really got the, the best story out is you got your ass whooped one mm. day. That's uh, that's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, oh, dude, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. People I mean, with ribs. I mean, my knots on my head, my eyeballs, my cheeks. I mean, it it was all pretty bad. I've never seen a friend look like that who's been beat up before, and I've seen a lot of friends beat up. You should have seen the other guy. They look good. Yeah, dude, their <laughs> shoes were covered in blood from oh, you. Oh yeah, it yeah was, they had to clean them off. Yep, yep. They uh, yeah, I, I did a I did an overnighter that night. Rory Corrigan actually came and picked me up. Shout out to him. I knew him for like three weeks. Guy came and bailed me out. Dude, Rory's a fucking good kid. No, he's man. he's always been good to me. And uh, again, shout out to Rory Corrigan, awesome guy. Ah, uh, dude, uh, Rory, Rory is a really good guy. Um, he's we know him as a rigger and a tunnel instructor primarily, but mm -hmm. we've known him for a friend a long time. He's treated people very well. He's yes, a very he very good dude. He'll give his shirt off your back. But he gave me my damn fucking audible or my visual altimeter back. He gave me my Viso two back with dead batteries in it. So Rory, oh. if you're listening to this, at least tell me I got dead <laughs> batteries when you give me my crap back, dude. I know I have an extra one. 
That's but awesome. at least tell me. <laughs> I have replacement batteries, but I need to know. You need to know. Yeah, yeah. Can't be going on a load with dead batteries. Yeah. So you show up, your malfunction mat. You had 50 jumps when you showed up. Is that right? Uh, a little less than that, but yeah, around 50 yeah, jumps. Yeah. I want to say 39, but you know. And how uh, much did you think you knew about skydiving right then? Well, I took a good eight months off from uh, Vegas to Texas. So when I showed up, I, I knew nothing still. Oh, yeah, I, show, yeah, I showed up looking as green as could be. And he actually, despite... And, and, and I'm not trying to be a smart ass. People say we're mean to our guests, but this is a conversation. Yeah. You showed up as a total douchebag, mm-hmm. but you were at least humble knowledge. Whenever you acted douchey about certain things, if you got advice or input, you did. You weren't a douche about that. No, no. I'm always, I'm pretty receptive. Yeah. You were never a know-it-all. You just had a, uh, an anger. I That's just, what it was. Just anger. Just a lot of rage yeah. inside. So you show up with 50 jumps, and, and during this time frame, you start getting hooked on skydiving. You're just a packer here at Spaceland. Correct. I when I showed up, the my whole goal was just to jump, 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 and I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a watch. No, I didn't. I didn't look at my email address. I literally knew when to go to work when the airplane took off, and I knew when to go home because the green light would show on. You lived in the RV park. Uh, no, I lived in worse. I had a uh, I had a shack with no windows. <laughs> you lived in the bunkhouse. Yeah, remember the Ori's old bunkhouse, bunk Ori's bunkhouse. But it got moved uh, from there when they got the the portables. You lived in Stephen's backyard. Yeah, I lived in Stephen's backyard shed. You're the one. I'm the one that lived in there for like eight <laughs> months. It had no windows. I was the only one with an AC unit, but it was awesome. We called it the stabbing cabin, so it was good. Dude, I knew somebody <laughs> had moved back in. I had no clue who it was. Oh, it was me for a solid eight months. It was uh, it, that's. Where we would go play uh, Call of Duty and slay zombies all day long <laughs> in between loads. The stabbing cabin. The stabbing cabin. <laughs> the, Let your I, mind wander I've, with that one. I've only very recently <laughs> been made aware that in uh, like that's a hip hop slang term. Stabbing it out yep. means to have sex. Correct. I totally missed that for you a long time, child. and I'm really excited. I know that now. The stabbing cabin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Chelsea is not happy with me right now. I already know. <laughs> so, Mr. P, what we've learned tonight is Mr. P learned the word stabbing this week. No, that, that, that was within the last few months. I learned. I, just, I was just happy to hear Matt. Oh know. man, um, the easy things <laughs> that entertain us. <laughs> oh, I had no clue you lived in the fucking dude. Shack. It was it was some rough times back in the day. Um, and and interesting enough, my first season here, I was more into the party scene. I think my goal every day was to make sure there was a bonfire going and a cooler full of beer for everybody to go hang out. Kelly Thacker, shout out to him. We did that for, you know, X amount of years until we flipped Jason's golf cart <laughs> and thought <laughs> we were going to lose our that? job. <laughs> So hold on one second. Well, I feel like maybe I've heard that story mentioned before. Everybody's heard this one. It's a good one. Maybe we need a reminder. <laughs> we need you a flipped Jason Hyder's golf cart. So yeah, I think this was 2010, 2011, one of those years. I want to say 2010 or 11, one of them. Early on, uh, you know, we're all hanging out, having a good time, and I go to the portable restroom to, uh, you know, go use the restroom, and I went in one side, went out the other to go watch, you know, landings or something. I look out of the corner of my eye, I see this red golf cart with the keys in it. Poor JD forgot to put it in the second hangar, and I said, well, we're going to have some fun tonight, (laughs) and we were using that to make beer runs, and then Kelly and I were doing donuts, and flying up and down the the driveway where you walk up from the parking lot and we were going through that uh the white fence right there and we must have uh, they told tell me that we were going through like four or five times before we clipped it and the golf cart flipped and hyper extended my knee 
And I don't know if you know, those batteries are very heavy. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, they <laughs> They've are. They've got to be at least 65, 70 pounds. Yeah. Matt was effed up for a while. I, w- I didn't jump for two months. Yeah. Like, it was that bad. I, I had to do uh, a lot of PT in the pool, low impact for quite some time, rubber banding it. It was... How drunk were you at the moment that the golf cart flipped? I don't remember. I woke up to the <laughs> batteries on me. That's how drunk I was. The pain is what woke me up and sobered me up. Notice he bad. said, I was told we went through there four times. <laughs> well, and, and funny enough, when I was 12 same thing happened to my same knee my buddy and i were in uh at the time my mother's boyfriend's backyard uh doing donuts in a golf cart that had really bad brakes and i jumped out and he started chasing me and uh he sandwiched my knee with a parked car bumper and i was out for six months then <laughs> so i'm not really good with golf carts so whenever i go to the golf course i usually let somebody else drive i'm gonna walk the course i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna man. i'm gonna walk this one with hank <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Hank is the guy. I, I love Hank to death. I don't know anybody who works out more who's fatter. Oh, I mean, Cheryl makes some good food apparently, because man, he's he's looking he's looking fit. Dude, I cannot blame uh, in the flame. What the hell are you talking? No, about? No, he said Kelly? I'm the flame. Kelly, I, when you were flame. when you were talking about Tuesday being your flame, Kelly claimed that he is the flame. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kelly, yeah, he's been my muse for some years now, but uh, yeah, for sure, Tuesday's my flame. Chelsea's my my muse. <laughs> Dude, and Kelly's your main squeeze. My we main, know better. He's my boyfriend. We know better. We've known each other for, you know, I think since I was 14, so that would put us at like 17, 18 years. Do you guys kiss with eyes closed or eyes open? That's that's our business, sir. <laughs> Dude, when, when Valerie and I got married, the next time we saw Matt Bessonette has Matt, Valerie goes, look, honey, now you only have one girlfriend. Aww. So, and then when Matt got married, Leah told him the same thing. Yeah. Matt and I, you you know Matt and I's history and mm-hmm. background. A lot of people don't see us together anymore because, you know, he moved to butt fuck nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it's not too far, but he, he acts like it is. Yeah. Hey, he's been coming out more. They do, they're super busy with the business. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, their problem is a success. It's a good success. Yeah. A good problem. Yeah. So now you're here. You got 50 jumps. You're drunk all the time. How come every one of these stories gets side railed by you getting drunk and screwing something up? Um, it, it's just how I was raised. Vegas, man. We, we were always <laughs> taught if you if you didn't get drunk the next night and black out, it wasn't a good time. Hence the hence the saying, we have good times. <laughs> Dude, everybody goes to Vegas to party. You just live in Vegas to party? Yeah, uh, it's Vegas is in my head. It's it's never left. <laughs> <laughs> um how many jumps did you do your first ju- year here? You you were a packer and a jumper. Just 100. How long were you a packer? Uh, I was a packer for two and a half years here, and I did a, a summer in Vegas before I, uh, I walked out. I, I know this might be silly to some people, but a packer is somebody, we actually pay people to pack our parachutes. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough job, by the way, so yeah. make sure you don't piss those guys off. Some people will pack their own parachutes, and there's nothing wrong with that, absolutely. I prefer to pack for myself because I'm a cheap bastard. Um, dude, I bought fucking Will a motorcycle one year. Did you know that? No. Will Groves bought a fucking motorcycle one year. <laughs> and it, as a joke, I said, oh, dude, I'm glad I bought you a bike this year. And we laughed, and he told me how much it cost. And then we did the math. I bought Will Groves a motorcycle one year. That's and that's the day I stopped using Packer. And seriously, that's when I said I will use a Packer if necessary. After that, fuck you guys. I love you, but I bought the dude a motorcycle. No, yeah, it it adds up really quick yeah. if you're jumping a lot, especially if you're working and you're having to turn loads. Yeah, that money adds up quick. I'm I'm like you. Not only do I only trust myself and you know a handful of people to touch my parachute, I'm I'm cheap. 
This sport's not cheap. <laughs> no, it's not. But Packers, man, you guys are absolutely, on a Saturday, the hardest physical working person on a DZ is your Packers. And if you're a skydiver and you're listening to this and you are not tipping your Packer a dollar a pack job, oh, man. You you're guys, an asshole. You, you guys are rude. I mean, I know you already think that it's it's you're paying them well. It's not good enough. You should try one month of packing every weekend, and then you'll understand the pain. It's a service-based industry. You got people watching out for your gear, watching out for your life, and recognize a good packer. If a dude's just putting my parachute in a bag, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the money you asked for. Exactly. But if that dude's pointing out problems, changing my closing loop, pointing out my lines are wearing out, if, the, if I see him actually looking at my gear while they're doing it, and I tell you, my friends at Spaceland, my friends uh, at Skydive Indianapolis is where I came from previously, all those packers are looking at your shit. They're taking care of you. Correct. Throw them a dollar a pack job tip, man. It's not going to hurt you. Um, if it's going to hurt you, pack for yourself. And sorry, Zach, if I told everybody not to use you anymore. <laughs> um, how you Two and a half years here as a packer. Correct. What got you – how many jumps did you have when you got off the packing mat? When I got off the packing mat, I had just over 500 bu- jumps. I think it was like 550, 555. Okay, cool. So dur- during that process, you made a lot of jumps. And here's what a lot of people have no clue and don't know about you who, who – or at least internet fans of this, mm-hmm. you are one of the founders and actually one of the administrators for Third Coast Skydiving. Yeah, uh, DQ. What's up, David Quist? Shout David out. Quist. Uh, DQ and I, you know, uh, we started that up. We just wanted, there was no organizing. There was, there was like nothing but four-way teams, belly flyers, you know, a, f- a handful of free flyers, but we just wanted to jump. We wanted to get people together. We wanted to hang out more. And, you know, when we first showed up, it was shut the doors, go home, no no yeah. hangout afterwards. And we were like, no, nah, let's build a pit. Let's do some Thirsty Thursdays, some Fun Jump Fridays, you know. And then in the week, middle of the week, we would practice canopy stuff. But, yeah, uh, David, I think – I don't want to take too much credit. I wanna really want to say DQ started it up, and I just kind of helped uh, push it along, get people – You wrote his coattails? Yeah, I wrote his coattails. That's, Sound familiar, that's, Mr. That's P? a really good drop. <laughs> <laughs> coattails. He's what not listening. No, I, I'm totally listening. He's, I'm just he's trying, cleaning his fingernails. I no, think. I'm just trying to. What, who's coattails? Who's I, I, coattails? I'm insinuating we have any success here at all. Is what I'm insinuating. Oh, that I'm writing your coattails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even a part of the show. I'm just <laughs> See, taking name credit. No, this is what you need to understand. So, uh, DJ and I are both mutual fans of the Joe Rogan podcast, Joe Rogan Experience. We both listen to it a lot. And so, when uh, DJ came to me with this idea. I was like, dude, I'll be your Jamie. Like, I'll be the technician. Like, I'll run the, I'll run the, the show behind yeah, the scenes. scenes and clean and my nails. And no, clean my nails. But, but the, when I agreed to that, like, Jamie is not part of the show. Like, they'll go entire episodes where he says nothing. Like, he's just not part of the show. And DJ's like, yeah, you should be more part of it. Like, you should talk more. You should get more involved. And so it's like, yeah, I'll prepare questions. I'll think about the conversation. Oh, you don't have to it's do like, that much. <laughs> you just jump in and help break the ice <laughs> See, a little more. But, but you don't understand. Like, right now, I turn the camera on me. And like it's like I have to have something that's worth saying that's big enough to interrupt your whole conversation. Be like I have to have this important thing. Yeah. So uh, that's not this is not what I signed up for, but I like <laughs> it. I'm not com- I'm not complaining, but uh, I I just I'm having to fulfill a little bigger role than I expected. I, I just you're wanted doing a good job. I just wanted to push buttons and hang out. That's all I want. Dude, I will honestly say I think both of us are shocked at what we've done so far. Um, we don't have a lot of followers. We don't have a lot of fans. Our measure of success is when we shit the stop button on this. Is did we all have a good time acting like assholes together? Yeah, just having a good time. Yeah, nothing, nothing big or major yet. Hopefully, but yet we we've had a lot of responses from our friends and from people on, on Facebook, and and 
it's even gotten to the point where I've had people who have no clue who they are saying, hey, dude, I listened to that. I'm like, well, fuck, thank you. Right. And I really, truly appreciate that. So I, it's not just as a bigger for you already. I've, I'm shocked that we actually have had the number of downloads and our people listen to this. No, and uh, in all honesty, I do almost nothing for the show other than show up and push buttons. Like, DJ gets the guests, gets people on, schedules everything. I keep like, asking him to if, give me guest names, and he won't. If you, <laughs> if you didn't tag me on Facebook... For these, for these, for these you events, I, I would up. totally forget. I wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah, that's so why I, I tag you. I, I do. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, I do almost nothing other than sit here and uh, turn this camera up every once in a while, adjust the microphone volumes. Not no real work goes on. But uh, so you do most, almost everything to make this show happen. Dude, I, I have no problem admitting I'm the engineer. Like last week, we had a, an audio issue, and he had to host. And, and actually play host for a little bit while I came over and fixed the audio. I That's fun. Second of it. I hated it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so what I learned is I'm going to have to go pee in about 15 minutes, and I'm going to take 20 minutes to do so. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's Perfect. different with, with Matthew. Like, there's no pressure. Like, we're buddies. Yeah. Like, I could just bullshit and have a conversation. I don't feel like that. Like, I didn't prepare for this at all. It's just, yeah, it's just Matthew. I'm just it, shooting the shit. It's just going to be a, a fun little chat here. Yeah. So speaking of Matthew and fun little chat, dude, we're just this is all crazy stupid shit right now. Um. We talked about Grazia and doing something to speakeasy. I think I'm ready. And here's what I got to know. We're going to, so Robert, you know Robert. Robert is the manager, the other guy. Who, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Adrian, Adrian was the owner. Yep. Uh, they both have said, if I want to do the podcast there one night, I can. We're going to do it on Tuesday night. Oh, that'd night. be cool. Tuesday night, we're actually going to go in. We're going to do a, a lead-in video that we'll preload on OBS. Okay. And then we'll start the show with a lead-in video so they saw how we got in there. And then we're going to take, you know, the tables we had, we're going to square them up so nine of us fit around it at a U towards the bar. Okay, that sounds nice. We're going to put condenser mics. I have a whole set of mics over here. So we put two or three on the table so it just captures all the audio so we don't have to play this mic game. And get nine of us assholes together and sit there. Here's the one problem. We have to have one conversation. We can't have three yeah, separate. Yeah, it's going to be impossible. Mm, I would start smaller. <laughs> yeah, nine's yeah. a lot. That's, that's to nine go from, yeah. from one guest to eight guests? I'd like five. That, that, I think that's a. I, I think five would be very a doable. doable number, yeah. But we need the extra table space because they're going to have to put out food, drinks, whatever, and also we have to take half of this crap with us. So uh, we'll figure it out. We'll oh, it. We, we'll we, I think together. we can do it. You think we can do it? I haven't yeah. been to a speakeasy in a while. So when, when did you? When do you want to do this? So what I need to do is I need to figure out who of us idiots are going to do it. We need to pick a date and a time that works for us and for the speakeasy. So get a group together, get a date together. We'll figure it out more. Um, I don't want to seclude some of the staff. We should try to get the old schoolers like Rabbit, Jason. Rabbit won't come do this. He won't come do this? Rabbit. Dude, he's so personable, though, when you actually get him drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Rabbit. Like, I I love Rabbit's one of I mean, he's been here longer than I have. You know, you, Jason, Rabbit, you know, obviously Steven Jr. Yeah. Uh, But it's it's just nice to see those old... JP. JP would be good. He's he's an old schooler and... uh, if Boston ever came back into town or anybody like that, that would be a. I think that would be a great group of people to have yeah. on. JP actually wants to come do this. He's got a lot of knowledge to share, and JP and I have talked about coming to do this at some point, and, and we'll talk more about those dates when we can. Cool. Um, Rabbit. So Rabbit is afraid of saying something that he's not allowed to say because Rabbit has he's, a lot of inside knowledge yep. that he can't share, and really, it's not say something embarrassing. It's saying things that he cannot share for business. Correct. And so his caveat is, is we don't air it live. We only record it and then we edit it. And I said, no, I'll do it, not live. We'll record it and not do it live. 
but it's either we release it or we don't. Okay. There's no editing it because that's the one thing I don't want. That's the one thing I don't like. This is yeah, it's it's raw. It raw. <laughs> you ever you ever watch Eddie Murphy raw and delirious? Oh man, shit? yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, dude, Dexter McSwing. He's that's that's a good one, dude. Oh my god. So uh, sorry. Anyways, that's <laughs> some of my favorite things. Nick, what are you doing over there? Oh, I'm just exploring my options with Facebook Live. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to Pornhub. Do we have any questions from <laughs> our guests or viewers? Uh, you guys are both on on videos in Pornhub. Is that what you're telling me? I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> me and I Frank mean, Chance, buddy. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm I'm still not in the loop on that one. You keep wanting to get that nickname to stick, but I'm not. I'm not Dude, familiar. It's, there's no good reason to. Oh, okay. There's no good okay. reason. We sat here and talked about. Yes, Nick. I brought it back to VR Pornhub goggles. <laughs> yeah, this is like the eighth time down this road. Eighth time in 13 episodes that we're gonna have to talk about Pornhub. Nice. So I mentioned that you can get Pornhub on VR goggles and see sex in VR 3D goggles. <laughs> that's that's cool, I guess. And somehow <laughs> I mentioned like Frank no. Chance. No, you didn't mention it. You talked about it for at least 20 minutes. Well, I'm trying to get through the fast version this time for you, buddy. (laughs) Quick version. So then I mentioned, yo, Frank, hit me up at the drop zone. I'll let you check it out sometime. Yeah. Just random. Frank Chance. Don't know why. Okay. And so now my nickname for him is Pornhub. Um, Super good dude. I love Frank. If that sticks, that's that's a lot of embroidery done onto a jumpsuit right there. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, have you... And then he put a picture on Facebook of him with some chick at some Vegas award show for having the largest breasts in the world. And she's wearing net top with, you know, duct tape over, uh, X'd out duct tape, so not even pasties oh, okay. over her nipples. And he's wearing a Chippendale dancer's outfit, like nice. topless with a bow tie. That's, that, that kind of, yeah. That reinforced Pornhub for Yeah, me. yeah, so for he, sure. So he's right. kind of stuck there. Now I'm with you. Yeah. So we got, so Rat, Rabbit will do this, and actually, uh, Nick, I really want to get, I'm sorry, Mr. P., I really want to get Thank Rabbit out here at some point. Um, it would be fun, but it's that's going to be one of those. It'll be fun because we'll release it because he didn't say anything stupid. Yep. Or it'll be fun because we'll have something in the vault that one day we can actually play with. Yeah. One day we can fuck with. I think he's leverage. enough of a self-censoring person. I think he, I don't think he'd say uh, anything that would get him in trouble. <laughs> I agree, but he doesn't. Yeah. So I said we'll record it, not air it live, and then we'll just podcast it straight out. So if, if that's what it takes for Rabbit to be on here, we'll do that. I like it. Um, no, uh, Ben Nelson, if we go to the speakeasy, Ben has to be involved. Ben, Ben is, we, we nicknamed him, Ben nicknamed himself Mini P. We call him Mr. P. What's the P for? Go ahead. Perfect. The eighth time. Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect. Yeah. You don't, you haven't heard of me? I, I thought that was I'm Blair. Great. You spit no. out the gum and swatted across the arena? So Braden, Braden Smith, for, Braden. for no real reason, Big just started calling me Mr. Penis. Okay. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why. But I would gone. I would walk into the video room in the morning and he'd be like, Hey Mr. Penis. And <laughs> because Mr. Penis isn't the most appropriate thing to call a person all the time. I would agree. Sh- got short to Mr. P. Hey Mr. P. Good morning, Mr. P. How you doing, Mr. P? And I think uh because Braden, I think, played a big part in uh, both DJ and I falling in love. No, you told Braden about Joe Rogan's yeah. podcast. Is that not right? Yeah, but I told Braden about Joe Rogan. But we're, there's but, a man love triangle going on. I got you. But Braden's the one who's responsible for me list, starting to listen to podcasts because he wouldn't shut up about it. He would always <laughs> talk about it. And then finally, I was just like, all right, well, shit, I'll listen to a podcast. I'll give it a chance. So I listened hey, to you. Hey, Pornhub uh, just tuned in. Just saying. Oh, did he? <laughs> sorry. Hey, Frank. <laughs> so, Braden, you were, I'm sorry. You were saying, Nick. No, it doesn't matter. There's no it real story. Matter. Mr. Penis, Mr. P. Mr. Yeah. P. What? And I just called him Mr. P like the first time he played Young Jamie, the, the producer slot, and it just started sticking for fun. Let it let it ride. Yeah. So by the way, it's a penis, not an ice cream cone. Yep. It's very directional. So if you aim it more towards your mouth, it'll pick it up a little bit better. 
Boom. If you keep it like an ice cream cone, notice my voice goes away some. Ah, like that. Notice my voice is back. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm right at you. Yeah, so I know uh, with your relationship with Kelly, you should be used to... Womp, womp, womp. That, that motion <laughs> right there. So you started Third Coast Skydiving or... or, or uh, DQ 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 David Quist Yeah David Or David started it up And I believe He might have asked me I mean it's been so long I mean that was back in 09 But yeah He uh, he had it going And then We just started uh, You know Organizing We weren't even doing it For slot We were just getting People together You mm -hmm. know and Everybody was jumping By themselves Or doing two ways Or not talking to each other and we're like Dude let's get everybody together And we started Thirsty Thursdays one week, and then after a while, we realized that Fun Jump Fridays were better because we used to do STP classes uh, at 6 p.m. Friday night, and they used to leave the hangar open till you know 10, 11, however long they needed the the classroom to be open, and so mm -hmm. everybody would hang out on a Friday night and then get everybody to stay the night and jump all day Saturday while we packed. I, first of all, Nick, did you have any clue that that's how Third Coast started? No, that was uh, that was already a thriving thing when I showed up, so I didn't really know the backstory. Yeah, so a lot of people actually think Third Coast skydiving, uh, the or Third Coast uh, sky organizing rather, is a skydive spaceland uh, page. And if you're ever on it, actually, it is a private page by David Quist. I love the fact that you kept calling him that. So yeah, now, I mean, I hope he's not upset with me right now, but I don't <laughs> think he is, man. DQ is a good dude. No, I don't he's, think he's, he might he's a great dude. It. Everybody should get to know uh, DQ. Yeah, um, but. It's really a private page owned by you guys. Spaceland uses it yep. out of the fact that it's just a prospering page and you guys have done a good thing. And over the years, we've actually said this is what started fun jumping at Spaceland really to grow. This is what started fun jumping at Spaceland really to grow. And I actually just now really had had a moment or epiphany, something that made sense to me because I show up in here in 05 and that's really when fun jumping died in Houston as far as at Spaceland, you were either on a team or you were a student. You Correct. were training. If you weren't training, you weren't skydiving. We didn't have tons of just normal fun jumpers. And 05 was kind of the end of the fun jump era here. Okay. You know, it, it, it's before that in the early years of Spaceland, it was a lot more, uh, uh, there was a lot more going on. Mm -hmm. And it died. And over the years, people will ask me, what do you think brought fun jumping back? And and I really didn't think about it till you said it. You and DQ actually brought fun jumping back. I know people don't want to, you know, believe it, but I used to, I used to fun jump a lot because of that group. You know, oh, I, I, I would show up all my days off just because they'd be like, "There's nobody here." I'd be like, "I'm coming. Don't worry. I'm, I'll organize something." You know, and it was, you know, of course there was the intentional, not intentional, but the unintentional zoo dives. But for the most part, we were always really smart, kept it small, and there was more talented flyers. We'd put them together and. You know, of course, right when I thought I knew how to free fly, I started rigging way too much, and then uh, I kind of just fell off the the fun jump scene. We're gonna get back to rigging in a second, just to, to acknowledge that uh, one of our buddies, Kevin Craig, Kevin, dude, he watches all of these on video. If mm -hmm. he doesn't watch the video, he goes back and plays them. Nick, that kind of blew my mind. People are actually uh, watching them on video as much as they might be podcasting. Them. You guys need to find some other hobbies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best part it's as soon as I addressed Nick. He was eating a Quest bar and was muted, and I made him sit back up. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, quit, quit <laughs> leaning can you back. Guys, can you guys hear me snacking on this? You don't get so, paid to just <laughs> sit back and watch. Hey, I ate Chipotle right before I came over here. <laughs> food coma. Val made us food when we got here. Delicious, Val. And yeah. I'm snacking already. I like it. <laughs> and he's I'm just, skinny I'm as just, a rail. I mean, you jumped off. a lot today. You got to burn those cards. I didn't jump he once. Didn't jump, oh, dude. you should I'm, probably stop. I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm putting on weight right now. It's good. Actually, today, you spent all your day doing what? Oh, uh, we had a really big event this weekend. Yeah. 
uh, when I have 90-some gigs of footage to go through, so I was organizing You got fucking 90 gigs from that. That's a lot, yeah. I mean, there's outside... We had four to five groups going all weekend, so I have outside video from all those groups and then inside video from everybody who uh, who left it, and then I reached out through the Facebook group to everybody else. Hey, if you got the good shots, send them my way. So I have 90-some gigs right now. I'm sure I'll get more. That is awesome, Very cool. dude. Excuse me, I'm going to belch. I'm glad you guys actually had a successful weekend with the way the yeah, weather was. Yeah, the weather looked super doubtful, yeah. but man, with these events, it, I don't know what it is. I'm not a I'm not a big believer in anything upstairs, <laughs> but man, something that just happens, it just comes together every time. I be- Usually each event we we yeah. do lose one day to weather, but uh man, it was it was great. We didn't lose much. A lot of people have no clue what we're talking about. If you're not a Spaceland person or you're not a jumper in general, we we had uh, this is our weekend once a year. We have an event called Live Bigs. And uh, if you're a jumper, you might remember something called Lodi Sequentials. And Lodi Sequentials happened in Lodi, California. And there was a lot of really, really awesome flying. And our, our one of our drop zone guys, one of our managers and owners, Stephen Boyd, made it there. And he said, guys, this is cool, but I have a drop zone. I want you to have it at. And he got him to bring it here. And they turned into Live Bigs and Big Ways. And uh, that's out of respect to Robbie Biggs. The, uh, Nick, can you share that story better than me? Yeah, yeah. Uh I was just about to share a, a video that tells a little bit of the story from from Donna and MX, who are the main organizers for the event. Donna, Donna MX, and Mikey Knight, and Steven, of course, they all cooperate to, to make it happen. But yeah, Robbie Bigley was a, a friend of theirs who passed away. He was kind of uh, just well known as a super friendly person, a great organizer, someone who was was always the guy to reach out to someone with not many jumps at the drop zone. You know, someone who's just kind of a, an undercover badass, someone who's a really great flyer, lots of experience, didn't make that known to these new people he was reaching out to and would uh, just kind of share that passion with everybody. But uh, I'm going to share the link to our uh, 2015 event video that, uh, that tells a little bit of that story, and there's some, some awesome flying in it, too. Dude, check it out. If you guys are just downloading the podcast, uh, you know you can look up Gravity Lab Radio on Facebook, and Nick shares a lot of these videos. A lot of these comments, a lot of what we talk about. Nick, Nick definitely does a good job sharing it. So, Mr. P, thanks, thanks for that. Um, we are considering putting these videos. I told you on YouTube. I've actually had a few people request YouTube. Even Stephen Boyd Live said throw them on YouTube. Um, the only problem with having them live on YouTube is they don't save the comments at the end of a live t- a, a live stream on YouTube. All the active comments get deleted. Why is that? Because YouTube sucks. Because they're owned by Google, uh. and Google sucks because iPhones better. No, I would agree. I have no clue. I'm just <laughs> trying to piss off every Android user. I've never owned an Android, and I've never owned an Android, not because I dislike them, but you'll never know what you're missing. I have an iPhone. I've only had an iPhone. What's better? I don't know. I've only had one. I don't know what I'm missing. It's okay with me. That is the only reason I won't buy an Android, because I'll never, I won't care. I just, I just use what my sugar mama gets me, so thank you, Chelsea. Dude, well played, sir. Sugar mamas. They're good for something. Yeah. Dude, I'm tallying them up. That's number five at least. Oh, man. They're, they're going to keep coming. Yeah, but does calling her your sugar mama negate that? Or is she like Valerie and she goes, when you say sugar mama? No, she shakes her head at me and says, get a better job. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, holy shit. Live Big. So, Nick, you were talking about that, the Live Bigs weekend here, man. Some of the coolest skydive. I... What amazes me, first of all, and I can't wait to see this video you're producing 90 gigs out of, is some of the flying, man. And you've watched some of these. Oh, it's imp- super impressive. Unbelievable. But what's more amazing is I, wa- I sat around this weekend because we had some weather time and they were dirt diving. And watching MX engineer some of this shit, like watching him engineer and watching him put it together and figure it out in front of us, I was like, 
it blew my mind. And then watching the Flyers try to wrap their mind around it. You guys are doing some warped stuff, dude. No, I mean, MX's group, they definitely have, I don't want to say there's an A, B, and C team, but there's definitely a big B team, and then there's MX's group of people. And they do some really next-level stuff. They, they're top stuff shelf. That, I mean, the, the flying is really difficult. There's actually some really funny video. <laughs> you know Tex. <laughs> sure. Tex is a great flyer. Yeah. And he's really smart. You know, he knows how to really put uh, put all the elements of a, of a skydive together. He's, you know, got a couple world records with less than 1,000 skydives. He's, he's an yeah. awesome flyer in the yeah. tunnel. But you, there's really funny footage of, footage of him on the airplane really thinking through those dirt dives. Like, you know, the, the classic four-way FS flyer that we all make fun yeah, of with, yeah. the, with the arm things. You see him going through those motions in his head, and there, there are a few candid shots of him really concentrating just because it, the, the flying really is that difficult. I mean, the, the skill of the flying is, is difficult. And then, I mean, a big thing that I struggle with is just remembering everything. Yeah. Of like, especially when we're, we're doing uh, multiple sequential jumps that share different, you know, share the same points a couple of times. It's like last jump you were doing left hand to that guy, this jump you're doing right hand to this guy, and then it moves this direction. So it really is a lot to think about and a lot to remember. And uh, that's even just aside from the ability to fly those those pieces that are being planned out. That's that's a whole other thing. But flying it is one thing, and remembering it and executing it well is a, is a totally different thing. You guys, it, it, absolutely just unreal. Uh, dude. But, oh, about his organizing, yeah. I mean, I, I really wish he would do more of it out loud, just so you could, I mean, you get to hang on to a little bit of it, because there's, you know, especially when you do a, a few similar things over and over, you yeah. can kind of get a little bit of a feel for what's going to come next or what sort of move is going to come next. But, man, there's a lot going on in, in all of their brains that it's just so... Uh, you see how much experience they really have to have to be able to think through all that and, and, and put it together. It's awesome. I wish you would have been in the packing room for the series I watched because you watched them go, okay, who is here? What were you doing here? So if you went here to here, how would... And you watched them think out loud. And, I mean, just like just watching him and then Steve Curtis Curtis was across the way shaking his head and agreeing or disagreeing you know just help guiding the way being that friendly acknowledger man they're just I love the tunnel crew that they'd put together undercover ninjas yeah that's, that's, a, that's a great name dude because you just said it he's an undercover ninja like number one um, they're not out there blasting their name they're undercover ninjas because they want they just want to fly and be awesome but they're not caring about putting a name brand out there. But also, if you meet him, you have no clue. You just met one of the dopest flyers ever. Yeah, most of that crew, from my experience, uh, they're just—they're all really nice and genuine. I don't think I've ever had a bad interaction with any of them. Uh, yeah, they're—they're they're all good people. Every time they show up, they're yeah, very super respectful. humble, really friendly, always into you know finding finding new people to bring to these events. Um, yeah, they're—they're they're not definitely not what you think of when you think of someone who could be a you know stuck up top of their game condescending sort of sort of person they're not not that at all correct yeah i get a shout out to spaceland light because they're the same way as a four-way team but but teams and groups out there if you go to a drop zone watch these kids man watch mx watch don watch the crowd they hang out with um all of them man i got the uh a downing man steve downing i really enjoy steve downing and i actually jumped in elsinore at the same time frame as young jumpers we just never really knew each other heath richardson tried to convince me we know each other and Steve and I met, and we can compare names and know each other. And just based off of that, every time he sees me, hey, what's up, bro? Hey, how are you doing? They are the nicest group of people, and they're the most humble guests you ever have show up. They show up, and the drops and says, hey, man, this is our policy. Awesome, dude. How can I help? That yeah. Dude, they are just... 
a lot of times if you work at a drop zone and you hear, oh man, there's an 80 way event coming, you're like, great, 80 more people in my way. It's people who work at a DZ, that's not an uncommon attitude. No, not at all. You hear Live Biggs is coming this year and you hear it's going to be 80 people and you're like, 80 of those cool motherfuckers? <laughs> it's a good time, man. So, uh, all the Libix crew, thanks for thanks for being out there, guys. And, it, and it's nice for the uh, the young jumpers to see that too, to know that you don't have to carry yourself above younger jumpers or inexperienced level than jumpers. You should be carrying yourself just just like you would in the real world. Just be cool. Yeah, dude. Nick, I know for you, it's probably one of the most humbling experiences because I know what you think of your own flying skill and where you're at. I mean, th- this was honestly the most comfortable I felt during one of these events. Good for you. That, you uh, deserve it. I didn't get super I saw you smile out. once. Yeah, no, dude, I was having a blast. <laughs> like, especially Thursday. It was our first warm-up day. Yeah. And I don't think anyone expected the just the level of skydives to... Like, usually the warm-up day is a real warm-up day. There are people who are rusty and... I mean, myself included, I haven't been fun jumping very much, but man, it, it, it went off. It was awesome. Super fun. And the most uh, most apart I've felt of like a skydive or any community at all, and as long as I can remember, the, the funnest skydives I've had in as long as I can remember. Nice. So it, it was awesome. It was a, I don't remember the last time I had so much fun skydiving. It was great. And that's exactly what kind of crew they are, man. Because recently you and I had some conversations about how nervous and how freaked out you can get to some of these events. (laughs) (laughs) And even usually it's the the two plane shots that get me really going, you know, because the visual is so big. And when you're dirt diving it, you know, I try and I try and remember as much as I can to to make sure I, I fly to my slot. Um, and I think I just overthink it. You know, I think I start thinking way too much about what I'm going to be doing, like about the, the mechanics of my flying, which is all, you know, I know how to fly. I know how to move. I know how to stop. I know, how, you know, I know most of those things, but when you overthink it, it's, it just doesn't work the same as when you just do it, how it comes naturally. So usually I just get way too in my head about it. I get way too stressed out about it. Yep. And yeah, it gets hard. It gets scary. It gets intimidating. But, uh, I, I really just, I, I had a conscious thought before the event started, like, hey, I'm just going to, if I notice myself feeling stressed out, I'm just going to pick a different feeling. Like, I'm just going to try and feel something else and enjoy enjoy what's going on. These are skydives that don't happen very often. There's a group of people that don't get together very often. They all, you know, we, I, I was uh, really flattered by the number of people who knew who I was that like that Norman Kent knew my name. I was like, oh my God, Norman knows me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, man. I, man, it's super, it's super flattering. And uh, that these people who are some of the very best skydivers in the wide world, that they come to our drop zone and they they use it as their playground and I get a I get to be on those jumps. It's awesome. And it felt really good to be able to to hang on most of those jumps. I did ask Fly on one jump and kind of ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, It'll but, happen. But uh and, and it, that is exactly what I like. Overthinking it, I totally overthought this flip down. It's all I thought about the whole plane ride up <laughs> is how what I was gonna do to not mess it up. And I said, as long as I don't do this, I'm gonna be fine. And of course, I did the thing that I thought to not do. But uh, luckily, I'm editing the video, so I'm not gonna put that part in there. <laughs> it needs a blooper reel. Just saying. Yeah, that, yeah. that should be for the the cast credit or whatever. Man, you say so many amazing things in that conversation. As much as he's not part of the show, you see he really Yeah, is. he's all in it. I, I've yeah. watched the shows. Um, Norman Kent has actually agreed. We, we talked about Norm when uh, uh, Marion Sparks was here. Yeah, you can call him Norm. We're buddies. Yeah. Call um, my buddy great Norm. Great friends. <laughs> yeah. I, I've known Mr. He Kent. Ten pals. I've known Mr. Quint for quite a long time. I actually, we, we've done some big wave videos together. I, I would shoot videos at the World Freefall Convention for the practice jumps and then he would show up for the regular jump and my DZO was the organizer. He goes, yo, DJ, brief Norman Kent on the skydive and I'm like, where do you want to be, bro? 
And him and I talked about that today. I was like, dude, when they told me you were on the jump and to tell you what's going on, I'm like, uh, you know what you're doing. You tell me what to do. See, but that's another reason I like that dude so much is he's so, uh, again, just, just somebody else who's super kind, super humble, like not gonna, I mean, he's, he's an awesome skydiver, awesome photographer, awesome videographer. And he's just a real friendly dude. He's not going to hold any of that above above anyone. No. Super, super, super nice guy. Yeah. I actually got to do that with another mentor of mine before I got to do that with Norman Kent. So when Norman Kent showed up, I'm like, hey, man, where do you want to be? He's like, where have you been? I'm like, look, buddy, you're going to get the better shots. You've got the money shots. You're going to do this more justice than I will. So you tell me where you want to be, and I can fly around it. This is what we've been doing so far. And as long as he had the information what we are doing, he goes, well, I'd like to go here to get the shot I want. And I'm like, cool. Then I'll take this slot. But you you were saying that he agreed to be on the podcast. Is that what I heard? Absolutely, dude. That's so cool. uh, he's That's coming out cool. here for Jump for the Rose. Jump for the Rose is the beginning of October, and uh, him and I are going to talk about a month ahead of time and actually arrange a date and time. So we've got him coming out. I don't know if you know the name Tom Noonan. I think you might know the I've name. I've heard the name Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan is the director of tandem operations for UPT and the Sigma Tandem Rig, which is by far the largest tandem system in the in the world. But for me, more importantly with Tom, Tom, it's not that uh, Tom, not that Tom, Tom Noonan. Noonan. Yeah, hell Hang no. on, let me get to Facebook. Uh, Facebook will know. He doesn't have any IMDBs. <laughs> um, Tom Noonan also is one of the guys on the Everest Expedition Skydives. He goes every year working on the Everest expeditions. So imagine some of the stories this guy's got to oh, have yeah. from hiking through Nepal. Yeah, that's the asshole right there. Um, super good dude. Super passionate about tandem skydiving. Super passionate about Everest and Nepal. Um, so I really want to have him talking a little bit about the tandem world. Um, you know, uh, UPT, 80% of the tandem manufacturer or tandem rigs on the market are probably UPT Sigmas. At this point, that's what the world's kind of guesstimated. Yeah. He's the director of the tandem operation for that system. That's very that's, cool. He's got that's a lot big. of knowledge. That's huge. I don't want to blow up his head and his ego any further than it already is. I, I was love you, say, Tom. I'm kidding. Stroking him. Yeah. Um, he, he, but he's a good dude. He's going to have some cool stories. So we got him coming up. Uh, and that's actually not till November. And that's the weird part, Nick. We're actually now talking to people two and three months ahead of time. I like that you say we. Makes me sound cool. <laughs> I say we because I'm trying to convince you to find me a guest. You have friends. Yeah, I'll find somebody. Okay, cool. But uh, they uh, might they might suck. I can't promise anything good. We got Matthew Peterson tonight. Yeah, yeah I mean, see, they might your, suck. Your standards are already set. <laughs> We've had Ben Nelson, and we're talking about having Ben Nelson a second yeah, time. Yeah, that's almost embarrassing. Yeah, dude, that's scraping the bottom of the barrel twice. <laughs> I love you, Ben. If you're listening, please come out next week, man. He, ben is doing his first base jumps this week. Yeah, that's what he was saying before he left. Uh, good luck, buddy. Yeah. Um, did he seem more nervous or excited to you? Uh, he seemed like Ben. Grumpy cap. <laughs> I'm going to go base jump for the first time. <laughs> I'm pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he looked excited. Uh, he, he was talking about it quite a bit the days leading up to it. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure he's having a blast. So I'm hoping next week he'll come back and he'll share his story. I think he needs to get back to see what his schedule is. Correct. Um, but he, uh, I want him to come like, hey, share your story about how you learned to base jump and just just more shenanigans. Um, just for people listening to this, a total waste of time, Luke Hively is coming out in like three weeks from now. He's uh, known for proxy flight uh, videos, uh, Lucid Dreams. Uh, Lucid Dreams 3 had like 900, 800,000 views. <laughs> so he actually has done good in the proxy flight world. Okay. Lucid Dreams 4 has less views. A, it's not been out as long. And B, he's backed off a little bit. You know, I think uh, people who don't know this, and I think it's August of 2016. Ironically, 2016, 16 people died proxy flying in August of 2016. That'll, that'll push you down a little bit. So the proxy community um, is either backing off or continuing to push. And, and Luke's one of those guys who said, man, I've seen what I've seen. I've done what I've done. And I've done some really cool stuff. 
let me back off while the getting's good. And he's still doing it, but he's not pushing the lines as hard. That's that's probably smart though, man. That stuff scares me. Yeah. So um, I, I'm happy to because he's a super super chill dude. Um, uh, Nick, w- have you ever met Luke Hively before? I love it when he's talking, eating. Hey, I'm eating over here. Yeah. H- have you met uh, Luke? He's got a mouthful. I feel like I met him last time I was in Dallas, but uh, I couldn't say with any certainty. My memory's so bad. I think you'll like him, dude. Super super. I, I haven't met anybody who doesn't like Luke yet. Super super friendly person, man. He's a really nice guy. That's good. Oh. I would say I'm like 90 percent sure that someone introduced me to him as that guy. As Luke Hively? Yeah, as the guy who who made the who makes those bass videos. Yeah. So uh, speaking of which, uh, Luke Hively had agreed to do the film festival with us, and we advertised it as Luke at first. He talked to the rest of his crew, so the Dallas bass crew is hosting a Dallas position. We're hosting this position, and then we'll get the face off. And really, all of this means I'm doing all the work, and they're having all the fun. Uh, and if you have fun and we'll do it again, I'll do it again. You know, I kind of... Uh... <laughs> Rethought my position. I, can I just show one of my videos at some point? You're not eligible to win. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah. What if it's even just like some, like an opener to kick it off, a short teaser of some sort? That's not so a bad right idea. Here, I really <laughs> don't want to do this. Like when we first started talking about it, I really didn't want to do that. Yeah. But when I get like this, uh, I've built the intro for this for this Biggs video. Yeah, yeah. And it gets me super pumped up, man. <laughs> like this morning when I, when I woke up, like the thing that got me out of bed to like, get up and get going is like man i got all that footage i gotta watch today and like speaking of steve curtis like me and tommy watched steve curtis's footage and just were like oh my god he's so good like, just <laughs> totally geeked out about it like how about how fast he's getting to the base and like the like he does this crazy like gainer when he pitches oh man that, that dude knows how to skydive he does it right nice dude and he jumps an infinity rig just saying smart man just saying um not that mirage thing hey it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's sorry. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, Mirage isn't paying me yet, so uh, yeah, getting yeah, infinity. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Unless, <laughs> unless you're a tiny little five foot man with stubby arms and you need a short little Mirage, it works great. So Infinities actually make SN models that might fit your stubby little arms. Oh yeah, tell them to send me one. Why don't you try mine on one day? Because you are a normal sized person. <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> the harness might not be. Why yeah. don't you try Valerie's on Sunday? Yeah, she's still a good like she's six a inches taller. taller than me. Yeah, but you guys weigh the same. Yeah, that That's doesn't matter. Weight doesn't. Uh, the harness is too tall for me. Come on. Try Felicia's on. Okay, now we're talking. <laughs> there we go. So you're the size of a 90 pound Mighty Mouth. There you go. I love you, I Rob. She's got a little thick thighs. It's all right. Does she? No, I do. I'm, oh, I I'm, like, her, same, uh, I'm her same build with thick thighs. <laughs> I was like, like man, what's your standard of thick, brother? Girl's <laughs> <laughs> got toothpicks for legs. <laughs> I love you, Felicia. Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> um, dude, I have lost total track of what's yeah, going on. I have no on. idea what we're talking about. We're just yeah. gapping. Cool. Oh, we were talking about Steve Curtis and how great he is. <laughs> you want to go back a second on that, God. Dick? No, I don't, but I will watch that footage a million times over and be super excited about it. So uh, the other day, my sister laughed because she said, uh, I mentioned cross, CrossFit girls are my porn. My sister thought that was hilarious. Steve Curtis is your porn. That's what I'm nah, I mean, it doesn't get me sexually aroused. It just gets me aroused. In like a, okay, maybe a little bit, but it's mostly just I really enjoy watching it from... I know how difficult this stuff is that he's making look really easy, and I appreciate that. Absolutely, a, one of the and best flyers ever. And it makes my pants ever. tight. 
<laughs> there you go. Now we're talking. He's on a team called Arizona Arsenal, and there's a reason they're one of the top teams in the world always and one of the top contenders at, contenders at any meet they're in. So they're just sick flyers. And it's fun because he's not just a sick flyer. His wife is. And watching them fly together, whether it's in on a skydive or whether it's under canopy, they those two are in sync with each other. That's very cool. Okay. Have oh, you ever yeah, s- well, see, that's another thing. Watching his videos today, they're doing team swoops. Over at the pond all the time. They're doing I, tight touch incel style team swoops. No, that's so cool. Sometimes when I'm going through that footage, like I see canopy stuff and that stands out to me less because the video is really about the, you know, these videos right now. Sure. It's about the flying. So I'll just kind of click around and skip through it. And I thought I was about to see like a close call under canopy thing. Mm-hmm. But no, it's absolutely intentional, like basically bumping incels uh, on a swoop. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. That's very They're cool. They're planning out touching incels. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, they're, they're just absolutely Pushing. sick flyers. That's very cool. And they jump infinities. Nice. <laughs> smart. Very smart. Um, You get off the packing mat after two and a half years and 500 Oh, jumps. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Matthew's on the show. <laughs> it's hey, all good. Hey, Matthew. It's all, what's we, going on, man? It's all good. How are you? You guys are, like, growing out. I, I like a, it. I had a really good weekend. Sorry. I never get to, like, he hang asked, out with Nick Nack and, and DJ. So this is awesome. No, don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm dude, having fun. We got to do the, what is that, the harp where we did? Steak night, man. Is that still going on? Mondays and Thursdays, dude. They have pork chops, steaks, lamb chops, fillets, potatoes, pasta. I mean, it's it's really good. Go to the harp. Seven o'clock, Mondays and Thursdays, steak nights. Thursday night, next week, Nick, what are you doing? Next week? Yeah. Going to the harp. Going to the heart. Sweet. I'm always in. Dude, I, I told Nick after we had uh, Raul on the show, we're just turning this into our food network, man. We're just going to make good dinners out of this plan. They had, uh, I had lamb. Oh, yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, dude. you said that was the best lamb you've ever had. I don't know if it's the best lamb I ever had. It was the best lamb Wyatt, I've ever Wyatt had. Wyatt said that. Yeah, it was, yeah, I don't know if I said that, but it was damn good Yeah, yeah, lamb. He, he gives you your money's worth. If you get the filet or the lamb, I mean, it's usually at market price, but... He knows how to cook it. Oh, dude, I ate some of, I think, your steak because my food, they forgot my food and didn't mm-hmm. show up or something. Dude, that steak was Oh, man. It's le- and that green sauce, it's so oh, yeah. garlicky and spicy. It's amazing. <sighs> You'll that- breathe garlic for a day, a day straight. It doesn't matter how much you rinse your mouth or brush your teeth. That garlic just sits in your belly. Ooh. It's amazing. Chelsea found that out the hard way last week. <laughs> <laughs> that it sits in her belly? That's right. Are we still talking about the green sauce? Hey. Yes. <laughs> your sisters listen to this. I'm sorry, Debbie. I'm sorry. And from now on, I said for all you Wuffos listening, I'm just going to say, Debbie, this is what this means. (laughs) I actually get debriefed by my sister on some of these podcasts sometimes. She'll call me up. It's like, hey, so I just listened to to whoever. She listens to them in different orders, and they exist. And uh, she'll tell me what she thought of you or how it went. And she's got, like, a lot of interaction. So it's very interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, I love my sister. Um, And actually, if you could be like my sister, I'd love you guys. She's annoying mm. as hell. Um, <laughs> but she actually left, and I've been bugging people. Please go to iTunes, leave a review of the podcast, only if you're going to leave a five-star review. If you're going to leave anything lower than that, <laughs> then go like review Brian Germain's live chat, which he does a good job. I'm only joking. <laughs> Brian has a really cool thing going on as well right now. Oh, okay, cool. Um, he does a casual chat where he does a Skype interview with people. Nice. So he can talk to anybody, which That's I just, cool. I don't like Skype. Yeah, it's so much better live. Dude, we can't pour him another glass of scotch over Skype. Really? You need another beer? I would love a beer. Let me get you one. You're a man of men. Mm, I don't know. He's a midget among men. Midget among men. Midget among men. I was trying to be nice. To be fair, I'm huge. (laughs) In Japan. That's why he dates an Asian girl, (laughs) so he looks tall. Smart move, Sam. So back to now you have... (laughs) 
<laughs> now you. <laughs> I'm like waiting. I'm waiting to see this moment. Yeah. At some point, you have. Uh, you, you're going through your two and a half years. You actually took your coach course, and the rating center had been around for a few years when you did your coach course, but we were still a very young, fledging company. Yeah, you had that blue uh, Hawaiian style uh, shirt back then too. I still have the blue. Hawaiian oh, you still style wear the blue? Shirt. Oh, okay, I, dude, I've carried the blue shirt out for um, several years. It oh. actually has been my mainstay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Buckner owns Option Studios. Uh, he does all my graphic design. He does stuff for LMB and everybody. Adam's a really good dude. Um, Adam is actually right now, uh, and, and he might be at this very moment, designing a new shirt. Very cool. So we're going to come out with a new design uh, this month. He also did, uh, he does, he, uh, he did the logo for the show. The mm-hmm. caricature was done by a friend of his because he doesn't do caricature art. Yeah, I was going to say the logo is really, really cool. Yeah, so the Gravity Lab logo, and I actually named that dude Monty. It just, it just seemed right to me. Monty Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. If you ever watch, uh, I forget the name of the show. Um, <clears throat> but beer assistant. Thank, thank you, you buddy. Thank you. Um, dude, I done forgot what was going on here. Uh, did my coach course with you? Yeah, and with Vulcan. And uh, no, we did our tandems. You did your tandem together. We did our oh, tandems. Oh, that's an even the, better. Yeah, story. the coach. Uh, I think the coach. I can't remember who else I might have done the coach course with, but yeah, I know. No, when we did the tandems, um, you know, Vulcan was just just as well. I wouldn't say green is the word. Uh, new to the drop zone, yes. and he had been doing video for at least a season, and. I think it was just my time where I was on the packing floor and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to go do something else. I, just, I don't like complacency. I don't care to just you know, stay stagnant. I feel that if you're not pushing yourself to do something else or find something new, you're, you're probably just already dying. You need, to, you need to be able to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And doing tandems was scaring me. I mean, I remember... After we watched the malfunction fatality videos and what could possibly happen, I, <laughs> I asked you to let me step outside for 10 minutes because I was debating <laughs> if I was going to finish this course. I actually it was remember scary. this. It was, uh, yeah, after seeing that side spin video, I was like, I need 10 minutes. Yeah. And he's like, why? I was like, I got to debate on if I'm going to finish this. I'd never make it through that course for that same reason. Like, I mean, just because I've, I have so many tandem videos, I've, I've never really thought that I was about to see someone get hurt during a skydive. Yeah. You know? But just to, to know, you know, I, you see your friends get taken on a ride every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And then you see those more serious videos. And it's like, man, I don't think many people really put this in pr- perspective about uh, the risks that they're taking on. I mean, you know, as long as, yeah, oh, there it is. There Vulcan it is. And Vulcan and you in a coach course. Holy moly, dude. Oh, look how young my coach face course is. Picture, buddy. What year is it? It uh, was a coach. We did, we did all of it together. 2010. Matthew Peterson and Vulcan. So the rating center was uh, a year and a half old because I think this is April. So yeah, we're just a year and a half old when you did your coach course. So it was a very, very new thing for Valerie and I still. And Vulcan was a really good a partner, in my opinion. I mean, he was quiet and we got along and that always makes the course a little bit better when you get along with the guy that's in the room with you. I don't think he was like too many questions or overbearing. It was just like that nice kind of happy medium. He was definitely by far a very easy conversation. He was very easy to talk to. I'm super curious. I'm trying to figure out when you did your tandem rating. Uh, it had to have been 2011 because I got off the floor after two seasons. So 2009, 2010, or maybe it was 2011. Yeah, it was 2011. And I've been doing tandems for, you know, better part of six years. But I did take uh, a... Hang on. Rabbit just tried to and it says, wait, you still skydive? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Rabbit, I don't know how long you've been listening, but we were we were chatting about you a little earlier, my friend. Oh yeah, you missed out, so you're you're a little far behind on the on the crap talk there. 
or shit talk, I should say. I don't need to keep it G-rated. I uh, I just don't think I posted your picture of your graduating your tandem course because at that point I wasn't doing all the photos that we do now. I did my tandems with uh, Gavin, right? Gavin and I did our Gavin Griffin. What's up, buddy? I miss you. Um, he's down at Skydive Space Lane Cluiston doing his thing as a rigger, wingsuit, canopy, everything. So he he does a little bit of everything too. Yeah. He would actually be a fun guy to have on. He actually he would be. He he would be entertaining. He'd have a lot of really really stupid stories, which is perfect. Yeah yeah. His his uh, daily positivity pisses me off, but I still love you, dude, on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely one of the more upbeat people, and that's really annoying sometimes. Oh man, I I see some of his posts, and I just want to give him the mean face, but I don't because I love him. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who Vulcan did his tandem course with. I can't remember. I thought I, sw- but yeah, it was the coach I did with yeah. Vulcan, and then tandem with uh, Gavin, and then Dave uh, Lebowski. Grabowski. AFF. Grabowski. Excuse me. Dave Grabowski. Lebowski's good enough. Lebowski. Dude, when Vulcan did his AFF his tandem course, he was taking Donnie on the front. Donnie was his front right passenger at that point, and this was the, the first couple. So Donnie's being good. Donnie's not. Co- Donnie's cooperating. He's being nice. Yeah. And, and and sorry, Debbie or Wuffos who are listening to this, when you become a tandem instructor, you actually take very experienced tandem instructors first. We're your guinea pigs, and we train you from the front. And Vulcan took the drogue, threw it underhanded. So the drogue goes underneath his arm, <laughs> bounces <laughs> off his arm, off of his and Donnie's face, and clears. <laughs> so that's, that's the moment you knew this wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vulcan showed up the next day, and he goes, I put a pillowcase in my back pocket all night last night and kept throwing it out of my pocket. And all he did was throw it. And, and it really, it showed a lot. It meant a lot. Yep. I mean, Vulcan, you know, he doesn't do tandems anymore, but he finished. You know, he doesn't, he didn't carry on, but I think that speaks highly of his character that he was, he went out, he finished it, and then he just said, it's not for me. But yeah. he finished. And he, he didn't just finish it. He did something that a lot of people won't do is he'll give it a fair shake. Yep. He actually did it for a little while. He tried it, you know, he, he didn't just do it once or twice. He goes, this is not for me. He actually did it, said, I don't think I like it. I'm going to do it a little bit longer and make sure I don't like it. Yes. So, I mean, you you just can't write something off just because you don't like it. A lot of times our nerves don't let us like it. Yeah, fear is just an illusion most of the time for people, so you just got to kind of push by, past that mental block. Dude, so well said. Fear, fear, it really is an illusion. Um, false expectations appearing real. Correct. How many times have you had fear in your life, and all of us have had it, and in hindsight, the fear you had was an unrealistic False expectation. It's just a chemical imbalancement in your brain trying not to let you get hurt. Imbalancement? Im- Im- did I say that right? Imbalancement. <laughs> is that is that a word, Mr. P? Uh, if I look that up, I'm sure that's not coming up. But Okay. Well, I like to make up my own words all the time. <laughs> I, Micah Areola. Let's just say imbalance. That's good. We'll call Imba- it good there. <laughs> Michael what? Micah. 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 How do you say her Ariola. last name? How do you say her last name? It's Ariola. You really say her last name, Ariola? Ariola. <laughs> That's so awesome. I never <laughs> knew that. I, I always just kind of thought it looked like Ariola. Because, you know, that's the part around the nipple, right? Uh, right. <laughs> oh, man. I love Micah and Kelly. They're the backwards couple. She's uh, got a guy's name and he's got a girl's name. Yes, correct. Yeah. But at least they own it. Um, when did you do your coach course? How many jumps did you have with, with I, Vulcan? I want to say I had just the bare minimum jumps. Yeah. If I remember right, I think you had more than the bare minimum. It might have been 300 or something yeah, like that. I don't think it was tons. I think it was like around the 200 mark. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember you're in Vulcan's course because at that point, we still liked Vulcan. 
Now, now I think he's just a total a-hole, man. Screw you, Vulcan. Um, at that point, we were still friends with him. And it was really weird because when Vulcan thought we hated him, we liked him. Yes. And now that Vulcan thinks us, we like him, we hate him. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's gone flip-flopped. <laughs> it's all fair. Believe what you want, Vulcan, because we, we know you will. Um, uh, you guys were a fun course. You were a fun group. And, and you guys did well. It wasn't, it wasn't a very hard course to train at all. No, yeah, no it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast. And then you got your tandem rating. Your tandem rating actually got you off the packing. Man. Yeah, man. I mean, the moment, I mean, I'm just like every, you know, KDP, new tandem instructors, you know, you're just happy go lucky. That's all you want to do. You talk about it day in, day out about your jumps. And then you then you knock out 3000 real quick and you're, you're like, oh, yeah, it's the same thing over and over. Dude, Mr. P, I'm sorry, I saw the word Mr. P. Forget that, Nick. Uh, Chris Fudala. I was sitting with Chris Fudala Sunday afternoon and Chris Fudala who is a newer instructor still, mm-hmm. who is on cloud nine still. And I, and don't get me wrong, because I'm about to make fun of Chris. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Chris Fudal as a person. I'm a huge fan of Chris Fudal as an instructor. He's a very good dude. He's a very good instructor. He's a good friend of mine. But Sunday afternoon, he was bitching to me about a student in particular. Yep. And a couple in general. And we all get there, man. It gets it annoying. Happens. You wear us out. As student jumpers, most of you are great. Most of you are fun. And most of you are absolutely the reason we do this job. But some of you are as annoying as hell, just like I annoy, annoy you. <laughs> so Chris is now jaded. Chris is now broke. You know, at some point, you see an instructor is going to break. Your spirit <laughs> yeah, is jaded. Y'all broke Chris Fudala. You broke him. The difference is, is how many guys have you seen broken as an instructor? Oh, man. I mean, on staff now or in general? In general in life, right? <laughs> the difference is, is Chris Fudal is going to be one of those guys who's going to be okay. No, he's going to be fine. He just needs to get that camera helmet set up so he can go piss off Nick. <laughs> hey, don't wish that evil on me, all right? <laughs> hey, he actually is. We're, 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 we're cracking down right now. <laughs> we're cracking whips. Yeah, big things are happening. <laughs> he wants to, first of all, he shot video for me for AFF courses, and if you ask him to shoot a video in a, sh- a style, shape, and a manner, he has no problem working on it till he can, and he will be able to. That's good. And, and I don't doubt that. And Chris is someone who you know stands out as somebody who wants to learn, somebody who wants to work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, just, uh, I don't like the people that want to shoot video just because it's fun. And I do shoot video because it's fun. It is fun. But uh, I actually heard this <laughs> saying. Steve, speaking of Steve Curtis again, I heard this said. Uh, this was him being quoted in the in the loading area at the Bigs event the day before he showed up, and he said, "You can start having fun as soon as you stop fucking up." Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. That work needs to come first. You need to do a good job. Yeah. And as long as you've made doing good job doing it right a habit, now it's time to party. Now you can have all the fun with that as you want. But it takes okay. a, a level of uh, focus and thought and commitment to to do it right in the first place. And now, once once doing it right is just the thing that your brain does. Now, now you can have fun. Now you can play with new things. I, I just shoot the product so I can get to my parachute. So I'll fly as tight and as as good as I need to so I can get to my wing. See, but that's not even true because you're someone who comes in. You watch your videos. You look through your pictures. You say, "Oh, I need to be doing this better." Like you're very self evaluating. Thank you. I don't have to give you a ton of feedback because I know that you're going to look at what you're doing, use your brain, and you're going to try and you're going to pick up apart something about it to do it better, which is why you're not a problem in the video department. Which is why I'm not super offended if you don't show up to a meeting because you're not usually the person that I that I have an issue. These with. meetings aren't for not, you. Not to get too much into work <laughs> stuff, but I love people to pick themselves apart like that. Someone that you don't have to like. I don't have to go say, "Hey, man, like." Why are you doing this? Because you're already asking the question before I get to it. I'm the, I'm blushing right now. No, but you're you're the opposite of what the usual problem is of, of the stereotypical problem. For for me, I'm always encouraging people. Hey, watch your videos. Look at your stuff. 
you're, you're going to see what you're doing. And you're, you're already beating me to the punch, so you're doing an all right job, kid. I'm, I'm tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Coming from the kid who was a malfunction, right? who's totally dysfunctional. Dude, Futala, we, we finally broke him. But back to, and Chris, I, if you hear this, I hope you understand when I made fun of him. I laughed. The whole time he told me, I oh, was man, yeah. laughing at him. And I laughed because he finally found what we told him will happen, mm-hmm. and he's realizing it. And it just I couldn't help but laugh because I know Chris will be okay. He actually is working on his tandem rating. Um, he's working on getting his medical. He has some loopholes that he has to deal with. He just has some things he has to jump through because sometimes getting an FA medical is a pain in the butt. It's not easy. Yeah, to do a tandem skydive, to be a tandem instructor, you actually have to have an FAA class three medical or higher, which actually is very, very easy to pass, but sometimes they just find an excuse to make you jump through hoops. Oh, man. Is there or is there not a require a height requirement? For a tandem instructor. Donnie Leach was a tandem instructor and still is. <laughs> yeah, but did he lie? <laughs> That's all I'm asking. No, I don't think there's a height requirement. There's not a height requirement, so Nick Lott, you can still be a tandem instructor. Oh, my dreams can come true after all. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The day, yeah. the day you ask me for a tandem course, I will be blown the fuck away and not believe you. You know, I really did start, uh, when I started skydiving, I'm pretty sure I told the story before about Dusty Hanks, mm-hmm. a super awesome instructor taking me on my first guy. I have a super awesome flyer now, world uh, world record holder. He's also grumpy gold, cat, gold medalist on the on the world level. Awesome guy though, very awesome. Uh, Dusty, when he took me on my first jump, I was like, dude, you got the coolest job ever. This is the coolest job in the wide world. I want to do this. Like this is way cooler than what I do, <laughs> which I was doing body piercing at the time, which was like a huge passion of mine, which I thought was awesome. I thought it was super cool. Excuse to hang out with eighteen-year-old girls all day and do mm. something that and I poke th- holes that in I their body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dude, dude like that. But uh, man, it was it was cooler than that. And so I, I really thought that I would someday be a tandem instructor. But that was before I really had a good understanding of what skydiving was. You know, I just thought skydiving was about falling out of an airplane and doing gnarly shit on the way down. You know, right. I didn't realize that flying was a thing, like <laughs> flying your body was a thing, and that flying a parachute was a thing. And so the parts about skydiving that I grew to love more were just different than what I imagined when that with that first glimpse. What of it, it more entailed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's way more of a sport than someone who hasn't done it imagines. You know, it's like, oh yeah, falling out of an airplane. That's got to be crazy. That's got to be a huge adrenaline rush. You ever fly one of them squirrel suits? You know, I thought all that same stuff. <laughs> but uh, but but as I learned how and learned what the difficult parts were and then how good it felt to figure out those difficult it parts. It feels so good. Oh, it feels so great. Dude, this does sound good, by yeah, the way. Yeah. <laughs> with the headphones on, right? Do you notice I took so, them off for a little bit? Yeah, I took them but, all the way off. So it sounds awful with them off compar- in comparison, right? You do. You sound like shit. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but... Uh, no, man, I totally love different parts about skydiving than I thought I would when I first started. And so that's why, uh, I mean, before, I'm talking about myself too much. No, you're Matthew's not. the guest. Talk about but, yourself. No, I loved making videos as a kid, like making videos for school projects and stuff like that. And uh, maybe we'll get more into that if I'm ever the one sitting in, in Matthew's seat right that now. That would be very cool. But I'll sit over there and eat and clean my nails. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <damn> it. <laughs> I know what it's like to be Ben Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be ben, ben Nelson will be in your seat if you're over here. Uh, yeah, all right. That's fine. And actually, in all our conversations, Nick and I had a really fun... He was our first guest. And oh, Ben Nelson? No, Nick. Oh, Nick. Nick, Nick was the first guest. Yeah, okay. we, we sat at dinner before our first show... And we recorded this on my iPhone with a little shotgun mic to it going, let's just try this. Yeah. And that was at that dinner. He goes, I will be your young Jamie if you do this. And I don't think either one of us realized how serious that statement was said and done. You're, um, you're doing it. Dude. I, mean, I, I didn't know if you'd need someone to run the show. I mean, 
I don't think either one of us knew what it meant to do a podcast. No. I mean, dude. and still we've done, this is our 13th one. So we still we, don't know we, what we're doing. We don't even have an A license in doing podcasts. We're still <laughs> brand new at it, you yeah. know? But, uh, no, I mean, I didn't imagine we'd be sitting here doing doing this with, with the people we've got to do it with. So yeah. it's awesome. I'm having fun. Yeah. So Every thank you. other episode, we've added a piece of equipment. Every other episode, I've made his job more complex. So right now he's sitting in front of, if people aren't, don't, you can't see It looks see intense Nick. over there. He has three computers sitting in front of him. Um, he's got a it's mixer so board. Easy. Oh, well, it's so you're easy. You're making me sound like it's I'm so doing easy. something important. I've seen him touch. I was going to say, button. I've seen him touch one, one button. button and <laughs> one button. Clean, one clean button. off that so, uh, wine. No, no, no. So it's not what you do, but what <laughs> took us to set this or up. Or polish, excuse me. It's not what you're doing. It's what it took to, for us to set this up. So we had to put all this shit together. And really, I... I he put it all together. I, I did, did nothing. I did nothing. Those headphones you're wearing, he plugged those you, in. You yeah. chatted that, that him up mic, while I did it. That mic you're talking into, he bought that stuff. He wired it all up. I just show up and my seat looks different. That's all I do. Yeah, it's a comfy looking chair. I'm going to have to sit in yeah, that before And I it's a nice chair. Look at this thing. That, that thing looks really nice. Dude, I sit in that thing fucking eight hours a day when I'm not at the drop zone. I do so much stupid work at that desk. I hate that desk Video sometimes. games aren't work. Dude, if I have two days off, I do a day and a half of work and half a day of goofing off. If I have three days off, bet money there's 12 hours of gaming somewhere in there. Guarantee it. I miss gaming. School took over my gaming time. Yeah, you nerd. I am a, I am a nerd. I got, I'm going to brag about myself. I got two A's and a B this last semester, so thank you. You can't even spell A. I can't. No. Um, what did you get A's in? Uh, my A was speech and Texas government. So you talk a lot, and you got an A in talking a lot. Congratulations. That's right. Way to fucking go. (laughs) You're a fucking genius. All right, let's get back on task. Let's talk about Matthew and address Kevin Craig's question. How did you get started with Rick? We're not there yet, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Kevin. I was on your side. Well, hold on. Let's go back to the tandem thing. So people get jaded. At some point, you started off, and that's that's where we got sidetracked again. This Chris Fudala. Yeah, it. Um, you know, you you start out. It's just like uh, being a, an A license holder. You're you're high on the sport, or you're high on the 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 rating, you're the high? department. Yes. Well, drunk high. And yeah, uh, I think my first summer, you know, I was jumping with Critter in Boston. Yeah, you were still doing tandems a little bit, a little part-time work, uh, helping out the job zone. Yeah, that's when actually they would use me and need me. They still use me today if I want it. Yeah, but... But I, can't, I won't take it. Nah, man. That's you, rude. Nah, you got a great company that's, you know, building and growing. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we we're doing 700 to 1,000 jumps a year just work-wise. That's not even fun jumps. And then... You know, after three and a half years, uh, I think I hit, you know, 2,500 jumps, four years of doing tandems. And then I added in the A, and then the next year after tandems, I added AFF. And I was balancing the two. And then, you know, I always listened to Boston about shooting video. You know, he was always a great mentor of mine, like, you know, yourself. And I finally was just like, you know what? My back hurts and my pride's not, <laughs> my pride is a little, little bruised up. I think I'm going to take a break from tandems and started uh, shooting video uh, on Foodala. I think he will do good in videos because the only thing I can say with AFF, it will make you fly your butt off when it comes to an exit. If you don't think you know how to fly an exit, go chase a student. They will make you fly your tail off. If you could think you can chase something, Go chase me on a skydive. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> I remember when we did our AFF, I had I'm the choice horrible. of going with you or Raul, I believe. Okay. And I said, I want DJ. And your eyes lit up, and you said, why? Well, I was like, because if I can get by you, I'm pretty sure I can handle any goddamn yeah. student. <laughs> I know every dirty trick to get away yeah. from you. I, I didn't want it easy. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that I was going to get that rating the right way. I'm confident at this point in my life, I have at least a couple thousand skydives acting like an asshole in the sky. Mm. 
what better? Uh, my two jobs. My primary job and the job that makes me money is to act like an asshole in the sky. My secondary job is just a part-time hobby and it's to talk a lot on a podcast. I found my living. You're doing it, man. So, you're, you're doing it. You, you know what a, if I use the term secret shopper, you know what that means in a business yes. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought about going to another drop zone and being a secret shopper oh. or a skydiving student? Absolutely. I would love to. That would be awesome. And so a lot of skydivers and instructors talk about, I want to do this, but I want to screw with them. I actually don't want to screw with them. I just want to do it just to see what they do. And it, it, I do want to screw with one drop zone. I'd love to go to a drop zone, show them a logbook to prove I'm a student that they could release. So that I go out and I do everything like a student because you've seen me. I can act like a oh, student yeah. you really, do really well. Good. I, I play dumb perfect. It's not an act. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not an act. I, I've played a level three and a level four student hundreds of times in my life. Go to a drop zone, act like that so they can release me. Because everybody's like, oh, I'll just flip and flail while they hold on to me. No. Oh, Once they release me, I'm not going to start tumbling and flailing. I'm going to start free flying. <laughs> I'll be like, let me pop into a sim. Like, what's up, dude? Have some, a little bit of fun. <laughs> so at least let them know right away, like, okay, this guy's an asshole. Not like totally. Because if you're going to fuck with him, don't be a total dick about it. At least they get paid. I mean, can't be hurt. Yeah. It would be fun to actually convince drop zones to let me come out and be that student for them. That would be better. Yeah, that that it would be a really fun thing to do and yeah, go and do. You get to evaluate their program from the inside. You know, yeah. I think it's a lot better look, a realistic look, than showing up and oh, DJ Marvin from the Rating Center is going to come in and he's going to have a look at our student program. That's going to give you one view of what their student program is, what they want if, me to see. Yeah, exactly. But if you just come in as, who knows? You know, who's, no one's going to know you from any other student that's sitting out uh, at the drop zone that day. Yeah. You're going to get a lot more realistic sense of how they treat their students, what sort of information they're they're making available to you. I think that's I think it's an awesome idea. And I've heard you know everyone who knows how to fly has thought about pulling that prank on somebody. Yeah. But uh, I just want to see somebody do it. And the business happen for for me when I first moved here, I actually tried to set up when I moved here. I want to show up and I actually want to do a tandem skydive, and I want to go through a tandem process as a TAM student, just to see how it is if I were really a student there. But I knew like six people when I showed up. Oh yeah. So I walked work. on the drop zone and it's like DJ got hugs right away. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm not gonna be able to set this up. So. It didn't work. Dennis and I had worked together for a few years, yeah. and you knew Dennis. Uh, Steven and Trent and Jed had actually come out to Indiana that summer to train a couple times, so I really got to know them fairly well. Uh, Danny, Danny Raffaelli. Mm. Um, I actually am Danny's replacement set and done. Danny was the chief instructor prior to me. I took his slot. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he started flying planes for a living then. Right? Yeah. yeah. At that point, he started flying. He came flew in Indiana for us for just a relief weekend. He was just covering for a buddy. And so it was hard to come by and play that stupid joke. It, was, it would have been good, though. Yeah. And even now, Nick, I think I could still do it. In this region, I'm known. In certain pockets, people know me. But I bet you I could go to a majority like of drop a Midwest. zones. Midwest? Uh, Midwest, I do a little. I know a few people. Oh, okay. But I could go to a majority of drop zones, and I bet you the majority of people have no clue who I am. And if they know who I am, I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry, man. I know it's I'm an asshole sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I can get away with it, especially if I use my given name, because my given name is not DJ. I know that's shocking to hear. You think that's shocking? My sister's fucking middle name is a letter. My sister's middle name That's is the letter K. What's my given name? Both of you know Donja. Donji. Donja is Donja a chick. Is a different person. Yeah, she's a chick, and she's a really cute chick, and I wouldn't Very mind cute being Scott. her. Yeah, Scott, well done, my friend. Um, Donji. Yes, Donji. Donji. And so I asked my mom and my dad, my sister talks about it, why did you name my sister, middle name, the letter K? Not a period, just the letter K. And my parents, uh, my mom says, well, we want to name her after me. My mother's name is Kimiko. 
and we didn't want to make it too complicated. We figured if we gave her a Japanese middle name, that would be really hard for people. Everybody calls Kimiko Kimmy for short. Does anything mm. hard sound about this? No. Donji is my first name. The name you don't use, you're going to give her a letter. The name I use, you're going to give me a name that sounds like the dog Benji. And in my time growing up, dude, Benji, Donkey, Donqueef, the names I, oh, my sense of horrible. humor is based off of my, I made, your childhood. Dude, I, my name in you're the hazing. 70s in Tennessee and Alabama, my name got a beating. Oh, I bet. Yeah, so you know that uh, that Key and Peel episode where he's up, you know, where the Balake and A.A. Ron so yeah. yeah. I mean, you get that that joke is like a, a white person in a inner city school having to pronounce, pronounce a, bunch of, a bunch of black kid names. So it's, yeah, it's the reverse of that joke. Yeah, right? yeah. it's awesome. But were you were you the were you that kid? Like when a substitute teacher showed up, were they were they just hacking your name apart? Like did you? See I that had a principal for three years who couldn't say my name. I can't remember his name. First, second, and third grade, I went to a private school. It was a small school, so it's not a big group. And I it, it, up till fourth grade, I was an excellent student. In fifth grade, I turned to a horrible student. So I was an honor roll. I was doing everything that, that you know your parents yep. hope you do. And so I was really known well with the school staff because they used me for. Dude, I did what was called honor guard. I don't remember what it is, but I actually had to do some special things that all the best students did. And never once in my life did that principal greet me without me having to correct his my, my name. Yeah, which is why I go by DJ. Because Donji and I, he could not for three years get my name right. So where'd the J come from? Um, say Donji really fast as a little kid, and DJ sometimes comes out. And oh, I've okay. had multiple people call me DJ by short by accident, and suddenly friends were like, Just "Yeah, stuck. fuck you, you're DJ." Yeah, no, it works. So uh, my mom calls me Donji. My sister calls me both, but dominantly Donji. Uh, Donji. I don't know. If Valerie calls me Donji. I look at her like. You want you yeah, white girl? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm in trouble or something. <laughs> uh, Stephen Boyd does call me Donji. I'm yeah. sure you people will. He'll page me over the PA Donji to manifest. Yeah, and I'm like, yo, I gotta go. They didn't page you. He paged me. That's me. That's that's, <laughs> that's actually really my name. Um, well, he won, he's one that prides himself on being called by his birth name. You know, his, his maiden name. Stephen. Oh, you got the job. What? What job? I saw the logo on that paperwork, buddy. Oh, yeah. I'm just filling out some paperwork over here. It's not a big deal. What's going on over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my wife, Valerie, works... Why are we talking about me? Let's talk about Matthew. Let me just fill out my paperwork. Works for the city of Pearland. Uh Uh-huh. And they needed a little bit of a contract work for some video work. Ah. So Valerie's like, hey, we need somebody to pinch. I know a dude. Yeah. And she calls up my boy, Mr. P. Woo! So Mr. P is actually helping out my wife at some of the work things. So he's... he's, That's the logo I saw, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm super stoked because yeah, that's awesome, no, it's dude. Not a, it's just something simple. It's uh, I just flew my drone for him over some uh, some undeveloped land. It's just South Kirby District. That's yeah, sure. That's Lower Kirby sounds, District, rather. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. a it's a field, and I it's point, a field, and I pointed my camera at it and flew my little drone around. Nice. Super simple, but uh, it's fun. I like flying that drone. You like getting paid. Yeah. Hey, I'll pay you <laughs> no, to come fly your drone. I mean, I, I knew that the city of Pearland has a lot of money to spend on these sorts of projects, and I uh, still way undercharge them because it's nice. I like it. It's fun. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, I, what I'm hoping for is my boy got hooked up with a gig that he'll get some repeat business out of. Yeah, that, that would I, be awesome. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that either, but uh, I mean, hopefully I did a good enough job that I made Valerie look like she had uh, something good to contribute for not a uh, large expense. And that, uh, hey, that guy was at least good enough to use in the future. Yeah, it all, it all works out. I'm hoping they will. I think they will. They, uh, Valerie actually showed them uh, your vo- drop zone tour 
from your drone footage. You probably actually told her where to see that show. Yeah, that. she she asked me for the link. I sent her. Yeah, and uh, that was really cool for them to see, man. And I'll tell you right now, guys, if if you need somebody to do some drone footage, you need somebody to do some uh, aerial shots, you need somebody to do anything, man. My boy, Mister P, is the bomb. I- Hit him up. I, I appreciate the plug. Thank you. Mr. P at gravitylab.com. <laughs> email doesn't exist. There's no email at no, that website at that's all. That's my official email. Please send all inquiries there. Okay. So now you need that email address? So <laughs> no, please don't. Don't do it. <laughs> no. i just give you another email of 20 to keep track of. That's all it's going to do. So um, now we have Matthew Peterson. Yeah. We keep coming Thank back you. to this a-hole. Yep. Uh, he's, he's burnt out. Now you're shooting video. Yeah, I mean, video is a, a nice release. I mean, I never got away from STP or AFF, and but video has been a nice change of pace. Again, just constantly trying to grow and add on more tools to be utilized in the future. So for, for our WFO friends out there, you hear these, these letters STP and AFF. We're just talking about people who are uh, learning to skydive on their own. So someone who has done a couple of tandems, now they want to jump by themselves. We're going to put them under their own parachute and still uh, leave them with an instructor. Just, yeah. just so you guys got, got the hang of what's AFF going on. is accelerated free fall. Yes, sir. And then STP is the skydiver training program. And uh, I, I really, it's a weird statement, but I really appreciate the fact that you said that right. Because a lot of people call it the student training program. It's a skydiver training it's program. It's a skydiver training program. And if you're training students out there, you're not training students, you're training skydivers. What you teach them today is a habit they learn for the rest of their life. Exactly. When you're raising a kid, you're not training a kid, you're raising an adult. Yep. Same thing with skydivers, man. In life, don't try to raise a youngster. Try to raise a mature person. Correctly. 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 And if you do that, maybe you'll have a mature result. And I really believe a lot of our young jumpers at, at Spaceland excel because you guys try to teach them how to be skydivers, not how to be students. I agree. So so you actually did video after AFF? After AFF, yes. I never realized that. Or, or, or I just, it's, you've, I've known you long enough. I didn't put two and two together. I waited till we got that big, uh, that raise that we got a couple years ago or a couple seasons ago. And uh, it made it worth getting into that that field. You waited you waited till Mr. P made things happen. He made things happen. No, that that was, I can't take credit for that. I wish I could. I, Mr. I, Hyder? I, no, no, I think it was uh, Steve and Eric together decided that it was just something that, that needed to happen. Cool. I mean, it's something that I had asked for in the in the past, but I I I didn't know it was happening until until everybody else knew. So I don't think it was my I don't think my input really had much to to do with it. So I, I can't take credit for that one. I bet you you planted some of the seeds, man. Over time, we we all make a difference over time. So I, I this brings me story backwards. You got into AFF. AFF, mm-hmm. if I understand correctly, is one of the things in freefall that you enjoy the most. Oh man, seeing those those skydivers start to really click and see them grow, and especially with the the jumpers that are. They're not naturals. They're trying to figure it out still. And the moment it clicks and you're you can and they smile at you, you're like, yeah, that's it right there. That's why I'm doing it right there. And it just, you know, makes my heart smile uh, to be able to get to know somebody and hear their story and why they're here, whether it's they're bored or they're coming out of a terrible divorce or they're hitting a midlife crisis, whatever the reasons are, you you're building a bond or a relationship, and you know you want to make sure that they uh, they do it right. You wanna you wanna know when they go to another drop zone that you gave them the tools, the necessary tools and knowledge to yeah. survive that jump one, but also carry themselves to a to a level that's above and beyond. I mean, I believe Spaceland, which you have implemented, help implement the program and been lucky create, to work with them. Yeah, and set a standard that 
It's like when the live bigs come, they, they are blown away when they see the professionalism with our staff and the way we carry ourselves. And it's, it's been nice to be a part of. It's a, it's a unique crowd. And as much as I'll give Spaceland and, and the folks behind it, the management, the owners of props, I really think Spaceland is partially who we are because of the people. You know, I, the, I think the people are also there because of what's been attracting us there. Mm-hmm. But I really think a large part of it is to deal with some of the staff and some of the guys there. And I know some of our friends get super grumpy at work, and I don't care where you work, whether you work at a drop zone with us or you work anywhere. You get super grumpy, and that's going to happen. You get burnt out, that's going to happen. Something you said earlier, Nick, and I really love it, and I've never heard it said this way, I chose to pick a different emotion. Is that how you said it a little? you know what I'm talking about? And so... You know, when I'm in a bad mood, I can choose to be in a good mood. I can choose to focus on a different part. You know, Matthew Peterson said something mean to me today, but that mean thing had a little bit of humor into it. You know, I'm going to choose to see the funny side of it. That that fact that you can choose to be who you are and what you're doing. And, and it's that's I think that's what made the difference in you, is all these stories you tell, you're making choices. Yeah, you... You can't just stay the same. If you're if you're always going to be stubborn and always have your walls up, how are you going to grow? How are you going to see another view or perspective or, you know, look at somebody's culture? You might not agree with it, but you have to respect it. If somebody's willing to Damn. give you some knowledge and some feedback, again, digest it whether you you eat it or you you spit it out, you at least you're willing to listen. You're li- willing to be open to their thoughts and their their words. Who are you and what did you do I know, Malfunction right? Matt? <laughs> Malfunction Matt, also known as Man, Matt-tastic Man. Matt-tastic Man. Matt-tastic Man. <laughs> um, he's Matt. That was my original gamer name back in when I was like 13, 14. You still have it. I just don't think you use it. No. Uh, again, once I went back to school, uh, gaming has been non-existent. I still have a PlayStation 3. That's how far behind I am. Neanderthal. I know. You're a Neanderthal. <laughs> See, I said it right, Nick. Tall. Um, so... Now, now it comes to and, and I sorry, Kevin. I'm not trying to leave you out. Um, I'm not trying to ignore your question. But Kevin Craig says at some point you get into rigging, and and first of all, how did you get into rigging? But Rabbit actually asks why, and I think why for me is is a more important question than just how. So why first of all? The funny part is is when the I was doing commercial AC back in Vegas and the summer of 08 my company basically put me on the chopping block and when I left Kelly got me a job packing parachute at Scott of Las Vegas tandem factory and three months in I hadn't uh, even thought about doing a tandem. I started rigging with the local rigger. So I actually started rigging before I did any AFF. I was just really intrigued with the components of skydiving, like the gear and how everything works. And started working with him. And What's that, Simon? Simon Wade at Simon Skydiving Wade. Services in Boulder City, Nevada. A very good man. He actually let me do my riggers ticket with him on a front. He let me do a $2,200 course up front when I actually lost my job with Las Vegas because we had a falling out. And I didn't have the means to pay him because the owner was going to pay for my course if I got the rating and did some of his gear for um, uh, a discounted rate until I paid off my debt. Once I left uh, Vegas, I told him I'd vowed to pay him off within the year. And I, th- I think I paid him off within 10 months of working in at, here at Spaceland. So I actually got my riggers ticket before I even finished AFF. And a lot of people think that's a little mind-blowing because most people get into skydiving yeah. first and then start doing their, their ratings and their tickets and going for a little bit more uh, advanced work. 
once I got my ticket and I got to Spaceland, I told myself I wasn't going to do any more rigging because I did a lot of rigging for Vegas and I just never saw any, I never, I didn't see anything back. Uh, I was supposed to get paid and he withheld my paycheck. Um, once I got to Spaceland, uh, three years in, Kyle Schooneverner, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Schoonover. He left the department and offered me his slot and I went up there and worked with Rory and it sucked. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it wasn't Rory. It was just a lot of work. I mean, yeah. you go you go three years, two and a half years without rigging, just only your gear. And now you have skydivers asking you for favors and instructors and drop zone gear. And it was it was very intimidating. There was a point where I had to talk to Ori Cooper and I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, well, quit. And I was like, what? And he's like, well, just quit if you're not happy. I mean, just quit. I was like, well, I'm not a quitter. He's like, well, then quit bitching. <laughs> he's like, why are you God, talking? God, that's good advice. Dude, Jesus. Ori is so direct. I it's love not even funny how direct Ori is. I love him. The and Hebrew I was like, hammer. and it was one of those talks where you're just like, you know what? It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everybody's going to do it. So I went back up there and a couple seasons later, my pack jobs went from, you know, two and a half, three hours to, you know, an hour and 45. And then all of a sudden I could smash out a reserve in 45 minutes. I really felt like it. And I just never quit. I mean, it, it wasn't easy. I mean, rigging is so frustrating, especially sewing. Sorry to Carol, Kelly and Jeremy. I don't do patchwork anymore. <laughs> but on parachutes, I should because they, they're really good at it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I love rigging, and I've just kind of fallen off the, the fun jumper scene because I, I, I enjoy that responsibility. I love knowing that when somebody – and sometimes I'm grumpy. You have to understand riggers deal with a lot of people, a lot of questions, a lot of emails, just like anybody else. Um, it, it, it can get frustrating at work, but I love knowing that I can pass on that knowledge. I can give a little insight in what most jumpers don't understand. If you really want to learn, we'll probably do the rigging for free. If you're willing to sit in and watch us do it so we can teach you something so you can teach the next person how to do it. Yeah. Not so much just that we want to give our rigging away for free, but we would rather pass on some knowledge and ask you to go buy us a six pack of beer than charge you $25 for a, a canopy inspect and install. You know, it's, it's one of those things that if you're willing to learn, we're willing to do things, for, you know, as a favor. Yeah. I, I, I spend a lot of time in the loft. I, I hang out there a lot. And part of it is is you, Jeremy, and Kelly are just really good friends of mine. That's really the first reason I hang out up in there. It's, All, a, it's a safe place. Yeah, <laughs> it's a safe place. And it really is, Nick. I don't know if you ever go hang out in the loft. Uh, I don't go up there often, but there's always good conversation when I go It's Switzerland, there. though. It, it's a neutral zone. <laughs> when you go to the drop zone, it's a safe place. It used to... Uh, 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 Rory and, and Kyle called it the ivory tower. We still try to. You still try to. <laughs> but it, it's that safe place. It's that, that's that safe haven where basically a lot of the drama disappears and you guys are doing your own thing. Um, I also... I'm not a rigger. I just have a little bit of understanding and training. And you guys let me do whatever I want. Up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what you're doing. You've got the, you've got the knowledge and the skill. Yeah. So I, it's easy. So I get to go up there and do my my personal projects and my personal things. And and I always learn something from you guys. I'm, I'm always asking questions and asking things. And it's fun because you and I specialize in two very different parts of the world. So we're always up there just bantering our knowledge and also talking about the used-to-be greatest football team ever. Right. <laughs> the the San Diego Chargers are the LA. greatest football. Don't fucking say I those know. letters. The San Diego Chargers <laughs> are the greatest football team ever. Before the merger. <laughs> yeah, before the merger. Back in the AFL days. When they actually had some titles. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, they're still one of the 
great. I, and that, by great, I don't mean skill. And by no. great, I don't mean championships. I mean exactly. great by just by the coolest MFers in the world. That's right. Motherfuckers. There you go, Nick. Sorry <laughs> about that. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Penis. So, <laughs> Mr. And it, Penis. And it's great working with uh, Jeremy and Kelly because their knowledge is different, or not, I shouldn't say different. They have a little bit more knowledge like Jeremy in wingsuiting and bass. Yes. Kelly's on the floor, so he sees what's going on, and he's always constantly touching new canopies, new containers. Uh, giving us updates on, you know, he's he's pretty good about getting the information on like new units, uh, ads, mods, mards, whatever. And then there, you got me, who's just the grumpy cat who makes uh, some some decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you say that, but being involved in the tandem operation, even when you weren't doing tandems because you took a break from them, um, you were still involved in the operations day to day. You actually bring to light in the in the in the packing or in the the rigging loft the operational air staff side of it because Correct. Jeremy left that a long time ago. Yeah, he unfortunately his like me his back took a little bit more toll and mm. he just wasn't willing to come back to put his body through. My I'm better. Mine was more, you know, probably 20% physical, 80% emotional. I Your vagina got sore? My vagina got sore <laughs> and I you just didn't want to put myself through through the ringer, I mean, my heart wasn't in it. And why do something if your heart's not in it? I mean, I'm back in it now and I enjoy it. And I, you know, I still give 110%, but definitely much more towards STP and AFF or uh, video. I think your, your answer for Kevin is uh, how and why uh, is Rabbit. The thing that's most interesting is your answer of when, because I hear so many new jumpers who say, I have these goals and I have these ideas, and people tell me, tell them his idea is a bad idea. I'm like, no, you have a lofty goal. Chase that lofty goal. There's nothing wrong with it. Just chase it in a smart direction. People say, I'm new to the sport. I can't be a rigger. You were a rigger before you were new to the sport. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's like, uh, you have to be 18 and be willing to write. You have to be able to write in English. That's that. Those are the requirements <laughs> to be a rigger. Take a practical, a physical, and then. And uh, they didn't say write legibly. And write legibly, <laughs> no, because if you heard any of the words I've dropped today, I, I'm pretty illiterate. <laughs> uh, dude, I've seen your packing data card that you sign. It's not legible at no, all. No, not at all. It's pretty sloppy, actually. I apologize. <laughs> ah, dude, no apologies. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is, man. Um, ooh. So that's how you get into rigging. That's how you, you, you get where you're at now. Yeah, and the hardest part is actually the written because you have to study 300 questions for the FAA and like 90% of it's all aviation. It's yes. information uh, you will never use. You will study your brain out for two weeks straight for a 50-question written test, multiple choice. And after you take that test, your examining rigor will say, well, good job. Forget all of that because you'll never use it again. Yeah, it's amazing. I've taken the practice test. Some I've looked at the practice test and you're going to be an FA rigor. So you have to know all these things about airplanes. Yeah. And rules. It, it has nothing to do with yeah. what uh, what we're doing. It's just an old method or you guys system. know there's a, a test now for a, a drone piloting license. Yes, I heard yeah. about that. It's extremely similar to that where it's a bunch of super technical like uh, pilot knowledge for a real pilot flying a real airplane that is not the least bit applicable to someone flying a drone. And it's the same thing. You got to study for it. You got to pass the test. It's 150 bucks to take the test, and it's knowledge you will never, ever, ever, ever. Did, have ever you do. done this? Uh, I've studied for it. I've taken a couple of the practice tests. I haven't taken the uh, official test yet, but that'll that'll happen the next month or so. Cool. So you are doing it. Yeah, I'm. I've, I'm at least halfway through the process of of getting it. That'll Very help cool. that paperwork so, out. So hold me to it. I think Amir did the test, right? Yeah, Amir's got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain. I'm pretty certain he has it too. <laughs> but. <laughs> 
you can you can talk, get online talk about a character like there <laughs> yeah. there are classes online and study guides and stuff online like you can pay to really learn all of that information learn uh-huh. the relevance of the information as it pertains to flying an airplane but none of it is really relevant to flying a drone other than the uh you know the height the altitude restrictions on the drone like you, you're not allowed to fly it over 400 feet which because planes aren't allowed to fly below i think 500 feet a uh, regular that sounds about right uh yeah regular uh agl yeah agl but what's the what's the regular pilot license what's it called Private pilot license. Yeah, it's private pilot license. Yeah, you're private. But uh, so there are some things that are applicable, but then it's a bunch of reading maps and METARs and these crazy weather reports that were created in the 1950s before, you know, you before you had this little device in your pocket that told you what the weather was doing. So like you have to be able to read this report that tells you what the weather is at what airport and read all these codes and the altitudes and what it's saying about the. So clouds. you know how to read those now. Uh, I sure do when I'm looking at the paperwork and studying it. It all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But if, if you showed me one, I'd, I'd be able to pick it apart, yeah. I was, when I started skydiving, you know, you said it. We have to read, we get to read these apps to tell you that. Go, if you use an aero weather uh, app, which a lot of us use, mm-hmm. go to the raw. You can actually get a tab that says raw and read that. That's what we had to read for a long time and way longer than I had to read it. But in my first half of skydiving, that's the way I had to read it. It wasn't until we had smart devices that we got the decoded part. We used to have to call, and I actually still have all the phone numbers for all the automa- automated weather observations and observations. Uh, look at that places. iPad. Look how big that iPad is. <laughs> this is not an iPad. This is my this is my phone. See, look how small my phone is. I still have the four. That's how out of date you I know am. the difference between you and me oh you're so much bigger no <laughs> you can read that without glasses oh okay i actually went to buy a new phone uh-huh and valerie so i went to go get the iphone 6 uh-huh and valerie goes why don't you check out the 6 plus i said i actually was gonna buy a 6 and the guy brought out the 6 plus i'm like oh well that wasn't what i was wanted and i was like well are you sure i'm like a ah, bigger phone would be kind of cool but i'm not sure she goes honey you complain you can't read your phone maybe you should get a phone with bigger text on it so she knows you so well can't you make the text bigger like on any on any iphone you can you make can, it larger but at some point it gets so big it just looks stupid oh. as far as like it's I, all about appearances you gotta look good no you, you gotta look good you can only have so many words on the screen at a time is what it comes down to and i mean you can see that's not yeah hey, i can almost read that from here i can read that from here it says haha damn yeah yeah so i mean my vision during the day isn't as bad as at night when i'm reading it i need that so um i, I carry reading glasses everywhere i go now it's just unfortunate it's just what i had to do i think i got like you i got a little hot i think the whiskey's kicking in the whiskey the whiskey it's scotch oh it's scotch sorry yeah which is just whiskey distilled in scotland yeah oh we're going hatless now i see how yeah, it we is. are got comb it to the oh. side look professional bring it up look oh, professional god. oh god wipe it wipe it there we go oh dj's a rebel putting the hat oh, back on he's huh? better than us oh i want to stand up oh, the crowd. i'm not gonna be like them oh i'm gonna still be asian because now make- i don't want my hat on <laughs> now it feels uncomfortable <laughs> hey how are you liking the new headphones you you wore the old style yeah they're nice they feel good sounds yeah. nice the old ones are way comfy. I, though. I like that we all match. Yeah, the, I, I just I had to say that those old ones were a birthday gift from Valerie to me, mm-hmm. and they they weren't cheap, so I had to preserve them. I told Valerie that you've used them more hours than I have because of the podcast, and she looked at me like I was going to die. Oh, oh. so uh, not really. She, See, she I got these big dumb ears, and these big dumb over the ear headphones fit pretty comfortably. So they're yeah. good. nice. Yeah, it's. Uh, I told you at first it was really weird. Uh, I, I very got used to it very quickly. I think turning my volume down, I was too loud for my own self. No way. What? What? Huh? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> You're an asshole too. Fuck you. Duh. I don't like any of I'm trying guys. to join in. <laughs> 
Well, here. Join in. You want more? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I still have to drive home. I gotta get, I gotta get to the to my muse, my flame. But this is the strong <laughs> stuff. That's just the starter stuff. That was you, Chelsea, not the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, Kelly's waiting for you. Oh no, he's he's not waiting for me tomorrow. Dude, if you want to get a riggers ticket, you want to try something as a young jumper. There's certain limitations, and really, when it comes to skydiving, um, and getting instructional ratings and learning to be a coach and stuff like that. I think there's an amount of experience that you really should have to start training for that because there's in-air skills that really, really matter. When it comes to being a rigger, any idiot can do it. No, when it yeah. comes to being a rigger, it, I really don't believe that. You can get your repetitions much quicker. Yes. Because to be a good rigger, being a good packer is an essential skill set. And really, actually, most riggers I know pack mains like ass. Oh, dude, don't watch me pack your guys' mane after you get a repack. I know we, we make you guys have us pack your mains, but it you, you always thank me for an awesome opening. I'm like, how? <laughs> how did I do that? It's nothing like a reserve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, some of the worst pack jobs I've ever seen are main pack jobs by riggers. I'm not kidding at all. When I worked with Kenneth at UPT, he watched me pack, and he's like, open that back up <laughs> it was not it's on a main it, it was on a main he's like i'm gonna teach you how to do this right so See, I, I was think like, i'm I, a rigger not a packer i think i know the reason is you know when they when you pull that reserve handle that's a lot better payday for you riggers than than just doing another uh, main pack job right true. so true that mess up that main all you can right <laughs> <laughs> keep keep me employed just keep screwing it up. Dude, Jay Stokes is is a train wreck. Watch Jay Stokes pack as fast as he can, and you're going to look at him and go, he also jumps a Spectre, so that, that really is. That's awesome. It's hard to mess up a Spectre pack job, though. <laughs> it really. Ooh, rally cap. Nobody knows what you guys are talking about. Oh, we uh, do, though. Yeah, yeah, we know what's going on. So, Mr. Get the rally cap going. Mr. P and wine. Is that your second yeah. wine? I've had two glasses of wine, but I'm feeling pretty all right. What's that bottle of beer sitting there? That's my first one. Oh yeah, this is this was Matthews. This is his trash. I'm trying to I'm trying to do my best not to get you know sloshed on this show. You know I did have my I'm disappointed. Uh, first know, ever right? beer at the drop zone. Uh, this must have been Live Bigs. Yeah, it was uh, Sunday night. Yeah, because we we had finished jumping and I had to uh, help with some stuff in the video room, and I was I hadn't eaten or drank anything oh, all man. day, so I was just super thirsty. I just needed something cold, and man, I had a blue moon. It was lovely. A Belgian white is what it's called. Chelsea will understand that. So we were we were coming, we were driving to the river to float, and I wanted something. I wanted a beer, and you know I'm not driving, so I reached down, I grab a beer, and she's like, "What do you have?" And I said, "A Belgian white." Well, that's just the style of beer. It was a blue moon, so I gave everybody a pretty good a good laugh in the car. <laughs> oh man, just a bunch of drunk skydivers. Hey, no, nobody knows less about alcohol than me. Don't feel the least bit embarrassed. <laughs> he, you looked at me like, oh, a Belgian white, cool. Yeah, sure, whatever. That's yeah, just that's the style that's of that's ale. Probably a thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's just the style of ale. I mean, I don't even know what this beer is that you had. That's an IPA. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, Indian pale ale. Yeah, I still don't know what that means. I know that those are words <laughs> just that exist super in the English language. Yeah, <laughs> super hoppy. So it jumps a lot. Nick. Oh man. <laughs> Got to get that thing a jump rope. 
That's yeah, right. I uh, <laughs> I only know the Belgian white because Valerie loves uh, Blue Moon. Blue Moon. She, yeah. She's a Blue Moon fan. It's good. And I can have it with or without the orange. Yeah, she's the same way. Um, although she'll find some places serve Blue Moon and it tastes different. And I'm guessing it's because they, they're using a different gas mixture. Probably the CO two. Yeah, she gets really uh, picky. Like she'll have Blue Moon anytime, but when she finds a place that uses the right mixture, you know Guinness. I forget what nitrogen for Guinness or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Blue Moon again. I'm, I'm the second to the worst person about booze because Nick is worst. No, my hangovers are much worse when I'm drinking a draft over a bottle. It's just all that nitrous or CO2 that's getting pumped through it. Nitrous in? You know what I mean. <laughs> See, I'm a little tipsy. Sorry. I'm a little drunk. I, w- I would have accepted the word nitrous in. That's how little I know about alcohol. Like, yeah, totally. The nitrous in and then they put it in a barrel and yeah, magic happens in alcohol. I'm starting to get a little tipsy, guys. So I know most people don't get to see me drunk at the drop zone because I try to carry myself. Nitrous in. <laughs> We're keeping that word in my vocabulary. Yo, how's the nitrous in that, bro? I used to say meticulous all the time. And then I found out that is a ninja word in the ninja dictionary, but that is not a word in the English dictionary. Meticulous? But it, meticulate, you know? But oh, I meticulate. Used to, I used oh, to say meticulous. meticulous. <laughs> no, meticulous is a word. Like, no, it's, to, to be meticulous about something, to be picky about no, something? No, I looked it up. Meticulous? It's a, it's a ninja right, word. I'm going to investigate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in the ninja dictionary. No, meticulous is a real English word. Merriam-Webster Dictionary. I'm going to bet he, it, it has Meticulous. It. Showing great attention to detail. Very careful and precise. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you were saying meticulate. Yes. Which I think is not a word. I concur. Did you mean meticulous? Yes, you did, Matthew. <laughs> Urban Dictionary has a meticulate. What does Urban Dictionary say meticulate is, Mr. P? Uh, well, it just says, did you mean meticulous? <laughs> no, no. Urban oh, here Dic- we go. I see. Yeah. Urban Dictionary. Learn how, learn how meticulate he is with washing his car. Yeah, uh, this is published by Amy, who is also an idiot, like Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Meticulate. Yeah, that's not a word. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a stupid definition by a stupid person. There it is. So your soulmate is Amy. Yes. Hey, Amy. But meticulous. <laughs> waiting, I've been waiting on you my whole life. Meticulous is, in fact, a word. <laughs> Good. Sorry, I didn't mean to be so meticulous with uh, my assessment of your language. Oh, that yeah, meticulous, but it's not a word. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> thank you very much. I meant um, it the other way around. See, I'm drunk. Yeah, yeah. So many new words tonight. <laughs> Chelsea thinks you're actually expanding your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Kevin Craig. It's sometimes when I get derailed, I use Kevin Craig as my like, hey, thanks for asking a question, Kevin. You saved me. Yeah. And Nick, stop making out with a pop filter, dude. I'm loving this thing. You're it's just so, rubbing it's, your face uh, so yeah, much. Hold on, I just want to. <laughs> I'm just butterfly kissing the shit out of this. Pop You've never filter. done this before, though. I feel like you just never noticed it before because i feel like this is super normal <laughs> now i'm wondering does I dj just, do that when you're so, not around it's so soft against my nose like yeah. just wiggling if anyone's not watching this on facebook live you need to look right now <laughs> to see what the hell we're talking about because this feels so great and it felt great before I had two glasses of wine. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know what? We need to get you to drink wine more often hey, as we do this. I though. feel totally normal. I don't even feel like I've had two glasses of wine. And I'm pretty sure I do this all the time. I really think <laughs> you just started to notice it because not I'm as, talking more. Not as much you're doing it right <laughs> now, dude. <laughs> He's getting into it so bad. Dude, it's, it feels great. You got it, dude. I know when I leave, you're gonna come over here and you're gonna start Eskimo kissing the shit out of this thing. You're gonna love. Are you gonna have to figure honest, out what the business is all? Are about. you gonna make an honest pop filter out of that thing and marry oh, it one dude, day? I'm, I'm, I'm a, totally I'm, molested that thing. I'm gonna kiss the shit out of it. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, thank God. Uh, we everything got weird. Yeah. Everything got weird. Yeah. I like it. Whatever. I Take feel, our shirts off I now. feel totally comfortable. <laughs> so Kevin asked two different <laughs> questions. <laughs> Why are you trying to break up my love affair with his... With his oh, never right stop. Now? Never stop. You know what? Why don't you sit here and talk about your love am affair I, with your pot filter am I gonna, while I go pee? Am I going to have to tell Sam about this? Yeah, you tell better. Sam about you, you, have, you have an involvement with the, uh, with the, with the filter. It feels really intimate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Matthew, to yes, address sir. Kevin Craig's question yes, and Kevin. DJ's goals for the podcast, uh, what what was more challenging for you, getting your riggers ticket or becoming an AFF instructor? Ooh, that is a good one. I would, I'm gonna have to go with uh, rigging. Rigging was really. I would have absolutely guessed the opposite. Uh, I, I guess it's because when you're you're jumping and you're doing it a lot, you're you're just more comfortable in the airplane in the air. But then when you're inside of a rigging loft and you've got an examining rigger watching you and then a bunch of riglets watching you the whole time, you and with the, is that an official term? That's a, a, that's a that's a look it up. I'm pretty sure that's in the English dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> right next to meticulate. Right next to meticulate. <laughs> I was gonna say I love how DJ up. looked at me, he's like, you know that's a word, right? I mean no, the other way. The other way. <laughs> no, but um uh AFF was fun because I knew DJ. I had a comfort level with him. My my AFF partner was an awesome uh metal uh he meddled in belly flying, so I knew that he I could mirror what he was doing. That was uh, a good comfort level with Dave uh, Grabowski. And I was at my home drop zone. So, yeah, AFF was, you know, I don't, I, it was not easy. My first level to pass, uh, it took me 18 seconds to catch DJ because I flew like a sissy lala and was not aggressive enough. Um, but then rigging, it was, I mean, it was a lot of studying. I was only around the sport for not even a handful of months, you know, three, four months. And I mean, yeah, uh, it was, sewing was, by far the worst thing I had to learn. I had to learn how to time a sewing machine, how to feed it, how to how to. He would pull the sh the line out of the machine and say, "Okay, reroute it." So, but but let's say that today you started from scratch. This is how I thought about the question: is Okay, that, does it does it take longer to start from scratch and become a rigger? So oh, starting from no experience to, to getting your riggers ticket or to start from no skydiving experience and become an AFF instructor. That's the, how I thought of the question. Yeah, definitely AFF would have been uh, tougher and harder. And then rigging would have been a bit easier. But and the, that's just for the, the time and experience that's involved to, to be eligible for an AFF rating. Is that is correct? That yeah, the time in the sport, you know, you have to have so many jumps, so much experience. Rigging, you could walk in there with no knowledge and you're paying that examining rigger to teach you everything you need to know to pass his course. And to uh, pa well, and the written's all on you. Uh, you have to go take that as a sidebar. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you study again the five hundred or three hundred questions for a fifty question multiple choice exam. That's all about aviation. And then AFF, you're just putting your time in, and that's the experience comes with the time in the sport. And obviously. DJ is good enough to let you know if you're ready for it or not. Where an examining rigger is like, give me your money. I'll teach you what you want. <laughs> so but Simon Wade at Skydiving Services, he is by far, he was chill. He was nice. He made it really relaxing. He never he never put you in, in an, an, an awkward position. He made sure that you were comfortable. But it was more of my just, uh, what's the word? I was just intimidated. 
you're around people that knew what they were doing. You were around people that were confident with the sewing machine or with the material. And then you have me who had been packing tandem parachutes for three months. And then I was like, I want to learn how to rig this stuff. So let's go figure it out. And it took me a better part of the summer. I mean, it took me like two and a half months to get all my my practical done and my uh, oral with him. Not the way you guys are thinking. Uh, <laughs> verbal. He, you know, he quizzes you on all your knowledge. But then studying that, you know, for two weeks straight just to be able to pass that multiple choice, that was probably as hard as any semester of school I've taken. Interesting. I, I would uh, just knowing the people who seem to have the there's some people that just have a rigors ticket, you know, like mm-hmm. Aaron Dugan is someone who just has it. Like Kevin Purdy was someone who just 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 had it. Didn't seem like it was uh, a necessity or a tool yeah, they wanted yeah. to use. It was more for them to be able to maintenance their own gear, and not have to rely on anybody else. Yeah, that makes sense. But to me, like just uh, again, I'm just thinking of the commitment and experience level between those two things. To me, just in my brain, it, uh, and what I know about the people who have those those ratings and mm-hmm. how they apply it in my in my brain, it just seems like AFF. And for the things that I struggle with. Uh, like as AFF, you know, doing a doing an AFF skydive with a student is a very live, uh, you know, consequence driven interaction. Where like if I'm just sewing something, I can always stitch pick something and go back. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's a lot less of a for me. That's just a different sort of stress, I guess. But maybe that's just between different people and the way that you deal with different situations. You know, I like to joke when it comes with a student, you know, they sign the waiver, but you know, in, in the end, uh, we're not Superman up there. You know, there's, there's going to be, there's times where I thought I was going to lose a student and I didn't think I was going to catch them, but it's like you said, I mean, you, you mean lose in the sense that they're going to get away from you on the sky. They're going to get away from me. Sorry. Not like go in <laughs> or, or die. Sorry. I should have said that a little bit better. But yeah, with sewing, you're able to, I mean, you're going to make mistakes. I mean, any, when, when students or fun jumpers think that riggers are, are perfect and they're not, you know, they're not making mistakes. We're making mistakes, but it's just not leaving the loft. That's why you have somebody double check your work. That's why you, you hope it's not leaving the loft. You hope it's not leaving the loft. That's why it's sometimes it's, you know, not frustrating, but it's kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When, when you don't have another, when you don't have another set of eyes in the loft, and you hand something to another jumper. Anytime we assemble a main, a reserve, do any type of patchwork, we always, Jeremy, Kelly, can you come look at this? What do you think about this? I know I feel comfortable doing this. Do you think this is uh, within, you know, code or uh, applicable? I see. I'm trying to say words I can't Applicable. say. Applicable. <laughs> That's a good if we one. we understand it, it's a word. Right? <laughs> like slippery is, gonna, is, is this, a word. Yeah, right? If it's going to be within uh, TSO of a manufacturer, you know? We're constantly checking each other's work. We're in the sky, you know, you, you've got to go fly. You know, you've got one, not one shot, but you got to make sure that that student gets down. And if not, you hope you've trained them to take care of themselves. It's it, it really is on them as a student when shit hits the fan. I don't have an S on my chest. I'm not Superman. I'm going to be there to help you as much as I can. And I'm going to fly my ass off of when... When it when it hits the fan, I've trained you to take care of yourself. I've got to take care of me. All said and done, when that jumps over with. What's that saying? No, uh, there are no friends below two thousand feet. Is that what I've heard? Twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred BSRs. Just saying. Just saying. I yeah, mean, I'll yeah. I'll fly yes. to, I'll fly down to fifteen hundred, but at that point, it's it's you you better have listened to the training. Oh, man, I uh, I hope to never have to be in free fall that low. Uh, I mean, I've had a I've had a cutaway at about. Between a thousand and eleven hundred feet. Yeah, it's eerie. I had a really, uh, I mean, it was a, a very slow speed malfunction. My slider was stuck up pretty far, enough that 
I, you know, I couldn't really tell if I was getting a full flare. Uh, it was warping the shape of my canopy, and I flew it around for a long time trying to get that slider down. It was, you know, I could steer it; it would go where I wanted to, but I, I really just couldn't tell if it was if it was flaring. Like I couldn't yeah. tell how much it was slowing down, and I probably could have landed it, but I didn't want to find out at the ground that I was that I was wrong. You know? Right. So I have been in free fall that low from a cutaway without an RSL, but uh, after already having a pretty open open parachute. Yeah. But I man, I plan to never ever see the ground moving that fast, that low. That's to just just to think about, you know, fifteen hundred feet under canopy, how big the ground is. To imagine still going one hundred and twenty miles an hour straight down, man, that's, that's got to be scary. That's a place I hope I never like to imagine a Cypress fire at seven hundred and fifty feet, if, especially for someone who's, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a student do this, but th- back home there was a student who uh, he couldn't find his uh, main, couldn't find his main, and. What he said he did was, I just arched and waited for the AAD to fire. That is crazy. It is an absolutely insane. And my friend, who was his AFF instructor, the it, you saw the guy's eyes light up after this. He's like, well, you could have waited the rest of your life for that to happen. And the guy realized, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> but just to imagine, you know, at 750 feet, how big the world is. My... It's, no, no, sorry. It, I keep going. No, I mean, that's just insane to me that that was a rational thought to anybody. I, I'm, I'm just going to wait for this tiny little computer to hopefully save my life. When I, I have these two hands doing nothing, doing nothing from his pull altitude was 5,000 feet, doing nothing from 5,000 feet all the way to 750 feet, just ho- just trusting that that thing is going to work. I mean, I hope my Cypress works. If it ever, if I ever need it to, I, I sure hope that it does. But man, to just let Jesus take the wheel and count on that <laughs> thing, man, that's wild. I still train students to, to, you know, have to rely on your hands. You know, that AED is still a computer device. It could still... And computers never crash. They never crash. You know, they never freeze. And whenever we do gear checks, I'm like, guys, I mean, this is literally a backup device. Computers crash. Instructors malfunction. Instructors land off. You have to understand that when we train you, when we go up, like, you are in control of this skydive. You are the pilot under parachute. Take care of yourself. Fly defensively. Act like everybody's trying to kill you. And let's, uh, t- let's have some fun. I mean, that's, that's that's a great way to end that statement. Act like everybody's trying to kill you. Go enjoy yourself. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I start positive, I get real and then let's go smile, you know, and that's, that's my favorite thing to do is when I get, when I finally get to release them, I get to fly in front of them. They're so, their faces are so serious. I like to say cereal when I'm around them because that helps break the tension. Dead cereal. Dead no, cereal. It's because you don't know words. I can't spell. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I am horrible with, with my literacy. You're totally I, illegitimate, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm totally. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt. A I'm not even going to attempt. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, when, when I get in front of a student and they're just mean mugging you and I, and I, I literally do the, you know, cheese, you know, smile and they finally take a deep breath. I'm like, okay, you get it. Like you don't, there's no such thing as a perfect body position. You have to let that air spill off your body. You're going to have moments where you're, where you're, you're going to be, you know, not controlling your heading the whole time. You're going to drift a little bit, but as long as your air and you're staying altitude aware and control and relax. Let's have some fun. You're never going to be a perfect student. There's never going to be a perfect skydive. Uh, there's not. Su- there's no such thing as a perfect skydiver. I've already been that guy, so don't worry about it. Don't try to go impress anybody. Unless pretty girls are watching. That's right. <laughs> and then be pants. Be so, Adam. Be Adam. Ke- Kevin also wanted to know uh, which is more rewarding between rigging and AFF, and which do you enjoy more personally? Oh, AFF by far. Uh, as much as I love the responsibility of rigging and knowing that 
I get to take care of so many jumpers. Uh, AFF is just pff, light, lights, lights are on. I get to go out there. I get to be in the natural light with them. I'm not underneath the fluorescent lights like a. I'm just rigging away in that loft in the ivory tower. But being able to teach somebody that you know they didn't think they're going to be good at it, or they're there for you know for some type of release, uh, escape from the real world, and you get to be a part of that that adventure, you know that that dream that they've been probably waiting on to do because somebody was telling them, no, 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 don't do it. Or they just want to try something that, you know, pushes them out of their comfort zone. AFF is by far much more rewarding than video or tandem or rigging. But again, I, I much prefer video and, and SDP, but rigging is very rewarding in the sense that, you know, I get to save some lives here and there. I get to teach people a little bit about the gear and what they're jumping and just keep passing, passing on that knowledge. Train your replacement. You said it time and time again. Pass on your knowledge. Pass on your knowledge. Share what you have. You yeah, know? man. You can't be stingy with it. Uh, I think you're a better person. Not not necessarily as bad. And then I've said that you are a better man from since I've known you. But you're a better person than the people who trained you at the experience level you're at. The example I'll use is Tommy Miller. Tommy Miller does a great job at anything we ask him to do, and Tommy's just a very gifted man. The one thing that Tommy Miller can't do well is grow hair. Other than that, <laughs> my guy. boy's gold, man. <laughs> um, Tommy, when he has my experience level, because he's training to be an examiner, he's training to do mm -hmm. what I do. When he has my experience level, he's going to smoke what I can be. Oh, man. I, I, I can't disagree with that. Tommy is an awesome, awesome soul, and it's always fun to work with him in the airplane. Yeah. And, and that's what you keep telling people is, is learn, keep exploring, keep expanding. You know, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before. I say this regularly. Hyder never heard this from me. But dinosaurs aren't dead because they're old. Dinosaurs are dead because they didn't evolve. That's right. If you don't evolve, you're going to die. And I, and I don't care if you're a creationist and evolutionist. I'm not talking necessarily about growing more gills and having 12 fingers instead of 10 because now I can type faster. The Earth is only 4,000 years old, okay? It's the flat, Earth is too. flat. Uh, and it's flat. <laughs> the yeah. Earth is flat. Dude, look up the Earth is flat videos, and it will convince you the Earth is flat Please. until you think about it. Please, anyone out there, don't fucking believe the world is flat. That is awesome. It is. Is, though it's not the 1400s <laughs> anymore find a video on youtube that's 20 minutes long about the world being flat and watch it and yeah, see and how then, convincing they really yeah, are and then after you believe that shit go kill yourself do the world a favor but yeah. if you think about it for <laughs> Our one species will be stronger minute, because of it <laughs> you you'll realize they're full of shit but still it's amazing the, the you, thought they've put into it do you listen to the joe rogan podcast at all i, I get to once in a while uh, so that's really the biggest place i've heard about this flat earth thing I guess I have seen a few uh, YouTube videos pop up about it, about the flat. So on Facebook flat a lot now. That's insane to me. I mean, but my point was going to be, I don't think I would have really heard about it other than listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. That's where I've heard him make fun of, of people. Ditto. Uh, so I haven't really heard it. Like, I wouldn't have heard this information from one of my friends saying, yo, bro, the earth is flat. Do you know this? Because, I mean, partially because... Because in second grade, they taught us we were stupid to believe that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that I live here in Houston, and then when I try and text my homie Braden, he's, what, like 11 hours ahead or nine hours ahead or something. And that just doesn't... If the earth is flat, then we're not... I just know that that's not possible with a flat earth, you know? <laughs> so it only takes me knowing one buddy... And, you know, our friend Jason Hyder, who's flown all around the world, anyone who's uh, spent a lot of time at sea, like, uh, you know, uh, Charles, the uh, deaf, deaf... Charles. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, man. Yeah, he, he went around... He sailed around the sailed, world. Sailed around the world. As a deaf guy. First solo yeah. deaf... Yeah. 
world's web, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> but uh, it's like, man, you can look out into space. You can see every, you know, every object because of the way the shadows are cast and the way that we see the movement. It's all, you think all that shit is round and we're just flat? Like, where, who benefits from this? Even if the world was flat, who's benefiting from, from people thinking that it's round if it was actually flat? It's NASA trying to steal our money and go to space. Oh, those a-holes. They're not going to space. They're just using it to make these CGI videos. Matthew, moon landing, real or fake? <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I want to say real. I have to say real. I mean, you, our government never lies to us. Why DJ, would, same why? question. <laughs> I think it's real, but I understand why people think it's fake. No, no, I, I'd, I'd agree with that statement right Dude, there. there, there so there's people who show evidence... Like, there's pictures and there's video evidence out there that people go, this video and this picture evidence is proof that it's staged. And you can actually go back and find the training footage and replace images over images and go, well, they've obviously taken this training footage and overlaid it on the moon. And some of the arguments is they've done it to... they, they didn't have the ability to have media the way we do today. They didn't have the ability to have, you know, when, when, when uh, what's his name? Felix Baumgarten did his jump from the stratosphere. They had tons of cameras on them. Yeah. It was much harder back then. So they've, they've used all these posed things from training to actually help uh, use as propaganda for the space mission. So some of the pictures are posed. Oh, I Some bet. of them are fake. And, and I do believe that for sure. But I still think we landed on the moon. I think if I go up to the moon right now, I'm going to find an American flag, Merca. America. And Texas face is going to be on it. You know uh, Elon Musk? Yes. I heard that he announced recently that, that SpaceX will try and put people back on the moon. And I would really, you know, if you know this guy at all, he's the guy who yes. owns SpaceX, uh, created the Tesla, Tesla founder yeah. of PayPal. Oh, yeah. He's Big part deal. of Vice all the time or on Vice. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, love Vice. But Gene Vice, Killer Vice, Vice. genius guy. He wants to put, he, he believes that his, uh, based on a uh, biography I read, he believes that his purpose is to get human beings to Mars and he wants to colonize Mars. He made this big presentation about colonizing Mars. I saw that on South Park. Did <laughs> <laughs> did you? Dude, did you, did you watch his presentation? He actually makes a joke about South Park during his presentation. No, I didn't see it. That's awesome. So uh, this is an old episode with the underpants gnomes. Do you know it? The underpants one? Underpants gnomes. On South Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you know who Tweak is on South Park, Yeah, sure. Okay, so Tweak is is trying to tell everybody that there are these underpants, these, these gnomes that come in and steal his underpants, okay? And everybody thinks that Tweak's crazy because Tweak's crazy. But then the kids, all the all the kid, all the characters are hanging out at his house, and the underpants gnomes come in, and they follow these underpants gnomes to their secret underground lair. They're just like the uh, the Keebler elves, these gnomes, <laughs> and they really do have this plan. And step one of their plan is steal underpants, and step three of their plan is profit, and nobody knows what step two is. Like they have it written up in on their <laughs> you know in their lair. It's step one, steal underpants. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. And so, uh, and this is a real South Park episode. It's one of the early, early seasons, but you can look it up, South Park Underpants Gnomes. But um, in his presentation about about how we're going to get money to go to Mars, he says, step one, steal underpants. (laughs) (laughs) So it's totally just a joke to South Park nerds, which made me love the dude even more because he's even in this very serious presentation where he's telling the whole world his plan to get human beings on Mars. He's still throwing in a South Park joke. That's badass. He gets it. He yeah, gets he it. He gets it. He and gets South Park it. totally on this last episode season ripped him about going to Mars. Yeah. See, and that's fun. So I'm sure that they, I mean, they obviously got the joke about the yes. underpants and home. So they're just, yeah, they're just throwing the ball back in the court. It's <laughs> awesome. Dude, I, I, I love 
South Park because there's no politically correct. Nobody's safe. They make fun of their own kind. They make fun of their own people. Mm. It's a joke. Get over yourself. Funny is funny, man. Funny is funny. Yeah. There's no such thing as too soon. There might be an appropriate time or an appropriate place. Repeat. What repeat? Remember when Chris Tit down uh, did the uh, downplaying, <laughs> and then the very next day. So what happened is we used to we used to do a lot of crew back in our heyday, and hey Chris Tit. They used to what, what's it called? It's called the um, so they would do a downplane. So yeah, if you don't know what a downplane is, two guys under parachute dock their parachute together. So one guy actually gets up to the other guy, and they put their parachutes against their legs, and then they actually bring their parachutes they together. Slide down. So you're side by side, and then you lock legs together with your parachute side by side. If you know what a side by side two out malfunction is, well, they do this on purpose with their own parachutes. Yep. Once their legs are locked, they both steer away, so they come straight down to the ground. That's yep. a that's a downplane. That's a downplane. And our poor buddy uh, Chris Tit, when he came out of the downplane, he was flying downwind, and at like fifty feet, he decided to do a one eighty hook and smacked himself into the ground. Poor guy. I mean, he he survived. He's good to go, but he ended up getting flight life or life flighted out. And the very next day, they did the same thing, and our buddy Pete hit the tarmac. Hold on one second. No, it gets a little bit better. <laughs> Chris turns 180 to land in the wind, and that's when he hit the taxiway, the tarmac, the angled section, Ugh. right? So the next day, they go out, and they actually shoot video. And before they get on the plane, they hold the video camera up to Pete Ritsu and another guy, and they say, Chris, this is how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and did the exact dude they impacted it within ten feet of each other. Yeah. No, no, no. No. Like this is how it's done. And then did the exact same mistake and fucked up in the exact now. Both guys are super dude. Chris and super Pete. Super great guys. Super good dudes. Pete's actually been back jumping a lot lately. Even helped organizing some. And I got nothing but love for Pete. He screwed up and he owns it. It's it's okay. But Chris, this is how it's done. And then he <laughs> He just came out and smacked the like ten feet away the same spot and DZ Tom came up with it, walked in from the injury and he goes, well I guess uh, we can call him Repeat, huh? Because <laughs> it's Pete. His name's Pete Ritsu. Yeah, Repeat. <laughs> Dude, they were in the same ICU because when you get ICU, <laughs> you can only visit two at a time. Well, they were both like across the room no. from each other, so four of us would be in at the time. So now you've got six skydivers in the ICU, two of them on morphine. <laughs> Dude, it was a party. Oh, man. At, I think it was at uh, Ben Tob or, yep. or whichever the one's next to it. I, th I would think it was Ben Tob. Yeah, I, I don't. I, the med center's just the med center to me. So. Yep. Oh, man. That was, uh, that was my first season there, too. That was crazy. Dude, I, I do want to take one second, man. Uh, John Buchanan actually says, great interview. He's watching because of Judson. And that's one of the fun things that I've seen is is every guest we have brings along their own fan base. And Judson's fan base, dude, was a riot. Did you read a lot of what they said last oh, time? Oh, they're a bunch of goddamn monsters. They're a bunch of shitheads. <laughs> I love them. Dude, they are assholes. And my hope is when I go to Destin this, this uh, uh, fall is to go out and at least spend an evening to say hello to all those guys. But John Buchanan, I'm, I, I'm guessing, is definitely related to Justin because of the last name. But I think it might be his father. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate the fact that you actually checked us out with Judson. But the fact that you're sticking around and checking out more of this, really, really appreciate it. Nick, can you scroll those comments up or down somewhere and just get rid of those comments for me on your screen? Well, the one just keeps getting me. Uh, <laughs> no, no, just that one. <laughs> Which one? I didn't I, I'm not sure either. <laughs> the one that actually oh, talks about you, Matt I got you, I got you, I got <laughs> you. Thank you, thank you. We'll talk about Matt Peterson. <laughs> uh, um. 
<laughs> so just kind of just whatever. Um, thank you, thank you, John, for for hanging out and tuning in with us. Thanks for doing this thing, man. I, I hope people realize you can do the things you want. You you became a rigger right away. Right away. You know, people are probably shocked to hear this, that you are an angry, angry, angry man. Used to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, there's still anger inside. I just know how to harness it a little bit better. I say, I think I know you well enough. That I think it's all still there. It's there. Because you and I, uh, that's, I think, you came to me for a lot of advice, which I found very ironic. A lot of, well, I, I just remembered that, you know, we, we we actually started off on the wrong foot, if you don't remember. Yeah, fuck you. We all, you started off the wrong foot with all of us, yeah. so do I. <laughs> and, you know, after a while we became friends and i just remember you know you were always receptive and at the same time you were forgiving and i just thought you know i could i could tell that we had the same um uh, issues i yes. would i guess issues is the good I'll word take to use. It. yeah and i your counseling was always nice when i needed it you know i just think i'm five years older than you and i and we'll go with five yeah how old are you i'm 32 I'm five years older than you. We'll <laughs> stick with that, man. I'm I'm 11 years older than you, and and, and I really think I was five years ahead of you in mentality. Mm-hmm. So every time you ask a question, I'm like, well, I, I'm going through this right now, or I went through this five years ago. This yep. is how I dealt with it. Yeah. And I think I told you, man. I I never gave you advice. I always told you what I needed to hear for myself when you told me the problem. This is what I need to know about that, and you just happened to hear what I would do for myself. Correct. And if you're giving your friends advice, don't tell them what you think is best for them because what you think is best for them is lying to yourself. Yeah, you need to tell them what they, you know, what what you've been through or what they need to hear. Yeah, tell them what you know is going to be best for you because I, I bet if it's the best thing for you, both of you will grow together from it. If I give you the advice, I don't learn, and, and I really, I, I got to thank you. The fact that you saw uh, counsel with me, and I, I mean that just in, in a fun way. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it was. It's yeah. advice. It's yeah. counseling. The fact that you you would call me and just say, dude, I need to talk. I need somebody. That was, A, just an honor, man. Like, I'm here for my home. I'm here for my brother. And the more you did it, the more I just, like, was just humbled. Like, man, I, I'm so stoked that you look that look that way at me. But I actually learned a lot about me during that time frame. Thank you. You're, you're welcome, but thank you, man. So people, if people are asking you advice, actually take your own advice. Right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're the biggest hypocrites in the world as far as, as animals go. Humans, man, we, we, we talk out one side and we do just the opposite. Yeah, oh, that's true. I'd agree with that. So, Nick Lott, it's about time you joined the podcast. Thank you. I see that you just did. You jumped in. What? Did I? I just refreshed my browser. That's what you're seeing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, I was going to ask you about something that's right along those same lines okay. about, you know, when it's when you have to give someone criticism, when you have to call someone, you know, call someone out on their shit, to, for lack of, of a better way to say it, you know, there's kind of that awkward feeling that boils up in your stomach of like, God, how am I going to... How am I going to say this thing to this person without hurting their feelings? And I think you're someone who's really good at being direct. Like you're super good at uh, not being inconsiderate of someone's feelings, but just not letting the fact that it might affect their feelings have an impact on what you're going to say or how or how you're going to say it necessarily. So, what do you uh, do? You have any advice for someone who wants to be a more direct person, a le- less of uh, tiptoeing around their point and really being direct with people? What uh, what advice do you have? I would say if depending on what the situation is or what what aroused the situ the the conflict or the argument or whatever it is how would you want to be approached how do you want to how would you want somebody to come talk to you about it and a lot of times people are really worried about feelings you know a lot of people are living on their feelings and in a sense that's 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 a good intentions but 
Sometimes you just need to tell people what they need to hear. They might not like it. They might not like you for it. And they might not talk to you for a moment about it. But in the end, you're trying to help them out. It's, it's, it's like canopies. Some people think that, you know, I had the same mentality that you need to get out of my way. My parachute is fast. You have to get out of my way. That's not the way it is driving down the road, right? At the speed limit's 65. I'm Asian. Don't ask me that question. <laughs> if everybody's driving 65 and you want to do 80, well, you need to, you need to drive around them. They're doing the right thing. Um, so if there's anything I'd say is just approach people the way you want to be approached. If you don't like when people beat around the bush, don't beat around the bush. Tell them how you feel about the situation. But also deliver deliver it with some you know positive feedback. Say, hey man, I know you did it this way, but this is how you should have done it, and I think you can do better on the back end from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that that was, sense. Does that was that a good delivery? No, I just wondered like when I have to when I have to be direct with with someone about uh, something I'm, I'm offering criticism about. Uh, there's always just this awkward moment of like, God, I feel like I should say this thing, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to start. And I think that comes back more on feelings. Everybody doesn't want to hurt each other's feelings, but your feelings are going to get hurt here and there. That's just life. If you're if you're always worried about what somebody's going to think about you, the way you deliver it, or the way they're going to talk about you when you walk away, then you're not doing them justice by delivering it the way you should really be delivering it. Mo- Again, people are so about their feelings that they're 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 more inclined to care about how they're going to talk about them when they walk away. Where I'm more and less. If you don't like what I have to say, that's fine, but you need to hear this because it's going to help and benefit you down the road. You might not like me for a week, a month, a year, but down the road, if that if those words are going to help you from breaking yourself or hurting somebody else or messing up a product of a video or the way you treat you know a customer, I mean, it, it really is to help you out, to give you an outside perspective, so... Again, people need to get off their feelings and just realize that it's more of a job or it's more professionalism or I'm trying to be your friend. Just listen to what I have to say and digest it. Either swallow it or spit it out. You know, it's it just comes to get off your feelings. Too many people are living on their feelings. I feel like I don't feel like getting out of bed most days, but I still do. I need to make money. <laughs> I I feel like I I feel like I could do, you know, a lot more in this industry if somebody gave me, you know, an opportunity to step up, but I'm not out there begging or asking, you know, I'm hoping my actions are saying more than my words. You know, that's 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 how I feel life should be. Don't talk about it. Do it. So speaking of doing it, where are you going next month, Matthew? I'm going to Saipan. Oh, boo. I'm excited. I'm ready to. I've done eight years with Spaceland and those eight years have been great. The Boyds have given me every opportunity to step up and to grow whether it's as a skydiver or as a man or as a fun jumper or as a friend. But I'm ready to go out and try a new experience. Yeah. I, I wanna I just wanna see what I'm capable of doing. Don't get me wrong, I'm gonna make a lot of money. Uh <laughs> so for anyone listening who's not familiar with Saipan, what are you what exactly are you doing there? I'm gonna be doing tandem skydives out there. They are hand cam. Uh, as far as I know, all their parachutes are 270 uh, semi cross brace, so it's going to be a lot of fun flying them. And so, to put that in perspective, the the tandem parachutes at uh, Spacelander 365, right? Correct. So you're going to be on a 270 cross brace. Yes. And so, what are the you guys are going to have rules for for landings and approaches and turns on to final? Correct. They're going to be a little bit different from the the Spacelands and USPA's um, criteria. 
but we're still in the same parameters of safety and uh, how we want to treat our customers, the, the product we're trying to put out there. It's just going to be a little different world, though. So I think a, a big difference about that is Saipan. It's a lot more of a tourist it's thing. very much it's, like hawaii or it's, any a, it's a thrill ride it's right? a thrill ride you're where, literally where, getting them up and down it's a carnival ride and it's baseline we're a lot more focused on the student aspect giving you something that you're actually going to learn from and, and become a real skydiver with correct space spaceland trains you from the moment you step on there it, it is a training program it is not a tandem factory uh spaceland goes above and beyond for the dollars you pay for don't get me wrong i'm sure saipan and their and their facilities is going to be top notch, and they're, we're going to be giving the same product that Spaceland does. But Spaceland definitely goes above and beyond than most drop zone does when it comes from tandem aspect and the AFF, which we call the skydiving training program. So, have you looked on a map? Do you know where Saipan actually is located? It's, it's off of uh, Japan and China. It is in the middle of nowhere. I believe it's 24 square miles or something like, or 42 square miles. It's ridiculously small. It's super I honestly, small. I'm really, I'm, I, I'm not afraid to say this. I am super intimidated. There is a lot of water around this landing area and where we're going. But again, it's, uh, it's going to push me out of my comfort zone. It's going to help me to grow as a tandem instructor, as a jumper, and I finally get to, I don't want to say take a break. I think I'm, I'm happy to go meditate. I'm going to unplug from social media. I'm going to freeze my Facebook account. I'm not going to, I'm just going to go out there. I'm really going to meditate. I don't know if anybody knows, but I'm engaged and I'm going to get married to Woo! my beautiful uh, fiance, Chelsea Turnham. And we're buying a house this fall, so I want to be able to provide her uh, a beautiful home and a nice wedding. That's very noble of you. Thank you. To go and have uh, a <laughs> how right? many month vacation in Saipan? <laughs> a little over three months. Three months in Saipan. <laughs> so that's, I, I don't know. Uh, so how did, how did you get set up with this deal in Saipan? Where, where, uh, who, who, who plugged you in? Uh, Boston, John actually. Boston, yeah. He's been trying to get me out there for a couple of years. And is his last, what is his real last name? Boston. John, John Hartley. Hartley. John Hartley. Okay, I was like, yeah. What? I was like, Sorry, I know, that was my fault. My I, bad. I knew him for maybe six months as Boston before I found out his name was John and yes. not actually Boston. Uh, DJ's uh, has known Boston a little more than I have. Uh, not, I don't, I don't know, a couple years longer. Uh, I'm gonna say oh five. I think yeah. Boston was here when I showed oh, up. You're much. Yeah, you've known him much longer than yeah, I have. I've known him since so five. But Boston, I mean, shout out to John. Uh, he was just like DJ. He was a huge part of my skydiving career. He was always a mentor, just like anytime I needed some uh, counseling or some advice, I would always go to Boston. He really set me on a path to, for success, whether it was swooping or tandems or telling me I'm being a douchebag in the city because I'm talking about skydiving too much to try to get some tail. Uh, <laughs> it did, it, Boston, again, is the way I approach people. You don't, you don't have to worry about feelings. Tell them what they need to hear, and hopefully they take that and they actually grow from those words. And I've, I've honestly tried to carry myself in uh, his image since he's left. I mean, I don't want to be cocky or you know stroke his ego, but he was ego. He was always <laughs> stroking his eagle does sound cool though. <laughs> I don't know what it means to stroke somebody's eagle, but man, you got to try that out. Anytime you want to get some Boston on your back, you should <laughs> stroke some eagle, dude. No. Go ahead. Oh, I just yeah. wanted to really agree with what you're saying about uh, being open to someone else's perspective. Like it's really when you open up the possibility of hey, maybe I'm wrong about some shit. Like that is a huge. Uh, 
you know, that breaks down a lot of walls when it comes to personal growth of even being willing to consider someone else's opinion and not even necessarily agree that they're right, but just try and understand their perspective and how they've come to view things the way that they're that they're speaking with. You, you may not agree with them. You may not take the advice that they're giving to you. But by saying, hey, I'm not a perfect person. I've been wrong before. Maybe I'm wrong right now. I'm going to listen to this advice, at least have an open mind. And I don't think that any person should have a mind so open that your brain falls out because that's a whole other problem. Yeah. But, uh, you know, opening up your thoughts to new things that other people have to offer, I think is super beneficial with uh, becoming a better person. And uh, if you are super, I mean, we can all think of someone in our lives who's super married to an idea that just keeps them from growing. And it's, I think it's a lot easier to see that from an outside perspective. Uh, I don't, this probably isn't even the first time I've said this here, but there's a saying I'm really fond of is it's uh, easier to see a splinter in the eye of my brother than it is to see the log in my own, meaning that it's really easy to identify someone's small flaw than it is to see, see things about yourself. So people, you know, especially friends who are willing to say something honest and open to you about, you know, who you are or the way that you do a certain thing, man, I really, really respect those people. Oh, and, definitely. you know, it's, I think it's even, it's, it's hard to get that sort of open feedback from people sometimes. Like, hey, what, like, just an example, my, uh, I, I called my mom and talked to her about, um, I talked to her about an issue with a family member that I knew she would relate to, something that I, that I knew she would understand. Okay. And I said, hey, you wouldn't ever really say this to this person, right? She said, no, not in a million years. And I said, awesome. My, my, the whole point of this conversation was to lay the groundwork for this one question. And I was like, okay, so what is it that you wouldn't say to me? Like, tell me that thing. Yeah. You know, and to try and get her to be honest about what she thought my flaws were as a person or as her son or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. She just, I, I mean, I didn't buy her answer. Okay. Because she wasn't giving me anything that I could use, you know. She wasn't. She didn't. She didn't come with anything harsh that I was after. You know, I was after a tough answer. I was after like some some real criticism because I think that that's it's important, and I think it's uh, especially if you want to grow as a person, like to be able to open up, you know, be vulnerable and take a take a hit from someone, especially someone that you love. Yep. If they're able to to be honest with you, and you can really be like, yeah, may, maybe I am a shithead, or maybe I am. Whatever, whatever they it is that they give you, if you can open up your mind to the fact that you're not perfect and you're probably wrong sometimes, I think there's a lot of uh, personal growth in that. And I and coming back to DJ with my anger, and I think that was my defense mechanism is I didn't want to hear anybody, I didn't want to hear my flaws. I would use my rage and my hate to keep people away. And DJ was one of the first people to call me out on my shit, and I was like, holy crap, you know? It took somebody like-minded. To call me out, and that was the moment I was like, you know what? I am the denominator. You know, if everybody's saying these things and they're calling me out, and he's actually got the balls to say it, and the, all these people are like, this guy's gonna hit me in the face if, if I go say something. Uh, I think that was like the the moment that summer was the year where I was like between a you know getting my ass kicked at a bar and having people you know tell me in one word how they felt about me. I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time to pull back my tone, uh, actually be a little bit more receptive on how I engage other human beings and, you know, and the way I approach things. And I've only benefited since. I mean, you can't stay complacent. Um, If you're not willing to listen, if you're not willing just to grow from, whether it's your mother's advice or uh, strangers, you know, if you're not willing just to at least open your ears and let them speak what they want to speak, what's the worst thing you do? Just let their words fall on dead ears? Or you can actually open up, listen, and make some changes. And 
I I hope people understand that if I give a little bit of you know a nasty comment or a look, I'm I'm pretty good about not being too passive aggressive these days. But uh, um, most of the time, you just go straight for aggressive aggressive. Right, <laughs> asshole aggressive. Asshole aggressive. I'm usually pretty good about being receptive and trying to you know really stay open to people and. Again, if you're ever in the loft and you see me just, you know, with a bad attitude, it's usually the gear and not the person. <laughs> it's so one of the things you asked Nick is how to be honest with people, how to, to approach people. And I know something that's worked really well for me as far as the recipient. And in return, I've used the same trick with my friends. And I might have used this with you is I'm very direct with people, but I do it as far as, hey, Nick, we're really good friends, right? I mean, I, I can tell you things that might otherwise seem offensive, but I say it with all love. Can I tell you something? And people have qualified that statement to me when they want to tell me something that they know I can either get raged by or I can learn by. Yeah. And you said it earlier. It's my choice to do with it as I please. But straight up, with them qualifying, hey, what I'm about to say, you'd normally get mad at, but please understand I'm saying it with love. Help me make the decision. So it is my decision to make, but I also believe it's my ability to help my friends make better decisions. So if you're approaching a friend, at Rory Corrigan, when Rory Corrigan first worked at Spaceland, I met him on one day, and then I went on my one-week vacation. Every two years, I take a one-week vacation. It's a very specific vacation Val and I do, and it's one of our favorite things. So I'm gone for seven days. I come back, and I'm in the plane, and I'm in the very front of the plane, and I smell the most god-awful, most horrible odor I've smelled in the plane <laughs> in a while. And if you've ever had me fart in a plane, you know that's a high standard. Um, Son of a bitch. And, <laughs> it's I, awful. and I, asked, I asked people, what is it? And they say, it's the new guy, Rory. Really? Yeah, he smelled like this all week long. Have you guys said anything? No, why not? Because we're afraid to. And I walked up to Rory, and I've known this guy now for one and a half days. I said, hey, Rory, man, you seem like a super cool dude. I've enjoyed in a very short time getting to know you. He goes, like, dude, I enjoy it too. I said, man, I think I've become good enough friends with you. Can I tell you something personal that, that is not the best thing to hear? Yeah. Dude, you smell really bad, so bad in the plane that, like, it's got a lot of people nauseous, and it's been going on for a week. Oh, my God, thank you so much. I wish somebody would have told me. I didn't realize I stunk. He had changed deodorants. He, I, I know Rory's a vegan and lives very natural, so he doesn't always have the best odor to him because of it, but he would change the deodorant that didn't work at all. And it was, I mean, <laughs> Rory was so apologetic. He went, he washed, he changed deodorants back to one that worked for him. But you can just approach somebody and let them know, hey, man, I'm, I'm approaching you with love. Yeah. And that's part of it because I can go up to Matthew and say, dude, why the fuck are you being such a fucking dickhead? Oh, yeah. And I think you and I can approach each other that way today because of our friendship. Yes. But if I would have done that the first time, you would have punched me. I probably would have lost my job. And I probably <laughs> would have deserved it if I would have approached you that way. And, and, and back to Nick's question, you do definitely need to read your audience a little bit on how you make that approach. <clears throat> definitely not going to go to a, you know, a new guy. Let's, let's say the, uh, who, was the, who was the French uh, tandem instructor we Alex. had? Alex. I could tell from the moment I saw him, he was very, he had a lot of pride. And so when I ever interacted with him, I made sure that it was away from everybody. And he was very receptive. And then I would see the way tandem instructors approached him in front of other people. And he was not very receptive. Yeah. So you definitely need to read your audience. And uh, I think with skydiving, we learn how to read our audience, especially as an instructor or a videographer. You know if this person's nervous. You know if they're too scared. You know if they're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you you know you know how to read them. Uh, a you know you just know how to read them and approach them. Uh, just the other day, I had a an, a tandem student. I was shooting video with Jay Daniel, 
And within five minutes, I could tell he was broing out. He didn't want to talk on the camera. He didn't want to show any emotions. He wasn't smiling for the camera. So what I do, I left him alone. Gave us each a $50 tip. And then the next student uh, wanted all the pictures, wanted me to make love with the camera with her, and we had a good time. We each got a $50 tip. I mean, you really just need to read your audience uh, and then make that decision on how you're going to approach. But just as long as you come with some good intent and honesty, most people are going to be receptive. But if you come with just negative criticism, nobody's going to listen to you. Uh, being passive aggressive, that doesn't work. I mean, that can work with our coworkers if we know each other enough. But even like after a long day of skydiving and you're having a bad day and you want to take it out on an instructor, that you know that's obviously not cool. But I've grown just to ignore people at that point. You know, you just they're not affecting my day anymore. Business is business and personal is personal. And yeah. There, there's a guy out there, um, and his name is a little bit polarizing to some of my friends. His name is Rob Pooley, and Rob Pooley is a friend of mine. He's he's running some trouble recently, but whatever. When he worked here at Spaceland, he did some things on staff that really would frustrate me. And him and I would exchange words. I said, "You shouldn't be doing that. What are you going to do about it?" I said, "That there's nothing I can do about it. If I could convince somebody, you'd be grounded because what you just did was really dangerous or stupid." And he would go at it with me at work. And the reason Rob and I became really good friends is because one day we were hanging out outside of work and business was gone and we started talking just person to person. And I really enjoyed his company. And from that day on, no matter what we did at work and no matter how much we disagreed at work, as soon as we stepped off the drop zone, remember like the old Looney Tunes cartoon where the sheepdog and the coyote <laughs> would be like fighting each other over the, the sheep. And yep. at the end of the day, they'd clock out and they were best friends all of a sudden. Yep. And on the clock, they were asshole. Dude, that, that Rob is one of those guys. That's how you know we're old. We're quoting Looney Tunes. <laughs> Dude, but, but put personal aside and make business business. And if it's personal, just just consider it, man. There's so many things that you've said today, that self-awareness. And I like to use that word a lot because I really believe I'm bad at it. And I like to talk about it a lot to help myself think about me more. You know, I don't talk about self-awareness because I think I'm good at it. I talk about it because I think I'm bad at it. You know, I, I know Nick has made comments to me over our lifetime as friends. And I, I can't think of any specific comments, but he's made comments where I'm like, Maybe I need to be better at that. A joke is funny because it's true. Mm -hmm. how, how many times do we take a shot at each other that's kind of a funny shot because, it, it, oh, like DJ talks a lot. Yeah, he does. I, I'm sure you're thinking of the, the time when we first had this podcast and I mentioned jokingly, yeah, if I couldn't think of anything to say that I knew you would you'd have the talking part under control. No, that? That, I, I joked around about that hurt my feelings on the podcast. Okay. No, that was just a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> okay. I think behind any joke, there's probably a little bit of truth, even though you're trying to come off sarcastic, but, you know. Yeah, but that's kind of the fun part. That's the fun part. Yeah, I you mean, know? that's what makes it sting, and that's what makes that's what makes it funny. And see the joke and make it funny, because if you can learn to laugh at yourself about that, it's better. And I know why you thought that was the comment, just because I remember we talked about that at another point in time. Um, no, and I can't remember, but a lot of my friends, almost every one of my really good friends has at some point hurt my feelings. And that's actually why I consider you my friends because I don't like Matthew Peterson. <laughs> hey, Matthew, you're an awesome dude. Hey, Mr. P, that Matthew guy, thank God he's gone, man. Oh, I get, man him he's such this, a get him off the show. You know, show. <laughs> your enemies actually are nice to you to your face, and they backbite you. They talk shit about you behind your back. A real friend is a person who can sit there and say something to you that offends you, and then the next minute tell you how much they love you. Yeah. And so most of my closest friends have hurt my feelings majorly at some point in my life. I tell me something I actually needed to hear. Yeah. 
Um, and so I, that, that's, it's, you know, you said at some point in our conversations that you said it earlier, most of the people I'm really good friends with, I didn't like at first. Well, yep. I, I had a rough start and, and all three of us had our own rough starts in our own ways. Um, but God, man, that's how I know I have good friends. Cause we can put bullshit aside and we can let butt hurt feelings go away and sit here and watch Nick drink three glasses of wine. Ooh, ladies. He's coming a, it out was of. only two. I'm not going to let you talk. <laughs> you didn't get the third one? <laughs> no, nah, I thought about pouring it, but I, I bitched out. I got, oh, I got to drive home too. I don't drink very often. Okay. That's a smart move. Okay. I did hand you a glass, but you, okay, cool. I actually had, uh, I actually had somebody send me a, a text message commenting on like how like dude give Nick wine and let him go he's opening up the dude you've been chatty I love it it's it's more chatty you've than I've seen it. oh I just uh, Matthew I, we're just buddies like you're probably the most buddy person I'm well, maybe that's not true I'm pretty good buddies with Ben Nelson yeah you're I mean, and, and Tommy I mean, Ben I mean, Nelson and I are uh, you guys yeah, hang out fuck, quite a bit so maybe that's I guess that's just that's how I thought about it in my I, brain I mean I've just but, always respect you as a as a coworker your work ethic is like mine I think I've told you that before that. When you are when you're on, you're on. You know, until we're done, you really set the tone and you know how to carry yourself well, and you do a better job of controlling your emotions than I do. I, I probably look like when I'm upset that I I'm either holding on to a turd or I just ate a melon <laughs> or a, excuse me a lemon. Yeah. And I, I don't know that that's <laughs> true. I, mean, I, I I don't know that. I, I mean, I don't always feel like the most composed person. That sometimes I definitely let my emotions get the better of how I'm thinking about how my day is going. Yeah. I don't know how much or how often that comes out to how many people and how, how well they know me and how, how well they might pick up on those sorts of things. I think the people that know me best probably can tell the subtleties of how I act when I'm trying to not strangle a motherfucker, yeah. you know? But, uh, I mean, I, I've just, just in the same way that you have made conscious decisions about how you want to interact with people, I, I try and, I, you know, I've absolutely put effort into that. Mm -hmm. I don't always win. I don't always win every time. Yeah. You know, but I have absolutely put effort into, okay, well, if this was me that someone else was saying the same thing to, how would I, how would how I would react? You, yeah. And so for me, that works sometimes. And then there are times that I just can't stand it. <laughs> like that I just, <laughs> like that it just gets the best of me. And it might be something really simple and uh, really small. And, you know, th to try and explain it to someone else, I would just make myself sound insane. Yeah. Like, hey, this person says, hi to me too much like this person greets me every morning and just takes up too much of my time with their greeting that i just i'm already working i'm already focused i just i'm gonna see you in 10 minutes and we're gonna exchange a nice nod that's all i need yep. but one like i'm sorry <laughs> no and it's, it's not i'm not talking about you i'm not talking about this morning i just <laughs> no, wasn't ready i just wasn't <laughs> ready but no that but that that's absolutely awesome. happens i have people who are that person in my life who it's like hey like I saw you yesterday. I saw you last night, like just a few hours ago. Yeah. We don't have to bro down like you haven't seen me in six yeah. months, you know? And, you know, I've honestly stopped greeting uh, like, like Steve Sr. and Steven. Like, I try and only say hi to him like 50% of the time because I know that most people at that place try and take up more of their time than they're really able to give a lot of the time. Exactly. And I just don't want to be that high-maintenance person that's requiring, like, hey, how was your day? How was your night? What are you up to? Oh, I mean, that was I this last Saturday with me. I think I had four people within 20 seconds ask me how I was doing, and I wanted to snap with that weather overcast and not having been... I can't sleep lately, so I'm just like, I'm doing fine. Stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you doing okay? Hey, man. 
Hey, you doing all right? I was doing good till you asked me twenty times. Real good if you just shut the fuck up for a second. And I like I feel like that makes me a little bit of a monster to to feel that way. Oh, for sure. I try and rein it in. You know, yeah, everything's cool, man. Everything's good. But to me, it feels just like uh, you know, when you're arguing with your girlfriend and you just don't really, you're not emotionally calm enough to discuss what's going on because you're too busy being crazy and irrational. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'm just there when someone's like, "Hey, what's going on?" It's like, no, I'm good. Like. I just need space. That's all. Elbow room. We need to get a bigger video room, though. <laughs> Dude, that it's it's a it's a silly topic. It's a weird topic. It, but I we, I really wish people could understand what you just said, because you show up to the drop zone, and there are people who have to acknowledge you every time you pass every time, them. Time and it's like not every day. Just... Every time you pass them, you have to high five them, and if not, they're mad at you. And you know, I, I feel like I really do them? have that desire with 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 the people who I want some sort of validation from like people that I want to know that I am doing work and that I, or that I'm doing a good job. You know, the people who are above me in the chain of command, the people that signed my check, I want them to know that, Hey, I'm not just sitting here wasting your money. Like I'm actually doing something today. And part of that, you know, makes me want to get their attention a little bit and say, Hey, what's going on? And maybe chit chat about what I'm up to. And it's like, man, everybody must do this to you. Yeah. Cause I, I'm a pretty low maintenance person for the most part. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not the sort, you know. I'm not the person that's got to check in with someone every morning and have that 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 meet and greet with everybody. So when I have the uh, the inclination to do that, if I'm getting that feeling, everybody's probably getting that feeling with that with that same person. So I don't want to feel like I'm entitled to their time or that they, you know, have to even that they have to acknowledge me. Like you know, I try and when I have that feeling to say, "Hey, what's up? How's your morning?" Sometimes I just try and rein it in. Because sometimes I get bothered with that question oh, from man. from thirty different staff members in the morning, you know. So it's like, man, I'm just gonna give this person their space. And I said hello last time we interacted, so maybe I'll just pump the brakes and wait for them to, to greet me, and then we'll start it again. It's you your know? turn. Balls yeah, in your court. yeah. So uh, and especially those of us that are there a lot. Oh yeah. You know, I was just like, gonna say the fun jumpers. I. I hope some of you are watching when an instructor just says hi and keeps walking and has nothing to do with you. It's That's our job. And just like your job, you're going to have your good days and bad days. Some days you want to talk. Some days you just want to you want to just get your job done and go home. And, uh, you know, I've had that conversation with Antonio before in the past where he's like, man, you just say hi and keep walking. He's like, what did I do something? I'm like, no, I, why would you think that? He's like, you didn't, you didn't stop to talk to me. I'm like, bro, it's not all about you. You know, like I, I think, and I love Antonio. Like he is one of my favorite people to see grow in this sport, but it's like, man, uh, this is still our job. You know, like you don't go to work every day wanting to have a conversation with everybody. You see you, some days you're, you know, you just got done arguing with your fiance in the morning or your wife or your significant other, whoever it was. And, you know, they set the tone for the day that you're going to have a bad day. And, and with my mentality, uh, it's hard to break that thought process until I reconcile whatever happened that morning, you know. And I, you know, again, Spaceland's been awesome and good, but it, it's still a job all said and done. And, and we're it, commonly there 60 hours a week. It's, it's easily, easily yeah. that. Like today, I was there from 930 in the morning until six and then came here. I mean... That's not a long day for a lot of people, but normally I would have got there at eight, but I told myself I'm not showing up till nine thirty ten because I have to do a podcast. I didn't have to. I was honored to join the podcast. Excuse I'm me. i to have you here. Nah, dude. I uh, think that you have to because I got off work early today and yeah, didn't do the I, jump I needed to do because I have to go to a podcast. Yeah. And, you know, are we still... and. 
I did two tandem line sets. If you guys don't know what a tandem line set takes, come upstairs and I'll let you do one. <laughs> <laughs> I will gladly Anytime let you, do you this you guys want to do a tandem line set, I did two of them today, and it took every bit of my time in that loft and with minimal breaks for lunch and peeing. So I'm not going to – I don't know the, the math for the Icarus 365, but I can tell you, first of all, people who aren't jumpers – to do a line set means we take all the lines off our parachutes and we put brand new lines on it. Now, for everybody, on the bottom of a standard nine-cell canopy, there are 48 line attachment points. Mm -hmm. That means you've got to attach 48 lines, sew down 48 lines, and that's just the attachment points. And then you have the cascades, which commonly you divide that in two, and that's how many you have. Correct. Is it the same number? Is it 48 on the bottom? No, because the, the Icarus There's Tandem... There's 16 makes... points of attachment on the tail alone for the yeah. steering line. So uh, a velo in total are 16 bar tacks plus the stabilizers. There's 16 bar tacks alone on the tail of a canopy plus another 20 bar tacks plus another six uh, stabilizers. So it literally, uh, when I first started out, it would take up a full day to do one, and I knocked out two today. Mm -hmm. And it, it it's... Again, it's just, you know, you got to beat on your craft to conquer and develop the skill to be really good at your craft. And that's what you call it, your craft. That's my craft. <laughs> yeah. What's up, craft? <laughs> so to anybody that, again, wants to learn, we're always happy to let you watch your reserve get packed, to watch a line set get done. Not every day we're happy, you know, but if you see us doing it, you know, ask minimal questions unless we're literally happy-go-lucky. But we're definitely there to, you know, always teach you guys and, you know, pass on that knowledge. And if you've never watched your reserve being packed, um, you, you might not want to. Jay Stokes is a good buddy, and Jay Stokes is known as a very stoic man. He's a very well-presented man. He's a guy who, you know, he's our, our president of USPA. He's got a few years under his belt now. You know, he's 50, 60 years old, and, and he, he has lived a very respectful life. People say, I've never seen Jay Stokes cuss. You've never seen him rig. I was just going to say, yeah, watch somebody rig and you'll know real quick. If you watch the way the riggers treat your reserve and how much they beat on your reserve, you might not ever want to jump that rig again. If, if, you haven't, if you haven't slapped or spanked a reserve after you closed it, you, you didn't do it right. You Yesterday, I think it was, we were in the loft and you go, my pip game is strong after you backhanded a reserve a couple times. <laughs> bam! Bam! Sometimes I'll break out Old Faithful for a brand new AMP and Old Faithful is a wooden or a rubber mallet <laughs> <laughs> yes and and we take good care we cover it up with some you know soft material but yeah sometimes we have to take a mallet to make sure that it forms properly and and that's really one of the differences in in folks like you i say folks like you there's a lot of great riggers in this world um i don't know simon wade but everybody i've seen trained by simon wade is really good rigger so at this point i kind of made an assumption in my life that he's a good rigger he's such an awesome dude anytime you guys get a chance uh his sense of humor is very much uh, an acquired taste i'm good he, with that yeah he is he's all about good times and good vibes it's uh, riggers a good rigger will get your parachute packed. A great rigger will make it look wonderful. And you guys are so picky in the rigging loft, man. I, I'll watch you. Like, you'll actually come to me and say, DJ, I look at the way your reserve settled. And, and if you, you know anything about your reserve parachute, the longer it sits in the pack job or the container or the backpack, whatever you want to call it, the more it settles in and things start to move and shift around. And you'll go, I don't like the way that's sitting. Bring it to the loft and fix it. 
I don't have to ever approach you. You say it before I'll ever notice it. So you guys really do a nice job taking care of your friends and taking care of people. We do our best to make sure that that memory doesn't set because especially with uh, the pop tops being contained with inside the, the reserve flaps, you know, you know, not like a wings or a javelin, uh, a glide. Uh, if that if that pop top starts to get wonky, that material is going to start to form memory. And that is like the last thing we want to do, especially on an AMP. Um, whenever we get a wings, we tell a jumper we're like this is gonna move in a month. You need to bring it back to us because of the humidity and the the closing loop stretching, or you know we're just trying to get you guys in the air because you want the rig now. Whatever the reasons are, we want to just make sure that that rig looks really good, all said and done. It only looks really good. Uh, I don't think it's unsafe when those things happen, but I do believe it's safer. We used to, in the United States, be allowed to have our reserve packed every 120 days. And I think all of us, were you guys around for those times? I was around for the 120. Okay, cool. it, it shifted right around the, the time period I showed up. Okay. And now it's 180 days. And actually, part of the reserve gear inspection is to check the reserve pilot chute in the seating. Because over 120 days, the gear can only settle so much. Over 180 days, it settles more. Mm -hmm. And because it settles more, they actually have had weak reserve pilot chute launches. So if you're getting your gear oh, packed... Yeah, well, not the spring's compressed so long, but it's a closing loop. So Nick asks, because the spring is compressed so long, it's not because it's compressed so long. It's as the, everything settles and the loop gets a little bit looser. Now it starts to get uncompressed. Oh, okay. So there's not enough. It's not, there's less punch packed in there because it's already stretched out a little bit. So when we close it, the, 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 the Cypress loop, uh, it's still strong and it's still tight, but it's still going to stretch because of hum humidity or the material is setting and yeah, the pop natural movement of the natural movement in the in the in the airplane or a, a rough landing on the ground and if that if that pop tops wonky it's not going to get the proper uh, pounds of pressure to launch off your uh, back because it's trying to you know it's trying to get distance between you and the container system when it goes ahead and you know <laughs> freely lets your reserve out or the top of that reserve the reserve cap a pop top is a cover that covers your reserve cap. I've been corrected by that by manufacturers. Kelly Farrington, I wrote an article for, uh, and I wrote an article that uses the word pop top, and he actually sent me an email and corrected me and said, a pop top is what covers a reserve that's exposed to reserve cap or the top of your reserve is the term you're looking. And I forget reserve the exact cap. Yeah, yeah he, he gave me a bunch of nerdy words, and, and Kelly just likes to take shots at me. He's a good dude. He's very smart, I hear. Oh, dude, he is. He's brilliant, man. Bill Booth's most po uh, popular writer, uh, Oh, right? he will punch you if you hear you say Oh, okay. Bill Booth likes to introduce uh, Kelly Farrington as my most famous employee ever. Yeah. Kelly Farrington owns Infinity and built the Stratos rig. Not his company. He built the Stratos rig, the rigs that went to space. And after those rigs went to space, Bill Booth turned, walks around and goes, Kelly Farrington, my most famous employee ever. Because <laughs> Kelly worked for UPT, worked for Bill Booth. He was a real big part of what the modern Vector is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the similarities you see between the Vector and the Infinity are partially because of the relationship and knowledge that Kelly actually took from both places. It wasn't that he took necessary things away from UPT. It's he left his mark at UPT as well as, because mm -hmm. Bill Booth has had a lot of brilliant people work for him. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bill introduced him that way. And I don't know for sure if it gets under Kelly's skin, but I'm positive that he doesn't appreciate that. Okay. Because then. he's trying to be his own man. Definitely. Set his own mark. You know what I mean? It's, uh, hey, dude, you're Rory's replacement. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be somebody else's replacement. You no. you want to be your own man. Yeah, you know and that's and that's one of the reasons I always talk about when I say Nick. I I say he's one of the co-hosts, and as much as he hates to be that, 
Who? You, Mr. P. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. Mr. P. Mr. P. Is because part of it is, is I really do believe you give a lot more to the show. I know I do talking. I thought you were, you've been killing it tonight, man. Dude. The wine's wearing out. You can see he's, <laughs> he's, he's tired. See, I, he's got the tired eyes. I, he's got I'm the just going to refuse to take credit for it. Like that's <laughs> that's like I I know how much work you've put in to make this uh, to make this what it is to make the system here what it is to make you know I've to get the guests in that. Se- I know that you've had fun. You've been I, not just because you've enjoyed it doesn't take the fact of okay. you know away that you've put a lot of work into it, and the work that I've put into it pales by comparison. You know, I bet for every hour I've put into this and every, I mean, I haven't put a single dollar into this. I show up every week. You guys have <laughs> dinner made for me. I bring fuck dinner all. Dinner was amazing, by the way. Yeah, Thank dinner's you. always, and it's always good. And I sit here, I push some buttons. I Sometimes I think of some questions. You know, my, I might, like for Raul, I sat and, you know, I watched some videos. I did some prep. I'd, uh, but even, even that's where usually I show up with nothing planned to say. And yeah. then sometimes I chime in. Dude, the day he showed up with a notepad with notes, I'm like, what the F? You know, I, <laughs> I, saw, I, I chimed in with notes. Or no, I showed up with notes for my, like for the first podcast we ever did when I was a guest. And mocked yourself. I came I came with notes. <laughs> and I, I thought it was funny because if, you know, I interview a lot of people for stories and videos and whatnot. And if someone I was interviewing showed up with notes, I'd be like, put those fucking notes away. Like, <laughs> this is about to be an organic conversation, goddammit. And it's funny that. That's exact. I just wanted. I just. I'm just a little Boy Scout. I want to be pre- prepared, dude. But when I, I invited him, I said this is going to be an organic conversation. I showed up. The most notes I had for anybody was. For we Nick's. both had some some <laughs> all the notes. Oh, nice! But so we had dinner at Sakura. Like we had sushi, Ooh. and we're like, yeah, this oh, is what yeah. it's going to be like. <laughs> we actually were like, we, I, we can't talk too much about this right now. We, we don't want to ruin our conversation. <laughs> I know that I. Well, maybe I didn't overthink it, but I definitely overprepared for it because most of the things that were uh, on my sheet of paper to talk about, almost all of it. I didn't actually talk about that's that's funny. <laughs> I mean, just like tonight, I mean, the conversation, it just kind of takes off in ways that you don't expect. You know, someone might bring something up and that might trigger a thought that you like that. I didn't, you know, I bring up something that I didn't expect you to think about it the way that you did. You no, know? I like the way you talked about live bigs. It was amazing. Like hearing your passion behind it and you actually had fun. I, did, I had a fucking blast, <laughs> man. It was great. I'm so happy when I see you or my other friends do those events like you and Tommy and Blair. Blair did that event because... A, we got into skydiving for the pure love and passion of it. And now we're kind of indentured to the sport is where, you know, we're not stuck with what we do because we make that decision. And I love the decision I make. If you, if you know me well enough, you probably believe I like my job a little bit. Um, I, I really enjoy it, but you guys are getting back to the pure passion and love of it. I started fun jumping a little bit more recently for that same reason. But God, also... I need to. You guys come back so revitalized. You guys, after that event, like when I saw you this morning, despite being Mr. Grumpy, I haven't had my coffee yet. I was tired. I had a very late night. It was a long weekend. I made a lot of I didn't have my coffee <laughs> yet. It's a, you still, as soon as you woke up, had a look in your eye that I haven't seen. And there's that sparkle, like you just had another first date with yeah, the I new think, Sam. I think I know the spark that you mean. And I, you know, different things revitalize that feeling from time to time. Sometimes it's vacation, sometimes it's. A good skydive. Sometimes it's uh, you know different things to it. Sometimes uh, you know I'm just really lit up to work and I just want to make something. Like, I think that's the my favorite thing is to make to make or fix a thing. And with videos, like to when I know that I get to make a video, like the intro to this video, I love it. I don't know if anyone is gonna get the same chills that I get when I watch it because I was there for this uh, for this moment in real life that mm-hmm. I that I built into the video and I had chills then. And so I don't know. I don't know if anyone 
will I don't know if it'll resonate with anybody for sure. I'm sure the people who were there. I mean, and I'm sure some people will like it, but like to me, when I get to, I just like I I like that I get to make things that make people feel. You know, (laughs) that you see a thing and you have a feeling about it. Like that's just fucking crazy to me. Like that that that, that's a that that's what I like so much about video. So I knew that I got that I'd get to sit and, you know, almost plan my, uh, (laughs) plan the uh. Just make a plan for how this video is gonna go, and that take that. You, you take know. your idea and you actually apply it to your video. Yeah, yeah, and then I get to watch a bunch of badass skydiving footage, and I get to decide what parts of that video get. Now, how hard shared. is it to not put more of you? <laughs> one of the very, it's so dude, it's so funny that you brought that up because one of the first shots is me, and I oh, love man. it. I'm like, no. I would be all, I'd be like it's, every other like thirty seconds, like a snap of me, snap of me. No, it's it's funny, but like this shot, I think defines my personality pretty well, and it's just super. Now, are you smiling or are you straight faced? Uh, or it's, serial it's gonna face? be a surprise. Okay, I may or may not yeah, be yeah. flexing. Sorry, I don't want to ruin it for the, I know, for, the, the <laughs> for the premiere. No, but it's it's super. It's funny, like, and but I do have that. I struggle with that because, of course, I'm by like just like when you watch a skydive. If you were on that skydive, you're gonna pay way more attention to the video, you oh, know. Yeah. So it's like I have this natural bias of like, oh well, I want to show my favorite jumps, but I have to remember I was only on 25 percent of the jumps that happened this weekend. Some were cooler, some were more successful. The ones that that I were on, some you know, no one has the emotional connection that you know the emotional experience that I was having while I was on those jumps. I'm the only one that had that feeling, you know. Do you remember like when your first skydiving video you ever made? Do you? Do oh yeah. You, do you remember that? I remember mine. It was awful. Yeah, dude, it's terrible. <laughs> it was and terrible. I, and I've talked about this before, but there it was all exits <laughs> like lots of exits because that was the only time I was close enough to like film something. That you can see, you know, yep. and then so it was. It was a lot of exits, a lot of like canopy openings, maybe a couple landings here or there, and then like three or four like five second clips of like what I thought was the best fucking free flying the world had ever known, you right? Because my buddy was flying on his head ten feet away from me, and I happened to get like three quarters of his body in frame. You know that shit was We're awesome. We're doing it. Yeah. So you know I. I, and I think that the you know, the reason I've made progress with with making videos is one my flying's gotten a little bit better, <laughs> and two I've just I mean I'm just always, uh, I guess I'm always dis you know I I always see that anything I make could be better, you know like I'm never like a hundred percent content with it. It's always like yeah this is really cool but, and I try and hang on to that but, and then I try and expand on whatever that but is in the next the next video so That's awesome this video is good but what if i had done this and then hopefully i can keep that in mind and work a little bit closer towards whatever that that, that comes is. back to being your craft though man you're always wanting to get better yeah and it's just i think and again we've talked about this before and this isn't an original idea for, for me the way that it's worded isn't original but just being unimpressed like not unimpressed but just <laughs> continually discontent about what i do you know mm-hmm. like never never being super stoked like never being uh, super boastful or gloating about any of it. It's like, yeah, yeah, it was okay, but like, there's better shit out there. Like, there are better flyers out there. There are better, better videographers out there. There are people that know way more about cameras and editing and everything that that I do. That uh, <laughs> I just, I just think it's hard to, to. I mean, it's just a humbling thing to keep that in mind. Like, hey, I'm never gonna be the best at this thing. Like, there's always there's always something I can do better, and there's always going to be someone doing it better. So I'm never going to. But with I'm that mentality, that's best. why you put out such a good product. Is you're just humbled. 
just like the way your group See, is. I, but I don't know if humble is the right... To me, someone who's humble is someone who is good at something. They know they're good at something, but they're, they downplay... Well, they're, they're, you're they're doing saying, it right now. I don't think you get it. <laughs> See, but, no, no, I don't but, think you know what you're doing right no, now because everybody loves your videos. You no, know, but I know the truth. Just like how you know the holes. Like For me, flying is a really easy comparison. I know the holes in my flying. I know the things that keep me from being a really good flyer, someone you know, on the level of people that I get to fly with. I know what those are. No one, like Not many people know what those are. Maybe some of the people that fly with me enough know what those are, but I know what those are. I know your what those are. Your breakers are weak. I saw them the other day. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> suck, man. But... Uh, uh, I think that applies to everything. Like, I know the holes in my game with editing video. I know the holes in my game with, with using a camera. And I know that to, to most people who don't know much about most of those things, maybe it seems like like I'm okay at it. And maybe I'm okay. I would settle for being okay at a thing. Yeah. But man, there's so much room to, to be better. And I think that it's an important thing to remember. Like, just, I mean, but for me, it's not. I don't think that I'm great and say that I'm shit. I just really... I just know it can be better. And that's 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 as much of a compliment as I'm willing to pay myself, you know? And sometimes I like when I press play on a video that I've worked really hard on, yeah, it feels really good to watch it and to feel, and to watch other people enjoy watching it. it. Does feel really good. But uh to say that I'm great at any of it would would be uh an extension of uh, not an extension, an exaggeration of the truth. I'll say it. You're awesome. great at it, <laughs> yeah, See, but man. you're full of shit. You don't no, know. Like, <laughs> it, I, I do. I've, I've seen. I'm the audience. And I, I know. I appreciate that, and I and I don't doubt that you give that that that. I don't think people would genuinely. hand you 90 gigs to go over if they didn't think you were <laughs> yeah, good at what you did. Oh no. yeah, but 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 I'm also the person who's willing to do the work, and I'm the person who is in the position to do the work. I get paid to do that good, stuff now. Good it's people awesome. take on those challenges, though. But. Uh, <laughs> Just trying to stroke your ego. You're no, not letting me stroke. No, you. I, and I don't want it to. Like I, the people who I know who think they're the greatest are people who I just don't really enjoy spending time around. You know, yeah. to hear someone talk about how cool they are and how great they are, it's like, man, that's an exhausting thing to even listen to. I can't imagine what it's like <laughs> to think that all day long. Right. You know, and it's like that to me. If you, if you already think you're the greatest, where's the growth come in? You know. If you think you're the worst, you got nowhere to go. Not the worst, no, that's, but that's good. But that's a good uh, there's process. there's nowhere to go but up by you know by doubting yourself. So and I have a question. I are you good at what you do? I'm very I'm I'm very, I'm very okay. okay at it. Okay, I would say I'm I'm decently well rounded as a as a skydiving videographer that I could get a decent shot of most things. I hope I'm, you can I'm, own that you're good. Because you really should. See, but you got to, like, flying this weekend, like, with someone like MX, to watch what he can do, like, him and Garrett watching their videos of the shit that they're filming. Like, they do stuff that I wouldn't even think of doing. One, because I don't have the flying skill to do it. And two, I just don't have the eyeball to film flying that way. Like, so you're not one of the greats. You're yeah. comparing yourself to freaking Michelangelo. Cool. <laughs> I want to be that someday. Yeah. But you're still good. For I, I like no, the word I, you use, unimpressed. When I walk away, because I, I teach a bunch of courses every year, I walk away unsatisfied every course. Like, I'll walk away and somebody will say, well, you did this really good. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I, and like you said, you know your own holes in your own game. I like that word unimpressed you used. I, I see what you're saying. He's, he's humble. Yeah, I, I, I think he's I just very don't humble. think that's the right word. And, I, and I, I mean, I would like to live up to that word. I just don't think that's the right word. Mm. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's because you're your worst critic. All right. I think I think that's <laughs> what it, what it really comes down to is I I'm not saying like I'm not putting you on a pedestal. I think you do good work. I, I good is is a very broad See, I, definition. I, I, I believe would, good 
is a standard where you're putting out a product where people are smiling and getting joy from. If you're not good, people wouldn't want you to build a video or do an edit. If you weren't good, people wouldn't ask you to come, you know, jump on their uh, their jumps, <laughs> come and and make and well, put I, out a product. Oh, I feel like this is way too much about me, but I, I appreciate the compliment. I I do uh, value the input, and I, I I I take the compliment about my work ethic because I do try hard. You do, but. Uh, it's uh, with varying degrees of success, and I hope that it keeps I getting agree. better. I agree. I agree. Nick's the best. I think ever. Nick is just a very good person. Mr. P stands for president. Mr. P. <laughs> Go ahead, sing it. Let's see what you got. Mr. P. Hang on. P. Can I tell? Uh, hold on. I'm going to share another story. We've been talking for like almost three and a half hours, but I'm going to keep talking. Criminy. So DJ made these shirts. Have you seen the Mr. P shirts? I don't know. So there's a Mr. Bubbles. Do you know what Mr. Bubbles is? Is it, no, I don't know. Miss, will you tell us about Mr. Bubbles, DJ? Mr. Bubbles, uh, Mr. Bubbles is a bubble bath brand. You recognize that, I'm sure. Okay. And there's an old school, quote unquote, vintage style T-shirt that's Mr. Bubbles on the front of a T-shirt that says Mr. Bubbles on the front of it with a bunch of bubbles around him. <laughs> I'm sure if you've seen the Mr. Bubbles T-shirt, you, you'd you know recognize it. Mr. Bubbles if you saw it. But anyway, DJ made this shirt with my face <laughs> on this Mr. Bubbles logo, and it says Mr. P. <laughs> and it's the same color. It looks just like the logo, and but it's my face, and you can see my tattoos and whatever. It's really funny. Nice. But from that shirt, I would wear that shirt and see it in the mirror, and I would start singing the Mr. Clean jingle to the. <laughs> but I would say, Mr. P gets tough on dirt and grease oh, and grime. Oh yeah, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so I went through like a full two weeks of singing the Mr. Clean jingle, <laughs> and I know I'm pretty sure I know all the words now. That's good. But uh, sing it to me. <laughs> Mr. Clean gets tough on dirt and grease and grime in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and every room that's in it. I swear to God, I couldn't I couldn't look in the mirror without seeing this fucking song, dude. That is impressive. That is so good. You should karaoke that. The best thing. So as much as you See, enjoy... are those headphones worth it today? They're awesome. That is awesome. And as much as you've enjoyed that shirt, and we've all laughed and enjoyed that, the fact that you sang an epic song for oh, two dude, weeks because of that shirt. Driving, cooking, brushing my teeth in the mirror. I couldn't stop, man. Oh, my God. I That that makes me understand that every time I wear that shirt, I'm going to put that song back in your head. <laughs> I am, That is awesome uh, to know. This has been a lot of fun, man. I've, I've, I'm so thankful for actually coming on. I was a little nervous, and, and it actually has been just a lot of fun. That's the fun part is, and you could see every everybody, including us, when we first started doing this, we, we had to break loose a little bit. Now we can just kind of talk, and when people first show up, you see that little bit of like, Yes. Yes. Matthew no. is correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. Correct. And um, <laughs> th those barriers break down real quickly. And, and I hope a lot of our friends have talked about doing this. And I have a lot of our friends who, who I want to join us um, realize, yeah, man, this is weird talking on the mic at first, but it very quickly turns into just bullshit happening. That's all this yeah, is. And that's the funny part is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a natural. And then I sit down. I see my I see myself on the uh, <laughs> I'm watching myself right now. I see myself on the monitor. I'm like, yes, <laughs> correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, why am I moving like a robot right now? Why am I not? just? Why am I not talking Emotions. to my friends? Yeah, why I'm data. I'm I'm giving you feedback. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I will answer the question in my best way. Uh, See, that's what I think. DJ, you're so great about like flowing with conversation. Like 
most of the time <laughs> when I start a thought, it's like I I have the thought in my head and I have a good idea of where I'm going with it, but I have given zero thought to the end of where that's gonna where it's gonna end up. But you're so great at like just connecting one thing to another and filling in all of the blanks that it just sounds so natural yeah, and so flowing. I am a master bullshit. And it's very yeah, that might be it. It, it really is. But it's very uh, you're doing it's, it. it's conversationally inviting. Yeah. In courses, I commonly get comments about like, oh, man, you're so good at analogies. No, I'm good at bullshit. That it really is the truth of it. Uh, I'm a master bullshitter, so congratulations. I was given the gift of gab, and I started a podcast. Ta-da. I, I hope it takes off for you. I hope you like you grow a really good fan base because this was a lot of fun. You yeah. Tommy Johnston. Hi, Tommy. Tommy Johnston, since Ben isn't here to say it. See, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm even motivated by the thought of having like – Let's get fans. Like that's just not like that's just not a thought in my brain. Or not fans, like, but I just hope it just like grows. Like you just keep having more and more guests, or you know, or so I, I'll equate what you said to a skydiving thing for me. The last thing I want to be in skydiving is known because being known is annoying. When people have to greet you everywhere you go or do anything, I watch my friends who are well known, and I and I don't understand how they do it. I watch movie stars. I don't understand how you do it. I don't want to be known because I don't want to be famous or any of that stuff. But if I finish skydiving and I'm well known for something, that means I made an effect. And hopefully it's a good effect, not a bad effect. Yeah, I think it's nice to have an impact. So I really hope to make a name through the sport said and done. Not for any reason, but that helps me have a, it's a measure. And for the podcast, the first goal and the first priority is straight up. The three people or how many other people in the room have a good time. And I think we've been very successful at that. We've always walked away with a smile, a laugh, and a joke. Um, the people listening having a good time is definitely a huge asset to me, and I, and I want that. And it makes us a little bit more fun. I, I know Nick. I, I've had a lot of engagements with people in public about the podcast. And Nick, it's recently started happening to you a little bit more, yeah. I think. And... Dude, people actually make me smile by the things they tell me. They're like, bro, Nick said this, or Matthew said this, or you guys talked about this, and this was, and they tell me about the bright part of their day, and we were the bright part of the day. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, dude, it, it, it really is. It's a touching thing for me. So to know that I'm giving people joy and I'm bringing people pleasure by doing this makes me want to grow it to just, just, if people are having fun doing it, I don't know why you are. I think it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and I appreciate that. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying we're stupid. We're being silly. Yeah. But um, super silly. Super, super Valerie's glad super I started silly. this because she doesn't have to listen to me at least one night yeah, a week. One, right? one last night. We're all sharing the burden. Yes. She's like, all right, have fun. Runs away. Yeah. She, she's like, I'm out. <laughs> um, but I, I do hope to grow a fan base. And part of the fan base is is a measure of impact, like success. People are enjoying it. We're, we're doing what we're trying to do and have fun here. Um, and it's a motivator. It's something that says, hey, man, keep doing this because people are enjoying it. Yeah. Trent Alcat came to me recently. Uh, this has been a few weeks now. And a, a good friend, a mutual friend of ours, was doing a live Facebook feed. And Trent brought it to me and showed me the screen. It had one person viewing live. And he goes, DJ, promise me if you ever get to the point where you only have one viewer, you'll stop doing a, a show. <laughs> hey, we've only got five right now. Yeah, yeah. We're, we just dropped yeah. the five. I'm like, it's dwindling. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I told uh, Trent was like, uh, this is not really a live show. This is a podcast that is also advertised live. That's what the live part is. And also, I don't know if you've ever noticed, I've seen one live before with three people actively commenting. Here? Yeah, on your cast? Yeah, yeah like I don't trust say, the numbers on like, the screen at all. Next to live, where it, you see it says the five people watching now, top okay, left above yeah. my head. Yeah, okay. so, sometimes that, that number will 
uh, you know, it'll it'll have that number and m- more people will be engaging. So it's it's hard to know how accurate any of it well, really is. Well, I was going to say, there's there was a time where I was watching and it, I was just watching, like just on the feed. I didn't yeah. click on it. I was actually just watching for a minute because I was listening to a friend have a conversation and then I would click it to actually listen and then somebody would ask me a question, I would click off, but I'm still actively watching, but I'm not, I'm not actually like blown up like what it's doing now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, I, yes, it does. Okay. And a- after the fact, I actually can go back and look at the stats. How many views there are? If if you go look at a Facebook Live video and it says a video had three thousand views, that means three thousand people saw it in their news feed scrolling by. Okay, yeah, I see. My news feed does not autoplay anything. It won't show up as a view in anybody. But if your news feed autoplays video, when you look at the stats, it says I had three thousand views. Three thousand people autoplayed it. Now I can go into my stats and see how many people watch for at least 10 seconds. I can watch and see what the average view time was. I can watch. So it tells us more stats. So the numbers that I see on these counters are just nowhere near reliable. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, see, I, I wouldn't even know any yeah. of that information. I, I say reliable. I, I think it's a decent measure because Judson, what, we see 60-some at some point? Yeah, and I actually look at the numbers post fact. You know, we we I, I can see what state or country people are watching from in the largest denominations. Yeah, not just on the video feed, but actually the podcast that tells me people downloaded this from Australia or people downloaded this from Alabama. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. And you're, I can, you're in a, multiple countries. That's awesome. Well, do we got we got Australian friends? That's really what yeah. it is. We've got some British friends. We got some Australian friends. Um, a couple of Germans watch it here and there. Um, there's a couple, a, a lot of South Africa or South American. Man, me and that South Africa really? gig. South like, Africa. What? I was like, he thinks that Venezuela is in South Africa. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Appar- I think that's a different part of the globe. Yeah. So everything <laughs> below Mexico is South Africa for me, apparently. Ooh. Do you guys know who Little Dicky is? Little, yeah, Little Dicky's awesome. <laughs> have, you, have you heard his name? Okay, this is like the third time I've brought this up today. That's how excited I am about this guy. <laughs> But he has a song called Pillow Talking. I haven't. Uh, it's like a 10 minute long song. That's it's a long song. It's ridiculous. It's super <laughs> funny. But he's. So it's Pillow Talking. He's talking about. So he just slept with this girl and they're having a conversation afterwards. Yeah. And he's talking about like God and dinosaurs and like questioning <laughs> God through like why do dinosaurs exist? And uh, oh man, you just got to watch it. But I was going to say that DJ doesn't know about Pangea, but you wouldn't have caught that joke unless you uh, had seen this video, so you should watch it. And it's one of his new songs? Yeah, it's a newer one. It's okay. hilarious. What's Little Dicky? Little Dicky is a hilarious rapper. I'm gonna. This is the one thing I'm going to post a link to. It's uh, uh, He actually was like uh, a CEO or some type of, type of trade guy. He had a real high seven-figure job, and he actually went in and wrapped uh, a proposal and nobody liked it, and he quit his job like right there on the spot and became a rapper. Like instant sensation. Like everybody loved him. Dude, it's, it's social media, which is is the most dumb name ever because it's anti-social media. Yeah. If you you know. If you really think about it. You go out, and how many play times have you been out, and everybody's just sitting on their phone, on Facebook with their friends who aren't sitting in the same room as them. Oh, all the time. So I don't want to be a cracked out prey manis. I, I, <laughs> the only thing, the only thing that I have that's social media is Facebook, and I'm getting sick of it because it's starting to turn into more of advertisement than it is of you know getting to know your friends. It's MySpace. It's MySpace. Yeah, it's, it's become MySpace. Yeah, it's going that way for have sure. You, have you noticed, like on the right hand side, where the advertisement used to be smaller, 
and now how big it's gotten. And it's all catered to your Google search results? Yes. Yeah, it's wild, oh, dude. It's killing me. It definitely creeps me out, man. I mean... Uh, why are there fleshlights on the right side of my Facebook? I never quite I got. Don't get it. Yeah. And here comes the porn hub. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh man, uh, if you want to talk about fleshlights, hit up Eric Jackson. Apparently, yeah, he's become he a big to, advocate lately. I thought he used to work for their for them. I think he is still doing something, uh, or has started doing something again recently. So, because he's been talking about him a lot more at the DZ again. <laughs> Good for him. So, I mean, you know, he also may be single. I'm not sure, but fleshlights. Hmm. I you know just get a cuddle buddy. I thought he was always single. (laughs) I dude, I I think he might be that dog and his fleshlight. (laughs) Jesus, (laughs) I did not mean for that, Nick. Get out, you're you're gross, man. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've now officially broke down to the point of that's just too far. No, I think I think it was perfect. I think we I think we hit that fine line of too far. (laughs) It it involved animals. (laughs) I mean, everything else is fine, but bestiality. Gross. You suck. So what does the world need to know about Matthew Peterson? How are we going to wrap this up? Um, you know, just get out of your comfort zone. Uh, avoid being complacent. Never stop growing. And be open. And get the hell out of America. Yeah. America. We got to trade you out for some of these fucking foreigners we got. I know. I, it was funny, too, because You're I... You're the foreigner now. I was a little... Oh, no, I, I won't talk about that. I'm just going to not say that. <laughs> I'm just going to choose not to say anything. Wise choice. <laughs> no, I now really I want to know what it was. No, I appreciate Gravity Rats, DJ, and Nick Lot. Uh, you guys were awesome. This is. I wish I would have had a, a beer or two before I actually started this. I probably would have talked a little bit more in the beginning, but I kind of didn't know what I was getting myself into and just kind of stuck my toe in the water before diving in. And uh, this was a lot of fun. I was really nervous. Really, I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure how it was going to go down. I really just. I've seen. So to any potential guest, you're telling them that it's not as not as bad as no, it might seem. No, it's it really isn't. And I've I've seen most of them. I want to say at least five to six episodes, all the way from start to beginning. There's twelve. You've seen most of them. I've seen most of them. That's half. You know, uh, I didn't see the <laughs> early on, ones. Just let I him give you a compliment. Come on. I didn't see the early ones. The early ones I didn't. You miss Ben and Jay. Good job. I miss Ben yeah. Jay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you didn't. No, miss no. Much. I, 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 saw, exactly. no, I saw a little bit of Ben and a little bit of Jay. I just was working in school. Yeah, yeah. School and work kind of took over, but I think after this, I'm probably going to have to go back and play the podcast episode by episode in the loft. Make Jeremy and Kelly listen to it with me. You don't have to torture them with that. Yeah. It's all right. No, I, I, they'll, it, they'll, they'll enjoy it. I'm sure they will. I'm a large podcast consumer. I listen to a lot, a lot of different podcasts, and a lot of my friends do. I think Nick listens quite a few. As a matter of fact, Nick commonly refers to ones that I listen to, and I find new ones through him and through Stephen Boyd. And for me, a lot Ted of times, talk. they're background noise. I just turn them on, and I do whatever I'm doing. If I need to be super focused, then I turn off the podcast, and I put on like some music so I don't have to process yeah and a lot of times i was like wait a minute i need to go back and listen to the last hour because i really need to understand the culmination of that story but these are meant to be just that bad background noise fodder man we're we're not really supposed to be a focus of your life anybody's focusing on me you done screwed up somewhere man (laughs) this ain't a good place to look buddy um but Uh, definitely enjoy it download it to your phone um I, i i can't ask people enough please check out itunes and leave us a review um, and, and you can be honest about it because we have a lot to learn. A lot of what I've learned and a lot of what I've done in the engineering and production of the show has been because of the input of people. So um, I really appreciate you having here. And, and I tell people all the time when you're going to come on the show, it's meant to be an organic conversation. Yeah, and you, it, it totally was. You and me hanging out. And a lot of people don't know what to make of that statement. 
can I make it describe it any more than organic conversation? It's just a bunch of homies sitting around uh, a fire pit, hanging out, pretty much. I mean, minus the the fire pit, we're just sitting here <laughs> bullshitting. Yeah, so I, I we, we've got, dude. I can't believe Norman Kent's going to join us. That's, that's going to be that's, awesome. That's, that's really cool, dude. He's, he's such a knowledgeable, just well-rounded person, not just in skydiving, just in life in general. Dude, that's got to be that's got to be really cool. He's been shooting pictures. He's been a photographer since 1972, if I remember the year right. He's been skydiving a, a bit shorter than that. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Drop Zone, the movie Cutaway, the movie Terminal Velocity, and Terminal Velocity and Drop Zone were the final straws that got me into skydiving. He was in those. If you've recently watched movies like Triple X, um, uh, The Kingsman, he was involved with those. He, he has shot so many of the great movies that exist. He is. I didn't really know that well about known. The Kingsman. That's cool. Yeah, The Kingsman, and I'm going to get these two backwards, and, and I'll have to ask Norm to tell the story, but Luke, Luke Akins is also heavy into the, the Screen Actors Guild, and particularly video production and putting together camera and stunt crews for people and normally norman kent goes to the plane luke akins is his camera assistant and carries his camera there make sure it's set up right helps get it all set and switch before he takes off so luke is kind of the camera guy and if i remember right i think it's the kingman and i might have it as the wrong movie norman kent was actually luke akins camera assistant oh, it's just awesome. the way it contracted out and luke tells a story and i'd love to get luke in town and, and hang out with him one day dude because that i mean you know who luke is right mm -hmm. he's got stories out of this world if he's ever in town i'm gonna bug the heck i'm like bro you gotta come do this he um he, he's actually done some live facebook chats before and he said the next time we do this i'm gonna be sitting in a room in front of a camera with a bunch of my buddies drinking some beers so luke let's get Perfect. that happened yeah you know, that will be good um it was awkward for Luke. Norm was like, whatever, man. Here's here's your camera helmet. Here's your thing. But it was interesting because Norman Kemp played backseat in that movie. Gotcha. But he's done some super badass things. And the thing that impressed me the most, I watched him shoot all these free fly videos with you guys this week. And he flew like a boss. And then you look at the wingsuit videos he shot for the world record. And he's all over the place in a good way. Like, I want to be over here. I want to be over here. And the man can just fly. And then he goes and does the same thing on belly ways where he's above it, below it, around it. It doesn't matter what discipline it is. He could put his camera on his head and keep it in frame and make a beautiful shot. You said it. It's one thing to fly and it's one thing to have a good eye. But to fly and have a good eye and figure that out in free fall on the fly. Literally every pun intended at the same time. The dude's badass. Yeah. So, man, I hope more of our friends can check us out. Um, I, I really believe a lot more of our friends are more and more interested in doing this. Yes. I had one or two friends early on who I offered or asked to be on the show, and they either didn't have the time or they had different excuses. But I think a lot of it was hesitancy. And I think as people have seen it, they're like, it's just idiots. Yeah. No, yeah. This was super <laughs> Yeah, fun. yeah. You guys are no, stupid. No, you, you two made it like comfortable because you were engaging in the beginning, and I was like, one word answers, like my vocabulary is like not more than 10 See, words. See, and I don't even, I honestly didn't even notice it, but <laughs> just because, again, DJ is just so good at fucking rolling with the punches, he just rolls man. with it. I, I got to pull it out of you somehow, but once we got you kickstarted, actually... Back to glasses of wine. You need to keep that bottle of wine here and yeah, finish you, it off next time. You were chatty Cathy for a bit there. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> Don't I tell me how to live my life. Shit, he's hosting right now. What? He's a silly man. <laughs> Just saying. That's a comment. That's not. That never happened. It didn't happen. It never happened. I'm deleting so, all of this right now. Uh, yeah, dude. Crap, I was going to say I have it record, but you have it all in front of you. I'm kind of fucked in this situation. Um, no, I've had fun. Tonight's, this tonight's was a been great fun. time. Speaking of not telling you what to do, 
you know what to get ready to do, and you right. can go for it, man. So, man, I really appreciate you being here, Matthew. Thank you so um, much, DJ. Guys, you're welcome, man. Share the knowledge. <laughs> go <ahead and> <laughs> Matthew Peters. <laughs> that was way too loud. <laughs> Sorry. I usually keep the volume down. There we go. Okay, now it's reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Watch the replay. You're going to see it in just a second. Oh, my God. You uh, scared the living <laughs> shit out of us. You have a the music. Thanks for joining us on Gravity Lab Radio. That is Mr. P. This is Matthew Peterson. My name is DJ. Blue skies. We are out of here. Peace.